A world in ruins and brothers betrayed. The vengeful spirit has finally left the orbit of Istvan III. Countless brother Astartes lay cold in the ground, betrayed by their own gene fathers. Whatever has possessed the minds of these four sons of the Emperor, we may never know. However, reports abound of a ship under fire jumping into the warp away from the fleet may yet be a herald of light in these darkest of times. Stay tuned, brothers. Radio Free Istvan will continue to broadcast updates on the movements of the traitor Warmaster. And remember, the Emperor protects. All righty, Radio Free Istvan listeners. It's your boy Vince here, and we got... Jamie. There you go. Boom. The madman <laughs> himself. Um, so what we got for you today, uh, tonight actually... Um, a fantastic episode lined up. We're going to be going over a little, uh, we already did our intro. We're going to be going over a little bit of our hobby progress, specifically because me and Jamie will be at War Games Camp 2019. Hashtag Trevor, hashtag AJ, <laughs> hashtag uh, miss everyone that I met last year, hashtag no regrets. Um, more hashtags I can't think of right now. Hashtag, oh, hashtag beer, hashtag liquor, hashtag no pants, hashtag short shorts. Well, I think it's hashtag keep the liquor on the down low, but yeah. Yeah, hashtag keep the liquor on the down low. Hashtag uh, Barth will have a secret heresy <laughs> bar. Uh, hashtag Barth uh, is bringing like all sorts of cool beers and liquors. Hashtag, I think uh, Joshua De La Rosa, uh, what's his uh, metal company that does all the mugs? Yeah. He's going to get a lot of business. Yeah, hashtag Josh De La Rosa's engraving uh, company where I Grim got... Brothers. Grim Brothers is what it is. Yeah, the Grim Brothers. So hashtag Grim Brothers to get your cool, awesome engraved beer koozies for can and bottle, as well as the Yeti cups he, do- he does. And then and hashtag... Gallon. The gallon, yeah, You'll see me and Josh, pro- I mean, me and Zach probably walking around with gallons. What? That's dope. And then hashtag Zach Delarosa for hashtag hopefully uh, bruising pew pews because he hasn't let us know if he's going to be running that this year, which would be awesome if that occurs. That was like probably, well, I don't know. For me, it was probably the most fun event that I did other than the four o'clock in the morning drives to uh, Whataburger. But. So I don't know. So... From my observation, Vice, what I played in last year, and we're getting ahead of ourselves because whatever, it's fucking the podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Vice, what I observed last year to what I actually played in, the only regret that I have of camp last year is that I did not play in like that two o'clock in the morning, complete shit show, drunk fest, like free for all ZM battle where like if you, oh, yeah, objective, yeah. you got to the objective marker it was like a shot and then like every other objective marker was a shot and there was like 12 people on a little four by four like zm table just going at it and it looked like it was like an absolute shit show but backing up what you said absolutely 100 percent right brews and pew pews now i take that back i, I gotta take it back i got I, it's a tie so Brews and Pew Pews was, my, was the most fun event I had when I was drunk. Well, you, you also did, like, crazy stuff with the wall. That's what... You, I, I sat there and watched that, and I was... And, yeah, you, you, did, you did crazy stuff on the wall. 
<laughs> so, so, uh, so when I was like the most fun I had when I was drunk playing games, obviously not just like fucking around camp with Scott and all the boys and everything um, was playing brews and pew pews. But when I was sober and it was my turn to go at Michael's wall, I, that was like the most fun and it was fantastic because I remember when it was like, I was like the 50th or the fucking thousandth person. So at this point, like, I think Michael was pretty tired. Yeah, he was, he was beat. Well, I mean, he, Just, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there, you were probably like number. No, I remember, like I, remember I, signed, I remember I signed up and it was like probably a good two to three hours later. That's when my yeah. answer, like I called. Yeah. And I remember old Cody, he was running around. He was like, hey, man. Don't you have like a master's of signals? And I was like, Yeah, man. He's like, All right, can I borrow it? I'm like, All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. What's your plan? He's like, Dude, I'm just gonna walk up there with ten masters of signals and just drop those bombs, baby, and I'll see what I can do. And I was like, All right, brother, go for it. Meanwhile, I'm getting a little toasty waiting for my fucking <laughs> shot at the wall. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. They just released the, the rule book's been released. Multi-bombing's a thing, and uh, because fortifications are stationary, it's automatic hits in close combat. I'm going to take a fucking Spartan, load that bitch up with breachers, go right up the fucking gut like Dad did it, deploy them, charge them, and then I'm going to get into that wall. And then, so, that was my plan. Michael was there, and it was the funniest fucking thing, because Michael didn't didn't make fun of me because all I showed up with was just a Spartan. Yeah, he's just like, wow, it's a Spartan. Okay. Yeah, well, he, he's like, he was like, he's like, he looked at that and he's like, that's all you got? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't like this. I, I don't. What's in that? I'm like, breachers. He's like, oh, fuck. And so like, and I went after the wall. I went on the left side of the wall. Yep. Because that's where like. By this, by my turn, somebody had taken out some of like the AA cannons and stuff like that on that side, but they actually hadn't like damaged the wall. Yeah, so the 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 wall and the the Aegis defense line trench that was in front of that side of the wall was completely cleared out by that fucking crazy dude that had a heavy like he had a heavy support tactical squad, a heavy tactical support squad with Volkite culverins. Yeah. And he absolutely murdered all the militia in like, that fucking trench line. He like, basically turned into like a Necron wannabe and like gossed everything. Uh, it was fucking fantastic. So he cleared them all out. And then by the time I got up to it, it was all empty. There was no turrets. And Michael didn't really have any like heavy support dudes on that side of the wall. Yeah, they were all on the other side, and yeah. he had like an after you started just reaming the wall. He had uh, Paul was literally like painting more imperial fists <laughs> while you all were playing and bringing them over to Michael, just like handfuls of stuff because you were chewing through so much. Yeah, and so I I I remember uh, I I moved the Spartan up. Uh, what did I do? It was something fucking fantastic that I think. Did you have a, I, you have a breaching was, charge or something like that you started off with and then you started doing the melt bombs? No, no, no. So I can't remember, and this is 
this is this is what sucks about not playing <laughs> Heresy in such a long time. Because I don't, I, if I, yeah, definitely didn't move twelve. Because if you move twelve, you can't. That's what I did. So on turn one, I was like, all right, I gotta risk it for the biscuit here. It's either all or nothing. I gotta do. I gotta move at cruising speed and then fucking flat out with the Spartan. Yeah. Get as close as wall, closest closest to the wall on my turn as possible before whatever he has can pop this thing. So what? That's a total of eighteen inches because you move up twelve and you flat out six. So eighteen inches. So at that point, I was to get to the wall was two feet. From the deployment zone. It moved up 18 inches, which means oh no, it wasn't it was it was more than two feet because it definitely wasn't six inches when I got out. Um it was more than that. But all I remember that like I can't remember the distances, but all I remember is I flatted out uh at cruising speed or combat yeah, cruising speed, flatted out, his turn went, he didn't do anything to my Spartan. Because he had like literally no like all of his big toys on had the other side. no sort of visibility or arc towards it. Right. All he had was like bolter dudes up on the uh Yeah. And I think it was like one or two quad last cannon turrets that did like nothing. But I, I think they didn't have like arc. They couldn't see it because the all the turrets on your side of the the uh, <laughs> wall were gone and and so the turrets on the other side of the wall couldn't actually see the Spartan where you actually put it. Yeah, but basically the conditions were set for the perfect shitstorm that was about to happen to that wall. Yeah. So then on my turn, I moved up six. I got out, and then I think it was like something crazy, like uh, it was something crazy, like a nine nine inch and more charge. And so I rolled my dice and I rolled a box car. And I was like, yep, game over. I'm in. <laughs> and I moved every motherfucker up yep. to that wall. And I didn't use my breacher charge on that. What I did was, I was just like, I was like, guess what? Oh, and before I, I should say anything, at this point, as soon as I made the charge and I, and I moved my guys into fucking charge range and, and base to base with the wall, Michael was like... All right, I'm gonna go take a break real quick because I think something <laughs> else was going on. I remember there was a lot of like Ryan was using the microphone to talk to everybody, and then I think he grabbed Michael for something. But regardless, Michael sent Michael sent poor old fucking Derek to take over, right? Yeah, yeah. So Derek comes up and he's like, "Hey man, I'm just here to make sure to roll some dice and just <laughs> take care of everything that happens, you know, everything." So. First round of combat, there's nothing Michael, nothing Michael's wall can do because the wall can't fight back, and doesn't give a sh doesn't matter that my fucking melta bombs are at an initiative step fucking negative a million. It, I'm gonna fucking swing automatically, and I'm gonna hit this fucking wall. So, twenty breachers automatically hitting, and I had a chaplain attached as well, so I could reroll. And uh, I ended up, after that first round of combat, I ended up doing a total of 
I think it was a total of 36 or 42 hole points to the wall. Yeah, you... <laughs> And it completely collapsed the left side of the wall. So yeah. all that was remaining in the game was the gate and then the right side of the wall. Yep. And then when I finished my... Uh... Oh, that's the other thing I did. So when I, when I, uh... when I got my guys out of my transport... Before I, I moved them in the shooting phase, I flatted out the Spartan. And I put the Spartan in between the gate and the right side of the wall and the, the breachers so he couldn't shoot me. So it was like line of sight blocking, the Spartan covering the breachers. So then I took down the left side of the wall. And so the funniest thing, though, is I rolled all my hits and with the chaplain, I fucking, I hit every single one, except for like, I think it was like only like two. I didn't fucking hit like two. And so Derek's like, uh, what the fuck just happened? I'm like, oh, well, I got all these hits and it's all Melta bombs. So now I'm going to roll Melta on these might on the, on the mighty bulk work fortification that this thing technically classifies as. And there's no rule against it. Like, it doesn't like. It's not like the the wall has armored ceramite. So, I get to roll my melta on it. So I just took like twenty something fucking dice, like rolling two <laughs> dice at a time, and just oh, that's a pen, that's a pen, that's a pen, that's a pen, that's a pen. And I had like so many fucking penetrating rolls, and it ended up totaling into like theoretic. Like I, I remember afterwards like looking back into the rule book if if it was just like a normal game of heresy just following like the normal mighty bulk work fortification rules the whole wall would have been gone like yeah. absolutely decimated and it would have only taken like about three of those pen those initial penetrating rules on the the fortification damage chart to fucking obliterate everything yeah so I, I didn't get to actually run against the wall, I, but I had something very special after, and it would have worked out great with what all you and a couple other people had done. Um, I had my Thunderhawk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a Thunderhawk with uh, the turbo laser and the, what is the six, six uh, Hellstorm, Hellstrike missiles on it, but I had uh, three uh, Contemptors in it with, like, wrecking arms and Gatlin guns. Yep. That'll do it. Fucking so, do it. But yeah, yep. so, and after, so in between uh, my penetration rolls and trying to figure what the fuck happened and like how many hole points have gone to this this wall, <laughs> Derek was just like, oh fuck, I'm going to go grab Michael because I don't know what the fuck just happened. Yep. And then Michael came over and he's like, Derek, what the fuck happened? What'd you do? And then he was like, I don't know, what the fuck it yeah. He fucking rolled the dice. What are you doing? <laughs> so then I was just like, "Hey, Mike, these like these are my penetrating, like these are these are my pool of penetrating dice. Like you don't, there's no save, and I just roll on a table, and then we're gonna figure out how many fucking hole points. And so obviously, like for the sixes on a mighty bulwark, it does like I think it did like something like stupid, like D three extra hole points or whatever. Yeah. It ended up being, like I said, like 36 to 42 fucking hull points, crushing that left of the wall. And then after that, uh, 
Michael was very smart on being uh, tactically responsive. Yeah. And he immediately just had fucking Paul from Canada just pump out more of his Imperial Fist out of his Imperial Fist factory that he was running in the back of the room. Yeah, it was and, just like he started pouring out tons of breachers and made yeah. basically like a phalanx yeah, to he, cover he, his uh, Terminators coming out behind him. Exactly. Like All I remember is seeing is like Michael just like scooching down at the wall gate and just like pushing his little hand through to like open the gate doors. And then all the fucking breachers came out yeah, and charged me. Crazy. Yeah. And the only funny thing that happened after that is when he charged me with his breachers, and because I was outnumbered, I know that this was the this is the end for the boys. So I was like, all right, time to fucking unleash the breacher charge. <laughs> so I unleashed the breacher charge. And normally, um, well, I would just say in general, classic tabletop randomness and heresy playing like when any when any time I play uh, an army with fucking breachers, uh, my very good buddy of mine that was in the Marine Corps, he got out now. He used to play with me in North Carolina. He used to run Imperial Fist and run the breachers, and he used to have that fucking cheesy breacher charge, and it would destroy me in combat mm-hmm. every fucking time. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, "All right, Michael, you may kill me now, and stop my fucking." running this fucking train and waxing this wall's ass right now but uh i got something for your ass and so i'm like yeah i got a breach charge bitch and i go to roll it and it fucking flipped on me and it just like waxed like six or seven of my dudes because they're so tightly compact even with the fucking little three inch diameter and then that was it that was the wall and it was fucking great yeah, that was it. Was a fun time. That whole weekend was a fun time. I know, and you and fucking his online name's fucking Thor, right? Were the ones that Odin. Picked- Odin it, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brian. yeah, yeah. He picked me up at the airport because that's how fucking RFI rolls. The community, like everybody, helps each other out. And I know that there's people like fucking from all over the place for War Games Camp 2019, like hooking each other up with uh, fellow campers that need rides. So it's good stuff. Yep. Um, but fucking Odin and you were like the first two people I was hanging out with that night. And then well, I think, uh, what's, what's, I think you were you were when I got in. I think you may have been already you were already out like on the floor or something like that in the hotel room. Yeah, but it was the next morning, you know. Like yeah, it was. Uh, who was the other fucking cool dude? Oh damn, I feel bad for not knowing his name. Remember I had uh, Bowman uh, short. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that fucking guy was wild. Yeah, Bowman, Bowman rocks. I don't think Bowman's coming this year, uh, but yeah, it's just because of the timing and stuff. He's uh, he's kind of almost in the middle of a move. I think he's getting ready to. He's like trying to move from where he's at right now, so he's like loading up stuff and taking it over. I think he's moving to Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Damn, Playboy. Well, no, uh, he's got he's got good friends that live in Vegas, and. Um, He's still got family out in California. That's kind of why he stayed in California, where he's at. He lives in death, literally in Death Valley, um, in Ridgecrest, where they had all the earthquakes earlier this year. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. his job is he's he's fortunate enough that he doesn't have to be on site, and um, so he he's moving to Vegas because it's just you know there's more Ridgecrest. There's not a whole lot there, and um, Vegas. There's just obviously there's a lot more to do. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he's Bowman's a Bowman's a been a long time friend. 
And so was Odin. Yeah. I just I talked about... it was Sorry, so guys. it was so funny uh, when Odin picked me up, and then <laughs> like I'm like, all right, this is just a cool dude, like a normal ass, just like, <laughs> and I mean, no offense by our player base, just but like you know, a typical older gentleman within our gaming community because like it's like mostly dudes that have been around since fucking 40k first and second edition that are right. still playing this game and i was like all right this is good this is it. one he was really cool really fucking hospitable like yeah he's he's always he's been a, he's always fan, a super absolutely nice guy. fantastic gentleman and then i think it was i think it was either friday or saturday and I caught that man the drunkest he's probably ever been in probably like twenty years. And it yeah, he got it. I think he had gotten into the moonshine at that point. So. Oh fuck! Cody brought that <laughs> fucking moonshine, and it was fucking nuts, man. Yeah, the stuff that the stuff that Cody brought, man, that was. I had moonshine, but mine was like Eastern Tennessee stuff that like you could use for engine degreaser. Yeah, stuff that Cody right? had. Stuff that Cody had, like, it was probably even more potent, but, like, you couldn't taste it. It, it yeah. literally tasted like it was the best-tasting thing I'd ever had in my yeah, life. Yeah, dude, it reminded me of back in my college days when, when we used to... Because I went to fucking... I'm from New Jersey, but I went to fucking college in Florida. Oh, where'd and, you end Jackson, up going? I went to Jacksonville University in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. So, every year in Jacksonville, Florida... Um, and this is big for Southerners... But I'm not Southern, so I don't really give a fuck. Um, world's, largest, world's largest cocktail party? The world's largest fucking cocktail party. The yeah. Florida-Georgia game. Yep. And man, oh man. Dude, the, the fucking random-ass <laughs> Georgian fucking hills moonshine that comes out in town. Yeah. Dude, I had this fantastic shit. It was called apple pie moonshine. And it was literally just like moonshine. With a little bit of cinnamon in it, some fresh like apple slices. Yeah, or and sometimes some, they'll put and, pears and, like, in there too. What's up? They'll put pears in that too, just to kind of help with the flavor. Yeah, bit. that's exactly what they did. They put the pears and then they put that like no shit real life like cinnamon roll thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cinnamon bark, yeah. Yep, and they put that shit in there and it was fucking primo. And that got me fucked up. <laughs> and that's crazy. Uh, I mean, like, uh yeah i that but that's i've had a decent amount because i like my roommate uh his uh white his now wife when i lived over in atlanta they were from she was from the her family was from the hills of north georgia and i'm talking like the up you know the base hills of the appalachian mountains where they send the uh oh, yeah. the, uh, the army rangers for winter training yeah and uh so, like, they were, she was from up there, and, like, when she'd come down, because, like, we lived in, like, just north of Atlanta and Alpharetta, um, she'd bring, like, moonshine down that her family would make, and, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I also used to have a bunch of friends that worked at NASA up in Huntsville when <laughs> I moved over here to Atlanta, and they're all, I, I kid you not, they, they literally were rocket scientists that worked at uh, Marshall Space Flight, and, like, their hobby, other than, like, playing 40K, okay, was they literally would take like aerospace and grade materials that, that they'd get from NASA, like leftover stuff, and build stills out of it and make their own uh, moonshine and whiskey. That is fucking insane. <laughs> that is absolutely- and then, like they took they took a lot of pride in that stuff too, because like it was like a big kind of inner competition between like about ten or twelve of those space uh, literally rocket engineers. 
making moonshine. Oh my god. That's insane. But yeah, so, for all you <laughs> listeners out there, that's what happened last year at camp. And hopefully this year we can replicate the same fucking thing. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but for right now... Let's go to the uh, intro now. <laughs> well, no, no, we already finished the intro. Okay. Yeah, me and you probably shouldn't have fucking did this, man. Like, no. We need a taskmaster. I know, right? Yeah. I'm, like, over here, and I'm, like, fucking writing down fucking notes and shit, and, like, I gotta put a one next to this and a two so I can tell me, like, oh, this is the next one we go on to. <laughs> um, but, yeah, hobby progress. What do you got going on, Jamie? Anything crazy you got going on for camp? Um, I am, right now, I am, <laughs> I have, since last camp, where I really got introduced to it, I've picked up a lot of uh, dust. Uh, 1947 Ooh, stuff. Baby boy. Um, I've got a bunch of Indac and Bloikrutz. I guess that's how you say it. Uh, Blood Cross uh, German or Axis Army stuff that I've been gradually picking up. And so, like, because of the my house with it basically getting destroyed and, like, not having any hobby oh, yeah. access to, for like, all any of my hobby materials for, like, over 10 months, I'm just now kind of getting back into the swing of things and unsorting everything and I've started uh, base coating all my um, my dust miniatures so that like they're not just primed. I I don't think I'm not gonna have them like finished by the time we get there, but they'll be like presentable. How about that? Hey, and, it's all right. Uh, like I'm fully on board with team hashtag closers, fully pants for closers. Right. Whatever. No, I, I am too. It's whatever. Just, I mean, like I've got a flavor of the week is for tim and michael to pass out to the masses i get it right yeah um but at the same time like i absolutely love this game and i love the community and not having like having semi-painted models not fully painted models is not going to stop me from enjoying events with the community and playing with the players Right. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to absolutely acknowledge that, like, yeah, it's fucked up. I have like I do play with like unpainted models, but you know well, what? I mean, I've seen I've seen your Dark Angels before and they look great. But I mean, like, I'm the same thing. I have got like a full I want to say probably close to 5000 points of fully painted Night Lords. Um, they're not the best. They're, you know, tabletop standard. And my painting's gotten a lot better since when I started them. But, I'm you know, I've got a dark angel army i've been collecting since before i started the night lords i started the night lords because i I wanted to make a 30k army um while i was waiting for the rules to come out for the dark angels and every time like a new book would come out it's like oh well we're going to do the dark angels in this book and they keep pushing it back and back and back and back that you you have like the the perfect two armies that's straight up theramus crusade right there right so i I started my night lords i'm not going to say I mean, they're definitely, it's a full, it's a full army. Um, since I, when I first started them, I probably need to, uh, to change my build out a little bit because they've tweaked the rules a bit more for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're done. And then my Dark Angels, I finally got tired of waiting. And when they finally put like kind of the, uh, the intro rules out and what was that? Uh, the book six. Which book, was it book six? Yeah, I finally started them, and, um, you know, I've got, like, most of my, I guess you would say, your troop choices done, and I've got, you know, all the rhinos and some of the tanks. I've got a lot of it actually built, 
and primed. It's just it's not painted out. And um, that because I, while I was working on a lot of it, we had heresy camp first, and I just couldn't get everything done in time. And then the flood. But I've still been adding stuff since then. You know, I've, as more stuff's come out and um, some other rules that have changed or whatever, I've been adding more. It's I basically with my Dark Angels armies, I have a lot of options. So like I don't, I'm not stuck to one style of play if I have to. You know, I can change it if I need to. So I've yep. got a lot of tanks. And, I've got a lot of tanks in this Dark Angel army, but I also have a lot of jet bikes. And like speeders too, if I wanted to go like Ravenwing. So I'm I'm in the I'm in the fucking same boat as you, my friend. Like Dark Angels are my first fucking army, and I fucking love them. They're my number yeah. one. But I do love my Thousand Sons. Yeah. Um, like I always say, like just like my paycheck, like my legions, like <laughs> first and the fifteenth, baby. Fucking pay me. <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. You know what I mean? So like, uh, but I've been playing them since fucking two thousand two, and then so. It was so funny because I remember I walked into my uh, to to the gaming store I played at like every fucking Saturday and Friday like sat- all day Saturday and Friday night in North Carolina. I walked in there and I remember my buddy Travis was like, "Hey man, you want to get into 30k?" I'm like, "What the fuck is that? What the, who the fuck are you?" Like, what the fuck? like uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's battle set in the fucking Horse Heresy." I'm like, "Oh, that sounds dope." Like, what do we got? Like, what do we, what do we, like, what, how do the Dark Angels play? Like, where's the rules? And he was like, oh, you just get these little, like, shit rules. But my Death Guard are fucking awesome. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And so, like, that's where it started from there. I bought a, uh, bought a calc box. And then, uh, then I got my wits about me for doing all the OCD research I normally do when I'm building an army. If it's one thing I'm really good at doing, this is toot my own horn here. <laughs> I like doing a lot of research, applying that research to my models by way of building them and adding accessories to them. Yeah. I am horrible when it comes to timelines with painting. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I still have unpainted Dark Angels. But, you know what? Like I said uh, in the beginning, like, go fuck yourself. You know what? If you want to shame me for not having painted models, you know what? Fuck it. My problem is, is that it takes me so long to build these armies that while I'm building, I also, like, you know, I have been painting, like, a lot of the, not, well, not this year, but, like, I have been painting Toys for Tots armies, and it seems like, or I'm having to fix stuff for Toys for Tots, and, like, my painting skills since I've started these armies, because they're so large, have got, have you know improved obviously over the years so then like i'll get to the a point where i'm like going back looking at the stuff i the very first did for the army i'm like what was i thinking you know you know and i'll, I'll try and i'm not to the point where i go and strip everything like some of our friends do um but yeah. i'll i might go back and touch up and try to weather up stuff so that they match a little bit better with the stuff that i've done more recently so. yeah so i it was so funny because i got the calc box and I uh, I bought the shoulder pads for the Dark Angels uh, from Forge World. And at this point in time, I've only known 40K Dark Angels, right? So uh, I bought, <laughs> I got the calc box and I fucking bought the Mark III shoulder pads. Yep. And I was like, well, this, don't, well, this looks cool, but it don't look fucking right. 
<laughs> and uh, then I saw that they actually, like... There they, was Mark III's available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, because the Prospero box didn't come out yet, and the fucking Games Workshop plastic fucking Space Marine Mark III didn't come out yet, Yep. I didn't know what the fuck Mark III was, let alone Mark II. And then at the same time, I didn't realize that Dark Angels should primarily be armored in Mark II and Mark III. And then maybe uh, put your Ravenwing dudes in Mark IV uh, or the Mark VI, like Corvus, with the beaks. You know what I mean? Yeah, Corvus, the Corvus stuff would be, like, really late because... Yeah. I didn't think... I, like, uh, Istvan Five, it should have been only... Well, it's supposed to have been only been Ravenwing, but the Alpha Legion had a bunch of it, too, at that time. Yeah. So. So, but bottom line is, I didn't know dick about what armor should go on what during the fucking crusade. Right. And, and uh, I was like, well, this looks fucking dumb. At least you, at least you weren't running, like, Mark Eight, and, like, I've seen people try to run Primaris Marines. So. Oh, my God, that's awful. That's absolutely fucking awful. <laughs> Um, let's not even talk about how awful the fucking primary space marine cash grab is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I think everybody knows that with like how other 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 hosts have dealt with it. So it's so um, funny because, uh, and this is going off the side top the side sidetrack of what we were talking about. But like, uh, for those of you out there, uh, there's a fantastic podcast called Warhammer, and it's a bunch of it's like it's. It, it's like one of those podcasts you listen to where like you either got two people or you got like max maybe three hosts. This one they got like five fucking people every single episode and it's it's great because every single episode they pick a topic and they no shit like talk about like the lore according to the canon and all right. references to books and stuff like that and it's fantastic. But they are like 40k centered and they don't really like talking about the heresy. In fact, in their latest episode, they were talking about how, like, they thought it would be stupid if they came out, if, like, with the Eisenhorn TV show coming out and then, like, the, uh, the Space Marine TV show they're coming out, the animated one. I hadn't uh, heard about the Space Marine one. The Eisenhorn I had, I had heard that that was in development, but I hadn't heard the Space Marine one. Yeah, the Eisenhorn one's being in development, and then they're like they're coming out with like an Angels of Death animated one. Gotcha. Now, so, well, I, they're both in development. They're both in the same fucking stage, so we probably won't see it for like three or four years. But so with with that, they were saying like if they decided to come out with a movie, like if they decided to try and like risk it for the biscuit and see where they can go with an actual like no shit Warhammer movie, right? They all just agreed like no nah, fuck that they don't need a heresy movie because they got 55 fucking novels well um, why why i know where you're going with this what i have always said with um and i think would be pretty awesome especially with like some of the shows that have been out recently or series that have been out recently i think they should try and make a uh, heresy series like um game of thrones or um uh, like one of those, you know, like one of the HBO series where yep. like there's no holds barred that like, and the, they, I mean, HBO, AT&T are putting like big money into any type of like media like that because of 
it's all about streaming now, basically, and um, yep. they need content. Is basically what it comes down to. So, but like I've always, you know, like uh, Westworld. Westworld, sorry, that was the other one I was trying to think on HBO. Like recently, well, um, we got to take a step back here because Westworld was originally from like the late sixties. Well, it was like seventies or something like that. But yeah, yeah. It used to be it used to be a regularly programmed TV show back in the day. Well, there was a movie for it too. That's what I remember it from was the the original movie. Oh, maybe that's maybe maybe it was a movie. Yeah, I, I think it was, it was a movie. Was I don't. Yeah. It was a book originally. Uh, the same guy I think that wrote the Jurassic Park books, like the books, not the movies. Uh, was it Michael Crichton? If I'm not mistaken. And then, um, but they had a movie. And it was like late '70s, early '80s ish. Um, and it was kind of, you know, it's kind of an out there, I'm not, you know, like a lot of the stuff that came out there in that time period, it was kind of an out there sci-fi movie. Um, but, like, they based a lot of that show kind of a modernized version of the, um, the that movie. But, like, I think that the Horace Heresy series, just with how big it is and how much, how in-depth they've gotten with all the books and everything... That it would be ripe for a series like that if someone really wanted to do like a sci-fi series, kind of like uh, the Expanse. I love the Expanse on TV. In fact, it's. I mean, I'm not gonna say that I think it's better than the Expanse books, but a lot of people say they like the TV show better than the books. So it's kind of like that. Um, but like, yeah, it, it would be it would be a really good sci-fi, just because of how much material, how in depth the material is. And I mean, it, it's like, you know, the basic theme, everybody can understand the basic theme of it. And, you know, they would be able to get into it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like some super abstract thing that they're doing. It's but it's set in the 30th century, 31st century or whatever, you know. But yeah, like way off topic here at this point. But it's I think it would be a great thing. But just because you have enough material that you could just run it for a, like multiple seasons if you actually wanted to, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and well, they just got to be careful though because like, there is that there is like all those fucking executive producers, right? Oh yeah, they're they're all seeing the popularity and success of Game of Thrones. Yep. So, but I a hundred percent agree with Ryan. I think they should absolutely do like HBO should look at the BattleTech lore. Yes. Yeah. Well, BattleTech's even. If you if, is a hundred percent right, like BattleTech is Game of Thrones, except with in big space, robots, <laughs> with giant mechanical robots that dudes yeah. pilot, and yeah, the and, drama is still the same. Well, yeah, and I mean, like the theories and all the subterfuge type stuff is all there, all the political intrigues, all there too. Um, and if everybody thinks that. You know, the lore for 40K and 30K is crazy. It doesn't hold a candle to how much there is for Battletech. I mean, Battletech is like the amount of lore that goes with the game is just, so, it's insane. It really is. So when Ryan, when Ryan got me, so my fucking get my feet wet in Battletech was at camp last year. And right. Scott was playing against Old Man Chris. Yep. And I was like, all right, Scott, I'm going to fucking play you and wax that ass. He's like, all right, cool. So I was playing, and I was, and I was just learning classic Battletech, and I fucking ended up loving it because 
what's cool about classic Battletech and the game in general um, is that it's like very detailed and technical. Yes, and what I mean by that is yep. like you don't just roll to hit and your mech just has like an armor value and then has a certain amount of hull points and then you wither down those hull points to see if it destroyed. No, so you're like, aiming for specific spots. <laughs> like you can't even aim for fucking specific shots unless you get into like tactical operations and crazy shit like that. Right. Like like everything's just and like your mech you fill out like an eight by eleven fucking sheet. And it has, like, its armor points according to, like, the class and chassis of that specific version of mech. And so, like, not only do you have to chew through the person's armor, then you're going to chew through their internal structures. And then that's when you're going to start causing damage. And it's it's so highly technical and cool. Like, I just love it the fact that, like... Well, I mean, you have the, the regular battle tech, and then you also have the quick pickup alpha strike, too, which is not as a technical well, level. I haven't, I, and the only reason why I didn't speak on it is because I haven't played Alpha Strike yet. Right. But, and I don't like to, I don't like to assume, but I'm going to assume that I probably, I probably wouldn't like it as much because that's what got me into Battletech was the complete detailed technical aspect. Like, well, I mean, it's no offense. And this is just me kind of super overviewing both of them. Um, it's a lot like 40k and 30k. 30k to me is a lot more highly technical uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. game than the current version of 40k is right now. Absolutely, 100%. And so, Alpha Strike and regular BattleTech, you know, CBT, it kind of plays. It's, it's kind of like that. One's a lot more geared for quick play uh, versus the one being very kind of more historical gaming and like technical wise. Course, historicals, you know, not really the right word considering it's set so far in the future, but yep, you get what I'm saying, though. Yep, um, so. but yeah, I don't know. That I think that's just gonna be my initial thought. I'm gonna give it a try with uh, when I get to camp, definitely gonna hit up Ryan, and yeah, give him. Well, first off, I'm gonna give him the, that fucking beardless fuck a, a hug. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I mean, like, I knew Ryan before he had the beard, okay? And then, yeah. like, he grew, the, he grew out the, you know, the metal player, the bass player beard or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, now that he had to shave again, like, I, the first time I saw a picture of him, like, after he shaved, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, he's a little kid again. <laughs> no, like, I'm going to give, I'm, I might give him a little couple kisses on the cheek, a little smooches. I'm like, oof, look at those cheeks. Yeah, I think I saw him probably, like, the last week. While he had the beard, I was up there maybe, like, the end of June. Uh, I had to – my son went up to stay up with his grandparents, and they live, like, in Louisville where Scott lives. And I went up to visit uh, Ryan for a day because I hadn't seen him, like, literally since camp last year. And, I, you know, I just – we're good friends, and and I just – you know, I just wanted to go up and see him. And, and yeah. I got to see Chris, too, which was cool. So – but uh, yeah, it, it, I just I, him without that without that beard. Now I just I, I it's just hard picturing him that way. It's funny because when he had the heavy metal beard, you would think that he would look a lot more meaner than not having a beard. Right. Since, right. Ever since he shaved, and I saw him when I uh, when we did the 
at the end of this episode, sneak preview, uh, the wonderful interview we did with Cat and Caleb of CK Studios about their Nova uh, donation drive they got going on for their Warlord Titan. Um, I was like, he looks a lot more angry. Well, he probably is because he doesn't have that beard on anymore. Yeah, but... <laughs> like, but holy shit, man, we're really bad at this. They gave us the fucking reins and we got way off topic. Yeah, it's okay. So sometimes, sometimes you got to do it. So getting back to your updates, do you have anything as far as your hobby wise? Well, then... I, I'm getting the LED stuff. I'm, there's a couple new things I'm going to have in the LED class. Oh, hold on. Why are you getting a whole bunch of LED class, uh, LED stuff, Jamie? Because I'm doing another LED. Uh, cl- well, I'm not going to say it's intro, but like kind of an LED preview uh, overview class at at Hobby Camp. Fucking yes, yes you are. Uh, aren't you like? And then this year, different from last year, aren't you like starting to like introduce some like crazy circuit board stuff too? I haven't. Uh, I'm not doing circuit board stuff just because don't have the really the time. Um, I am going to do some uh, fiber optic stuff and some. It's called EL or EL wire or EL tape. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna. Sh- I have some. Uh, Stuff that I'm going to show, especially uh, terrain. There's a couple terrain pieces that that, that the EL wire at least uh, can do some pretty pretty badass stuff with, like for um, like uh, generators and like coil fields and that kind of stuff. You can coil the stuff up in the generator and like drill holes through like the generator and run the wire through that kind of like a looping spiral, and then run it and it like you know it looks like it's a real like reactor that's actually glowing and that kind of stuff instead of that's like, fucking insane and it that stuff's cheap too uh, i know, you know people I wonder, get it all I wonder the- if i wonder if dudes like fucking caleb and cat and henry and miles they look at a guy like you and you're like accomplishing all this realistic lighting using leds and they probably just look at you and they're like go fuck yourself you know what I mean? Well, I, I know. I, gotta sit, I know I, from past when I when I've been uh, with there's some other higher end painters that I know um, pretty well, and a couple of them I've I kind of I've gotten in disagreements with them over stuff like over painting versus like actual like painting light versus actual light, and so uh, it it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. But I know like Henry last year was like super he was like super into the LED stuff that we did at, in, at camp last year. So, but I'll have a lot more. Um, oh, he's easy. He's British, so he's going to be upfront polite with you. But he probably went back to his fucking island and, being the subject of the crown, went to all his like painting buddies and was like, "Yeah, yeah, there's this fucking guy there, and he he didn't paint fucking light. He actually made real light. Like, how fucking crazy is that, right? This guy's fucking nuts." Well, I know, like, he, he was, down. well, I know, like at camp last year, um, Ryan got him into dust, like big time. Oh yeah. And so, like, while we were there that weekend. Uh, me and Henry actually played quite a few games of Dust, me versus him. Holy and, shit. Yeah. I mean, like, we started small, like, really small games, and then worked our way up. And, we're like, progressively we got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger games. But um, I know, like, he was helping Chris, uh, is it Duncan, with, um, he was painting a bunch of uh, Dust uh, uh, Russian tanks, IS tanks. And, and Henry really liked the Russian... Uh, they're like little, like, you know, they're kind of like Russian Iron Man suits. They're like little tiny, you know, Iron Man walker type suits. And 
he was actually interested in trying to wire put run wires into them for like they have like searchlights and stuff on them and he was trying to figure out how to do that and i was kind of trying to walk him through it so but he you know he seems genuinely interested in it as well so um and i know he's already asked me to if i was bringing my dust stuff up for this year to play him again and once again for the millionth time tonight we're going off track but it's fucking cool um I, I sent Ryan and uh, fucking Michael in our little group chat we got. Uh, did you see that knockoff game by fucking, what is it, Warlord Games? Yeah, Conflict 47. Yeah, they got some cool fucking models that look yeah, like they use them in dust. Yeah. Um, I know. I saw that the, the one fucking, like, I told Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. I played, so I went to the, I went to Big Bad John's fucking penny, pr- printing class. Right, and Which I, uh, I wanted to go to, but I, I I could not make up. I really I, I'm pissed at myself that I missed. Yeah, so I, I went to that, um, and while I was there for the gaming night, uh, for that Saturday night, Ryan was like, "Do you want to try a game of dust?" I'm like, "I'm fucking down, man. Let's fucking do it." <laughs> so I was like, "All right, I'll be I'll be the I'll be the Marines because they look fucking cool." And right. It, and they're fucking cool. Yeah, and Ryan's, Ryan has been collecting Marines, too. So, like, that was, you know, that was cool that if he lets you borrow all that stuff, too. Well, it, so I didn't I didn't do the power list that Ryan talks about that the, the number one guy in Dust does with the Marines, which is, like, a whole bunch of war dogs. Yeah. I just, like, picked every sort of infantry he had, and I just made an all-infantry list. And it was basically a bloodbath. Yeah. And, uh... I absolutely loved it, but I told him I was like the only thing that's stopping me from getting into dust, other than like there's nobody around here that plays it. Right, is that's my fact, problem. <laughs> is the fact that they don't have tanks? Because I don't, I'm not really. Oh, but that's coming though. That's coming. It is. Um, it is. It is. You're right. It, it's. I just don't like. Like I know it's coming, and that's probably what's gonna fucking get me over the edge and start like a small little dust army. But um. There was, there's no tanks at the time, and I'm not really big into, like, the tank chassis with legs. Walker, it's just, yeah. like, in Battletech, I don't like the quad mechs. I think they're yeah. stupid. Yeah, I know. I understand. Um, like, with, um, but with Dust, but though, like, cool, they're coming out with a bunch of tanks, like, starting, like, around Christmas time, I think, is, like, when the first of uh, the non, like, the Russians actually do have a bunch of, like, World War II tanks available in Dust already, like the IS series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, what I really like about the the models they have in the Conflict Forty Seven is that they have those crazy tanks with yeah. like those crazy like rail and Tesla guns. Yeah. And oh man, I was like, I was just really close to just fucking buying it just to have it. Yeah. But they had they had like a King Tiger with like a Tesla right yeah. like cannon on it, and I was like, that is fucking sweet. The That's Germans the right needs to have. The Germans in uh, Dust right now, they have a, is it a Panther, or Panzer IV with a, um, the laser cannon on it, and then they, um, they're coming out with all the German E-series, if you know what those are from, like the prototype, like the next gen of German tanks, where they were getting ready to, like, start mass producing if the war had kept dragging on. Um, so there's, like, the E-100, the E-100 Jagdpanzer, there's the, um, 
the E10 and E15. Um, it's a tank hunter, a very, very small, but very, very fast tank hunter. Uh, they're all going to have, like, the laser weapons on them. The U.S., they just released the Super Pershing with a phaser cannon on it. Um, I think it's a, a unique unit, so you're only allowed to have, like, one of them in your army. But, like, I think that one's, like, resin right now. But they're going to, like, starting into next year, all these kits are coming out in plastic. And from my understanding, which I haven't, you know, I'm not, like, a total dust hoser. But, like, the goal is is to have a lot of these really high-end tank kits to try and get, you know, that... Um, the model, the model, uh, military model, scale modeler people into buying these kits because they're going to be like really high quality, like tanks. But they also they're going to have like the normal weapons on them, but they're also going to have the dust stuff, the you know like the lasers and the phasers and the and the Tesla weapons and all that. So like he's trying to increase uh, the guy that owns it is trying to increase the amount of people buying models so that he can keep funding more and more stuff for dust. But he's trying to get like that huge military scale modeler group into it by buying the kits, but not necessarily for tabletop gaming, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah. And um, so like some of those new kits they've got coming out are, are they've shown some prototypes of them. And then they've actually got had some a couple of them for sale. And they're they're the tanks are crazy. But but I think the rules aren't as good. From like the hardcore dust players I've seen that I'm in like groups with, group chats with, they're saying that the tank rules that they've seen so far are not they're they're not as good as the walkers. He's you know he's tried to make like the walker units uh, better because he wants to you know that's kind of like the the typical dust stuff. But he's still trying to get more people involved in it by putting the tanks in. Anyways, um. It's, well, one, I mean, it's a great game. Just in general, it was a, it was such a fun game to play. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty quick pickup. And it, you know, it, it's funny because like right now I'm at the point where like even though it is a fun game, there's still like still want to get another game. You know what I mean? Like no, I understand. And I mean, the only reason I really got into it is um, I kind of like the World War II stuff. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a history buff. And, um, but the other thing, I mean, it was a quick, easy, it was a quick and fun to play game system, but you also didn't need to like, you know, like 30 K once they kind of got rid of the, uh, the Calvin Prospero boxes, it oh, got yeah. really, really, it went from being, you know, something that people could kind of jump into with like normal plastic models to being like exorbitantly expensive if you actually go with nothing but like real GW and Forge World. Like you just it's it's gone it's it's deterred a lot of people from getting back into 30k once they got rid of those sets. Um you know cuz I I want to say like uh Kalth boxes I probably bought like at least 12 of them. Maybe more between like my armies and like running for like Toys for Tots, like every time I do a Toys for Tots army, I'd literally just grab a a Kalth box or a Prospero box and use that well, to, as the base. Yeah, it's a, good thing, it's a good thing that you mentioned that, and we need to roll back into hobby progress. What's the updates for Camp and the Toys for Tots armies? Like, because last so, year y'all announced the winners and everything at Camp. Um, I don't think the Death Guard army is going to be ready by then. Uh, uh, our friend Odin. Or Brian in Texas is working on it, and he's had he's actually 
this year been building up he's been building a tournament army for himself and i've got he's got everything together for the death army i mean the uh, death guard army and um he's been doing test paints trying because he wants to we we're going to bulk buy the paints for everything cuz it's a pretty decent sized death guard army i want to say it's like it's either 3000 or 3500 points and we just want it to look good we really we want it to look really good to be honest with you because we really haven't done a another we haven't done an army this year and then um one of my other friends out in california that always donates stuff he's a, a big time um airbrush artist not for like miniatures but like um <laughs> right now what he does is it, he he actually paints unicorn heads he's like people i don't know why but they're crazy about sculpture unicorn heads like one to one or like one to two sized unicorn heads <laughs> but he paints like he airbrushes like skateboards and cars and he's really big into photography um and he works at like one of the art colleges out in san francisco so he's like a bit he's he's just into hobbying and art in general to start with but he's got like a i think he's got a master's degree in art but he's really big into like the west coast airbrushing scene for all the guys that like do like the really high-end uh, motorcycle tanks and bodywork or like the um, cars and he every year donates some large uh, either army or a, par a decent part of an army like I think it was either last year or the year before he did two realm of battle boards that he he painted up like to like an incredibly high standard like above what you would see in like a shop or anything I mean like these were like display level um realm of battle boards that he donated the boards and all the paint and stuff he went and the paint i saw the paint prices he how much he paid i mean he was not using like gw paints he was using like automotive grade paints so <laughs> yeah i mean like and ryan saw one of the boards and he's like i'm getting that i i want that realm of battle board i don't care that that is badass and like he got in a bidding war for one of the tables <laughs> and he he ended up losing out at the last last end of it but uh he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's done another one, at least another one, that's supposed to kind of go with this Death Guard army that we, we've got together. And I'll have to talk to him, but I thought he had already sent it to Ryan, so it actually may be at uh, <laughs> available at uh, at uh, Wargamer Kingdom. But, like, yeah, he's probably he probably put, like, over $1,000 worth of paints onto a Realm of Battleboard. Like, and I, as I said, they're, like, automotive-grade, like, super high-end uh, paints that he gets at these uh, airbrushing seminars that he goes to and knows all these, like, super high-end, like, graphic artists and airbrush painters, like, out there. Uh, his name's uh, uh, Gabrielle and, uh, or Chris Mooring is his name, and he goes by Gabrielle, but he, like, as I said right now, he's, mo he's people are, like, like seek him out to paint unicorn heads and i don't know why oh, but it's like candy apple flake metallic like really high-end automotive grade like unicorn sculptures that people oh, have nice. <laughs> and i know like one of the big uh airbrush guys out on the west coast is a huge he's probably not gonna listen to the show but he's a huge uh predator fan from like aliens versus predator and you know like predators and so okay. like gav got a um a life-size predator head and he's painted it up to like movie grade standard of paint like for display 
for him for his birthday or something like that. And he was having me work on some LEDs for like the targeting thing on the side of the head. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insane. Fuck. But, but um, yeah. Me. God damn it. We went <laughs> off track again. Anyways. Um, Time to get the train back on the tracks. All right, but, so no, for camp, for camp, there. I think that there's going to be one of those tables available. I don't know if we're going to do. We'll we'll probably end up maybe doing a raffle for it. Um, the problem is we have. I know with people when they win stuff like that, like with the Warhound Titan and the Ordonis last year, is like if you win it and you flew there, how are you going to get it home? It transporting, it's kind of a you know pain in the butt. Um, but like last year, we got lucky. The guy that won it was from Nashville. And there was people going back up to Nashville, and they ended up transporting it up to him. Um, but, like, you know, we'll get it to you, because Gab, usually when he makes this stuff, he actually pays the shipping to, to whoever wins it. And he pays, and it's not, like, cheap shipping either. He pays, like, really fast shipping. It's just, like, what he likes doing, you know, for, like, Toys for Tots, so. All right. Is that, is that all you got? Uh, he's also, uh, he may... Be also giving us a night army. <laughs> like, oh shit! That came out of fucking left field, bud. Well, I'm still ta- I'm talking it over with them. Um, I know he donated. We have another army that I'm not a. I, we haven't officially decided if we're going to do Imperial Fists with it, but he donated like I want to say like a 4,500 point Imperial Fist army for toys for the next Toys for Tots army after that. And I'm talking like it has everything like tanks. The HQs, um, pads, anything—it's got—it's already got it all. Um, it's just we wanted to get this Death Guard army done first before we go start on the Imperial Fist. But he also is giving us like—I think he said he was going to give us three knights, if I'm not mistaken, like brand new in box knights. So um, I probably was going to add some like armagers and maybe see if I can swing a one of the Forge World knights to add to it to make it like something you know kind of special, but. With the knights, though, it, the big problem is the transportation. Like, it, they're very hard to ship once they've been built. You know. So. Damn. Well, this is the part where you ask me, "Hey, Vince, how's your hobby progress going?" So, Vince, how's your hobby progress going? I I know some of the stuff you've been doing. It may not be like actual miniature stuff. You're involved a lot in the back scenes of uh, Wargamers Camp. Boom! And you should know a little bit about my hobby progress because you're actually sending me some shit in the mail. Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) It'll be there Monday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it will. So, uh, basically, I'm going to do whatever it is I can to... um, So, like, the Dark Angels are, like... Even though they're my numero uno, they're, for camp-wise, they're fucking number three in the line. Mm -hmm. um, Because... I'm going to finish up this weekend. I plan on finishing up my Flames of War shit because my hobby progress with that, I uh, uh, I have an, I have two 3D printers. I have an Ender 3 Pro and an Anycubic Photon. Yeah, anybody, and people listening to the show right now, if you're wondering what like the little squeaks and high-pitched noises are, those are his printers running in the background right now. Yeah, you know, in fact, uh, if you have a better sounding printer than that, uh, record it and send it on over to Radio Free Dispatch, <laughs> and we'll play the sound of your 3D printer, and we'll see who has the most angelic golden pipes of the 3D printer in the Heresy community. It'll be mm-hmm. great. 
um, but I don't think it's this angelic. So getting to my current print right now, let's see. It has been printing for two days, four hours, and 15 minutes, and still going strong. That's stuff for Flames of War? No, no, no. That's a, uh, I'm printing a trophy for Marine at Work. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and uh, it's funny what I'm printing because it's what Michael and Derek and Ryan used to bust my balls about when I first got into 3D printing, which is the Game of Thrones Iron Throne. <laughs> so they used to bust my balls about it and say how trash it looked. And But now that I'm pretty fucking savvy with this machine... And there's a lot of significant upgrades that I've done to it. Yeah, you have. Uh, You've done a bunch to it. Oh, yeah. It's, this bitch has been running for two days straight, and it is still going. And I still got, like, 20. And right now I got, in fact, let's see what we got. What do we got? No. Yes. I have, so the print time total right now has been 52 hours, 16 minutes, 17 seconds. And then the print time left, 17 hours, 53 minutes, 40 seconds. And the thing has been a fucking champ the entire time. I'm but, like the I'm like the only person out of like everybody we know that's gotten a 3D printer that like I'm I got a bum printer literally out of the box. Well, no, my like I said in our little group chat, like mine was a bum printer. It had a natural depression in the center, so I had to buy that glass that, plate. Yeah, that I, I've heard a lot of people had that, but like mine was a lot more serious issue than that. Like I had a bent Y-axis rail. And then there may also be flat-spotted or uh, uh, not blown, but, like, flat-spotted or missing a bearing. Like, the actual ball bearings and the bearing, it's like either the wheels are flat-spotted or, or the bearings are bad on my uh, the build the build table on mine. So, and I said, where, did, where did you buy your Ender 3, though? I got it off of Amazon. Um, See, that's where you fucked up. Yeah. So, if you go on Reddit and you go under the Ender 3 fucking subreddit, it tells you specifically to only buy the Ender 3s from the official Creality website. Yeah, see, mine was the Sane, mine's a Sane Smart uh, uh, Ender 3. So, and, like, Ryan Ryan actually has one. He has one the exact same. He, Ryan has three of it at this point. Yeah, maybe even more at this point. But he has two Ender, regular Ender, Ender 3s from, um, from Creality Ender, and then he has a Sane Smart and Ender 3, and he hasn't had any trouble with any of the three of them. And I got mine on, I got mine on sale, and, like, it's not, they've, you know, I've, I've tried, I've gotten parts sent to them for free, you know, to here to try and fix it, and it started, it worked better. I actually made more progress with it, but I still was having trouble with it, and I ended up sending it up with uh, Scott to Ryan, but I had to like box it down to get it so that it would fit and like uh, the way I transported it up. And Ryan told me the to, basically in no short. He's like, "Fuck me, I ain't got time for that shit. I don't got time to rebuild another <laughs> printer, so it's probably not gonna get touched." So yeah. I don't. Once again, classic me and you trying to run this fucking shit show. Uh, we go off topic, but where I was getting to is that. Uh, <laughs> so I have my I have my Ender Three Pro, which is a net, which is an FDM printer. And then I have my AnyCubic Photon, which is a resin printer. And so um, I found, like, a huge fucking file pack uh, for Flames of War vehicles yeah. on Thingiverse. And they have – what's great is there's two packs on there. They have a mega pack for one 100 scale, which is Flames of War. 
and one 200 scale, which is smaller than Flames of War. But anybody that is pretty either a novice or experienced with 3D printing technology is in the slicing program, you can scale it up. Right. So I didn't have to scale it up because they had the, they had the shit I needed. And I ended up printing, I got one, two, three, four, five, five uh, LVT4 Amtraks for me and Scott's Battle of Terror with Flames of War uh, game for my Marine uh, Battle Company, my Marine Rifle Company. Now, see, if you've got those um, or Dust, they're getting ready to do a lot of the Pacific stuff for Dust 1947, yep. and they're going to, they're actually, you're going to need those, uh, you know, like Amtraks or whatever you want to call them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan, me sh- Ryan showed me the photo of them, and yeah. uh, it looks like they're using the British version of the Amtrak 4 because the British version of the Amtrak 4... So the Marine Corps version, it had a, a front 30 caliber machine gun and then in the trans, in the, the actual transport deck part of it, um, they had a 50 cal and a 30 cal that would face forward. Mm-hmm. And that was it. The British, they put like fucking six 30 cals around the whole transport side and then still had the same amount of machine guns in the front. And it looked like it was that one because I told Ryan, my first like comment was like, oh, dude, that thing's going to be exactly like your German, like, Fallschirmjäger half tracks, like a big ass fucking armored, tough to kill machine yeah. gun that's just going to put out a whole bunch of fucking bullets to make you do saves. That's what it looks like to me. That's one of the cool things about Dust is that you can literally take just normal World War II models as long as they're the right scale and quote unquote dustify them. There's oh, yeah. like add-on packs to like you know put like lasers or you know more uh, Panzerfaust or whatever on whatever you know the vehicles to make yep. them. So that's that's you can just take like normal you know decent quality World War II models and like you know use them in that game, which is kind of cool. So. Oh yeah. But, uh, so my NEQ, so for those of you out there, uh, that wish to get into Flames of War, which I highly recommend, it is a fantastic game, and the version full rule set is great. Um, uh, if you're like me who used to play in version three, um, you do get a little upset because they did nerf artillery a <laughs> lot when it comes to armored, like going, going against armored or tank lists. Um, but regardless, it's a fantastic little game. It's awesome. Like for two hundred and thirty bucks, you can get like a you, you can get in the like from the actual Battlefront website. You can get like a two thousand twenty five hundred. Well, now it's not two thousand level scale, but uh, like a two thousand point to twenty five hundred point army, which is plenty enough because usually games are played around the the twelve fifty fifteen hundred level. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. And the crazy is, it's a, it's one one hundred scale, but you still play on a four by six. Yeah. Yep. And what's even what's even more crazy is, um, ba- Jamie has a differing opinion than I do about Battlefront and the company itself. But they do pump out like fantastic terrain for each of like the theaters of war. Yeah. And it's cool because every piece of terrain comes fully painted. And if you have like a two-level house, the house is specifically built 
to fit the the appropriate amount of uh, bases for your army that's allowed to fit in there. And if let's say it's two levels and not just one, it comes in separate pieces. So like you can lift up the roof and the second floor, and pop your guys in there, put the second floor down, pop your guys in there, and then pop the roof on, and then you know that your guys in there and that they're shooting. And yep. then to, to what's what also is really cool, like you have to figure out like who can see from the windows and shit like that. So all you would have to do is like lift up the roof, look in, and see who's who's what, and it can tell you to shoot. But all their terrain comes like painted and already pre-made and stuff like that. No, their ter their terrains even for like 40k style, you know, style. Their battlefield in the box stuff has always been great. Oh uh, yeah, that's there's yeah. no it, you cannot complain at all. Can't cannot complain at all about their um their terrain stuff. Which but I, tell, you know, I, I tell you what though, uh, so using that that pack of one 110 vehicles I found on Thingiverse and that fucking fantastic anti cubic photon. I was I, I'm able to print four LVTs at a time, and it's funny because I went on eBay, and before I decided to, and this was before, so let me even backtrack even more and fuck up this whole episode like we've already done. So uh, at the printing class, jo old man John convinced me I need to get an any cubic photon. Um, right, I'm sold. I'll I'll buy it. So I bought it, and that was back in January, February time frame. I did not set that thing up until, like, about, I'm going to say, four, three to four weeks ago to finally crack into it and see what I could actually do with it. And so I, uh, additionally, three to four weeks ago, I went on eBay to try and find uh, if, they ha if anybody was selling any uh, Marine Corps, Pacific War, Flanger War, Lotta War, uh, LVTs because they're all sold out on Battlefront, and so I, I managed to find a a pack, one pack that can, that is a section, so two 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 Amtraks. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna have to try and try try and print these sons of bitches. So I found the I found the tank pack on Thingiverse. I set up my uh, any cubic photon. And I was, and I, I took notes during John's class, and so I just referred to the notes that he gave me, even though he yelled at me and Scott for horsing around too much, like we we're a bunch of fucking middle schoolers. It was funny. <laughs> uh, and so I followed all the instructions he gave me, and then uh, I, 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 sl I, I sliced the files and the, the slicing program he gave me, and man, oh man, they, I took. I took an Amtrak that I printed and put it next to one that I bought, and it's, like, practically fucking identical. Right. I mean, like, with the scale, especially with that size scale, you're not going to have, like, super, super detailed details <laughs> compared well, to, like, something you would that's a lot larger. Well, no, like, because it's a, because it's a resin printer... Like, no, no, I'm not saying that. Oh no, I'm I, I got I'm I understand that the res the resin printer picks up a lot of details. I'm saying like, I know it's like the BattleTech mechs when uh you scale them up like because they they'll take oh yeah when yeah, they're yeah. making the floors you know like the one thirty eight yep. scale uh, or whatever BattleTech mechs that Ryan has been showing people. Yep. Um They're scaling up like the normal size BattleTech mechs, and you lose some. I mean, they're highly detailed. Don't get me wrong. 
but you do lose some of the detail when you scale it up, when you blow them up to a larger size. But like what I'm trying to say is that not that they're not detailed, the stuff that you're doing for these LVTs, but like because of the scale, you're not losing detail by blowing them up because it's still a pretty small scale. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, and I, it's I know. Just like, it's just like when you, um, it's just like when I'm on Thingiverse and I find a a big model and I need to reduce the scale. Yeah. It gets really fucking shitty because like it takes all those big little details if that fucking makes sense, and then it tries to scale them down to a size where they're practically like. So your print end up your your print end up ends up being like just very smooth and undetailed because you're taking like that large file with that small feature that's in a larger size and then you're reducing it down to practically zero based upon the scale. Right, right. And this is like what I'm talking about is the exact opposite. You're taking something that's small and blowing it up. Exactly. You end up losing it. But but I'm saying with the scale that you're blowing stuff up to, it's you're, it's not really going to affect it that much. So. Well, the, well, the good thing is that the the, ta- the the Amtraks I needed, they were in the one one hundred scale pack, which is the same size as Flames of War. So I was oh, okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. So it worked out perfectly. Now here's a question for you, and I, I I because I really haven't paid a super lot of attention for War Games Camp since I may know the guy that's scheduling all the hobby classes. Is there going to be a three D printing class? There is. So Ryan uh, is running a 3D printing class. It's going to be for a couple hours. Uh, I believe in the latest update, it, he said, I don't know if his came with it. I can't remember off the top of my head because additionally, since being up since 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> it's also currently 11 o'clock at night on the Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, not that and, I wouldn't know anything about that with the kid, with the twins and all that. <laughs> yeah, and, I've also been doing a little drinking ever since I got home because hey, I that's perfectly understandable. Hard, hard day at work, you know. Man's got to enjoy a nice little beer every once in a while. Um, but yeah, Ryan's hosting an intro to 3D printing class uh, at camp. I believe he said it's actually going to be a good chunk of time, and good. Uh, hopefully, like knowing Ryan and ha- like that dude. So there's differences between me and him when it comes to the 3D printing. Well, I got into it because him and Michael got me into it and got me interested. Right. They're, they're like drug dealers. <laughs> exactly. So like they're and and so I'm like naturally as like a, a person like my hobbies are just because like tabletop gaming uh, is, is like I'm doing stuff with my hands like painting or tinkering or building things. That's why I get greater satisfaction out of like kit bashing models is because I oh, like yeah. things together and shit like that. Um, so that's why I got into three D printing, and I'm also like uh, another hobby I have is like restoring cars. So no, I, I've like, I've seen uh, I've seen pictures of one of your cars. It's quite impressive, man. Yeah, my '69 Cutlass. I fucking love that thing. That's my baby. That's my dream car ever since I was a kid. So even before like. That's that was been my dream car even before Warhammer. I knew what the fuck Warhammer or even oh, yeah. my dick was. You know what I mean? Like, that's always been a thing. So, uh, like, so three D printing was just another thing like that. Right. And because I'm also uh, tech savvy on the computer side, which Ryan will will gladly admit that he's not. Um, 
I applied a lot of cool upgrades to my uh, Ender 3 because with the Anycubic Photon, you can't do any upgrades with it. It, it is what it is. Like right, you can't right. you can't do anything mods to make it internet capable and stuff like that. It's just not happening. Like the Ender, the Ender threes, they're like totally modular, so you can like literally hot rod them if you want to. So yeah. So right now, because like as you pointed out to everyone, you could probably hear it printing in the background. Uh, so for my Ender three Pro, I have a uh, a Y a Y axis tensioner for the belt. I printed myself. I also have uh, I have a camera mount for my webcam that's connected to the Raspberry Pi 3 that's connected to the computer on the actual, well, the CPU of the printer. So that way I can do, I can send all my files and print from Octoprint, which is a custom plugin that allows you to like go in and log on online to your printer. And then send the file, the files via the internet to the printer. Vice having to load it up on a thumb drive or an SD card, pulling it out, and then putting it into the computer. So, and it's all wireless internet because you're using the wireless internet adapter on the Raspberry Pi uh, computer that you buy for thirty-five bucks on Amazon. But the funny, the the crazy thing is though, you do need to. Um, you need to buy a bootloader. So what I did was is I updated and I completely redid the firmware on my Ender 3. So if you remember what your Ender 3 looked like when you turned on, like when the menu turned on and everything, if you, it, Jamie, if you were to come over my place and look at my menu, it would look completely different. And it's by a company called TH3D. Okay. And you can buy their, their, their softwares for free. But what you would have to do in order to get their firmware loaded onto your Ender is you have to, you have to, you basically have to buy an Arduino kit and create a bootloader. And what that does is it flashes the firmware onto the Ender 3 because naturally the, the fucking CPU and the motherboard in the Ender 3 it doesn't natively connect to your computer, so you, even though it does have a USB port, you can't take that you can't take that mini USB and then plug the normal size into your computer and expect it to talk. Okay. So that's why you need a bootloader, and then that's what the Arduino uh, chipset and board that that you can build that they provide instruction for. Right. Or I think it was like something like thirty or forty bucks. I just went on TH3D's fucking online store and they sell like a pre-made arduino okay. kit for you so that's what i did i bought their pre their pre-made arduino kit and i connected the arduino board to my computer and then i plugged the other end into the uh actual fucking ender 3 and then you download some sort of nice little fucking script writing software i forget what i downloaded or, and used because i haven't touched it since um, and then you just take the, the fucking firmware, the firmware package that you download from TH3D, you load it in your script writing software, and then boom, it just automatically flashes over to your, to your Ender. And now what's great about the, now what's great about the Ender, once you do that, with the new firmware, it unlocked it, so now you can plug your Ender 3 directly into your computer, and mess with the firmware, vice having to use that middleman Arduino board that you have. 
so you can constantly provide updates to it. And it provides easier updating for the the software and the firmware for there. But then, and then the Raspberry Pi, the little computer, I that's literally for Octoprint, so that you can make your Ender three Wi-Fi capable, <laughs> and then use Octoprint application. And what's great about Octoprint is now we're getting into like the fucking inception of Ender three upgrades and plugins. Yeah, so, you're making, you're making your own. <laughs> Dude, the, the so the Ender three like not only so this is like the level of upgrades, right? So I updated the firmware. That was like step one. Once I updated the firmware, I bought a Raspberry Pi three with a Raspberry Pi camera, and then I activated. I, I made the Ender three Wi-Fi capable. Once I made it Wi-Fi capable, I you I, I signed up for a free account for Octoprint so I could do everything online. Um, but you do have to be in your your own home uh, internet in order to access it because it does it straight it, it does it straight with the private IP address block that's on your uh, that that your modem assigns all your devices uh, once you set up your wireless internet and then from there within Octoprint the like well, now we're at like the fourth level of upgrades uh, <laughs> There's I O there's an there's a plugin for it called I O Print Anywhere, and what that allows you to do, even though your uh, fucking Raspberry Pi and your Octoprint your your Octoprint account are on your closed private network in your in your home. So for anybody that's that that, that knows anything about like uh, network admin or stuff like that, or for those of you that don't know. And are going to give out this get this fucking sweet little lesson I'm about to give you. Um, when you so when you get the internet like your Comcast, your AT&T, and stuff like that, basically your whole house is assigned one of limited IP addresses within a network. But all devices need to have a MAC address and an IP address in order for the internet tubes to talk and so that you can fucking send your fucking rule 34 pornos, like any sort of thing you need through the internet tubes. <laughs> so basically once you get your modem from Comcast and you plug that some bitch in, that bad boy has like one of those limited IP addresses. But once it goes, once the internet goes through that modem and then into all the various devices in your home, you're now in your basically your private block of IP addresses that are have nothing to do with the IP addresses on the outside world. Commonly, everybody's IP address for like their number one device in their home is usually 192.168.1.1. And so that's on the private IP block. So that basically means like if I were to go on my browser right now, and type in 192.168.1.1, most likely, including everybody else's home, you're going to log into your modem and be able to set all the settings for your Wi-Fi. So using that same IP address, because it's in the private IP block, I won't be able to talk to any, like, I can't, like, I can't just go to your house, Jamie, type in 192.168.1.1 and expect to access my computer at home. Because now I'm on your internet, in your private IP block, so it, that's how it works. So, long story short, that's what's crazy about IO Any Print Anywhere 
because even though your Raspberry Pi is on that I, that that private IP block, it still has an outside connection to the world, and so I I uh, any print or print anywhere, uh, it allows you to access your printer from any web any internet that you're connected to or like the mobile network on your phone. So I'll, like the last two days I've been at work, and I'll just go to the website, I'll log in. And because I have a camera hooked up to my Raspberry Pi, I can see live my print going on. And it tells me this is how long it's been printing for, this is how long it's got, and then this is the temperatures of your hot end and the temperatures of your bed. And you can pause and cancel. And that's about it. That's the extent. You can't now, do Michael's got some, I think Michael had something similar to that so that he could keep track on what he's printed while he's at work and well, stuff yeah, like and that. Michael, Michael told me about IO print anywhere. Okay. I, I, I think I believe he did. Yeah. I, th I mean, I know he's got a, a Drino or he's got a pie on it and he's got a camera so that he can, he can view everything from home. And if he has to shut it off or whatever. Yeah. that's exactly why I bought it is because so like I can watch my prints when I'm at work. And then if something happens, just so I don't, I'm not worried about, fucking fires and shit because the Ender right. 3 Pro has the uh, like that fail safe switch yep. inside the, the power supply unit so just in case something happens it just cuts off. Additionally the, the TH3D uh, firmware it has like a built in safety like cutoff so that if it realizes that the printer's been on but the way they do it is like if the, if the actual extruder hasn't moved in quite some time it automatically kills the temperature to the the hot end, so that like a fire doesn't start. Yeah. Um, but I still use it to make sure I can just watch my prints because, let's say like like this print right now that's been going on for almost two days. Let's say like in the middle of work it like started to fucking fail. I can quickly hit pause, come back home, access Octoprint, figure out. Uh, because it, it shows you the G-code. The G-code is basically all the code that gets associated to your 3D print file that tells the printer how to print your actual model. I'll go to that G-code, and it tells me where it stopped at. I'll simply then open up the, the slice file that you make when you're using Cura before you load it to the printer. I'll open it up using, like, Notepad++, and I'll erase all the layers that it already completed. And then next thing you know, all I have to do is hit print, clean off the bed, and it's going to start printing exactly where it died at. And then all I got to do is take that piece and glue it to the piece that failed where it failed at. And then you're back to having a perfect print. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really long lesson on a little introduction. <laughs> but we're still going to keep this fucking shit show rolling. That's right. And so I talked about my Flames of War stuff. For those of you that probably missed it or didn't miss it, I still got my vengeful spirit going yeah, on. That thing so, is, is crazy. How I'm not going to turn is. that. I'm, not, I'm seriously like, I'm not going to turn that into a long one. I yeah. simply designed that bitch. I printed that bitch. And all that's left now is I got to print it. Uh, well, I got to paint it, which I'm going to be working on this weekend because Flames of War stuff. So my plan this weekend for hobby progress stuff is. Uh, Knock out the rest of my Flames of War for Kant. Move on to the very awesome 
fleet that AJ gave me in addition to the vengeful spirit that I built and painted. And then I'll be ready for me and AJ's uh, Isvan reenactment naval engagement for Battlefleet Heresy. So me and him are pretty pumped about that. Um, and then afterwards, that's when I'm going to get cracking into my Dark Angels. And I got plenty of time for my Dark Angels. Because there's not that much left ever since last year and getting ready for last year's camp. Unfortunately, um, I keep finding stuff to add to my Dark Angel, so it's like it's a never-ending cycle. Oh, I have plenty of shit like that's still in the boxes, my man. Like, yeah, I do too. <laughs> like, like two days ago, I got my uh, I got my special my special resin, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and I got twenty-five Skimitar jet bikes, three javelins. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. I just got a bunch of I'm, um, heavy I'm weapons. That, I'm running that Ravenwing protocol, and I plan to have it ready for camp. Yeah, I just got a bunch of heavy, uh, what do you call them, a heavy weapon squads, last cannons and Volkites, and then uh, I fin- I got a third uh, suicide speeder, and, well, oh, I got some more, pre- I got like two more Predators, so I've got, I think I've got three Predators now, too. Right, Predator uh, with the auto cannons on them. Yep. And I'm just and, waiting for those sweet Mark IIb Land Raider upgrades that you're sending me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I also got another Mark. I have, I think I have four Mark IIb. Like, I have one that's built and painted. But I think I have another another three that I haven't built yet. Are they and all for the Dark Angels? Yeah. This is oh, all Dark do Angels. You, do you have, all, like, so on my Land Raiders and, and the Spartans that I have? And the Rhinos, actually. Uh... I, I got, like, all the fucking upgrade doors and shit like that. Did you put them on? Like the I've, on the, the Mark IIb that I have, it has uh, the upgrade doors on it. And then the, I'm trying to think. Uh, my Rhinos, they all have the uh, the upgrade doors on them, the Forge World upgrade doors. The, uh, the uh, Sarkarians don't because they haven't you know like you'd have to get third party or yep. find somebody that makes them so i just converted uh i guess they're 25 mil bases and used the plugs and made like the checkerboard dark angel stuff on oh, those yeah. on the so, sides so of that's that that's what i've been cracking into is the checkerboard stuff so yeah. um between fallout hobbies and fighting piranha graphics i got like a whole bunch of i, I got a um, size and color uh decal transfers as well as for Fallout Hobbies, uh, I got a bunch of their their vinyl stick-ons that I can reuse for for airbrushing uh, checkerboard. See I have the is it Anarchy? Those flexible templates, the reusable yeah, yeah, templates, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the stencils. That yes, yeah, stencils, flexible stencils. I've got a bunch of those from Anarchy, and uh, that's what I've been doing to do the checkerboard. Um, I probably it would go better if I had the vinyl, just because of some of the surf, the angles and stuff on the surfaces. Oh yeah, and then. But I mean, it, it it it. What I do is I'll spray them with my airbrush the, with the stencil, and then I'll go back and actually hand touch up the checkerboards. That's why they take so long. <laughs> so like, uh, uh, it 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 uh, they look pretty good, but they it's just t- very time consuming. Yeah, I'm gonna so that's why I'm, that's why I'm only doing them on my um on my Sar- uh, my Sarkarians and Venerators. Yeah, I'm gonna turn my camera on real quick so I can show you like uh. Remember, remember old boy Samuel from 40K Dark Angels? Yes. So I found a random fucking just scimitar jet bike front. Okay. Like in my box of just random shit. 
So I kit bashed it to redo Samuel's fucking bike. Mm-hmm. And so look at that bad boy. Yep. Um, now, this is something I learned a while ago when they didn't have those uh, Scimitar bikes out. Um, people were taking that that kit, um, and what they were doing is they're taking a lot of the Battlefleet Gothic ships, like the prowls off the Battlefleet Gothic ships, and casting them, and pouring their own front ends for jet bikes. So they'd be different than that one because they didn't like the feathers, like the Raven actual Ravenwing feathers they have on the front of that on the front of that jet bike. So like some of those Battlefleet Gothic, uh, like the Imperial Navy stuff, the prowls on them are like crazy good for like jet bikes. Oh yeah, but what, what's what's crazy is um, in the new book, uh, fucking Malevolence, right? Yes, yes. The um, Samuel's Corvus fucking jet bike is in there. And it's 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 like talked about by the uh, being used by the fucking White Scars. It was insane. I saw it in there. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Samuel's fucking jet bike. (laughs) I the one of those that I had was actually the the was white metal. The freaking bike probably weighed like. A pound, and it's on one of those tiny little, oh my god, uh, peg floater peg, you know, flying pegs or whatever. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. So that's uh, that's about it for my uh, my personal hobby progress for camp and likewise. And for camp, um, the schedule's knocked out. I posted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I posted some initial guidance about a couple weeks ago for campers that got knocked out. Um, I think then I, Ryan say Ryan say uh, everybody needs to bring if you're coming that you need to bring uh, sheets and like bedding like yep so but uh, for the campers Which, for for War, War Games Camp 2019 campers do yourself a favor save yourself a lot of headache make sure you're in the War Games Camp attendees closed Facebook group. And if you need access, message me, Jamie, or Ryan. We'll get you access. But it's only for the attendees. Nobody else. <laughs> so sad. Um, you guys don't get across the velvet fucking rope for this one. Um, but I... in there, Ryan posted a, has a post, and it tells you exactly what you need to bring as far as betting and all that other stuff. A little. But remember, like, I don't know if, if anybody's listening. Um, AJ from Boys of the Golden Throne, uh, a couple months back, he uh, got me on there to talk to him about War Games Camp for his whole road, road to War Games Camp series that Boys of the Golden Throne are running. And like I said in that episode, you're better for wash your fucking ass. <laughs> you're not going to be nasty ass running around this fucking camp. Like, yeah. None of that stinky ass crap. I mean, I used to run game stores when I lived in Atlanta. And we would put a sign up in the window. It says, we reserved the right to spray deodorant on you. And, like, we had people come in there that just reeked ass. We're like, look, dude. No, no, no. That's a good point you just said. There's none of this fucking Axe body spray bullshit. Like, you're, you're paying good money to get some good lodging, good meals. Yeah. With actual showers. Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, if you are staying in a place... <laughs> that has actual hot showers and you don't take a shower, you're 
You're fucking dumb. I don't want to smell your swamp ass. I have to deal with it, you know, down here on a daily basis. I mean, so, it's just on principle alone. Yeah, I know. Um, respect your other camp attendees. Um, now, I will say, like, if you're flying in, which some people are. I know the crazy thing, the people that I think that are coming maybe the farthest, like some from Western Canada, they're driving. <laughs> but... Uh, if you're flying in and you're worried about getting bedding or something like that, you can get cheap bedding at like Walmart or something like that. And like, if someone, if you know, it, I don't know if it'll be me, but someone, someone will definitely, you talk to us, we'll pick you up. And if you need to, we'll make a run out to Walmart or like, a, you know, some sort of something like Walmart or Target and you, we can grab stuff for yeah, you. Yeah, the Walmart, you don't have a car. Ryan said the Walmart's about eight minutes away. So. Yeah, it's not far away. So, like, but, like, that's what we, I did. I didn't bring, I brought, like, a pillow, but, like, me and Short Fees, we went to Walmart last year, and we got, like, you know, he got a brony blanket, fuller fleece <laughs> blanket. I got yeah. a mini blanket, so we were really styling and profiling. I do know that my son was extremely happy when I came back home, though, because so, he got the yeah. key one. I remember I, I, I got to camp, and then I was with y'all at Walmart, and I just, I just bought a blanket. I just bought a big-ass fucking blanket, and I fucking... Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and that's all I used. Paul bought that, uh, uh, what is it? Is it a unicorn head? Like a stuffed unicorn, like, mascot head? Like for a team mascot? We are at Walmart? Something Jeez. like that. Uh, and oh, he also got a, a, a adult size onesie. Don't oh, shit. It's like, neon pink. It's gotta, like neon pink or neon green. He got a, an adult size onesie when he's at Walmart. Yeah. I gotta bring. I gotta bring my special onesie that I bought like a couple weeks ago. Is it the shorts and the? Is it the short sleeve shorts onesie? No, no. It's an actual nice, legit onesie. Like it's okay. classy. It's like your classic like classy. footy footy type jammy. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's not like scandalous. Like I'm not fucking AJ from <laughs> Voice of the Golden Throne. Like. <laughs> I'm not trying to look like a dirty slut when I'm, like, hanging around dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't give them uh, the wrong idea. Only for, only for Scott. I know. Yeah, only, only, only. Yeah, he'll say, he'll say only for Scott, and then that little whore will go around and then just tell you. He'll, he'll whisper sweet nothings into your ear, saying it's, like, for you specifically. And then he runs yeah. off and tells the other person specifically for them. Um, I know Ryan in the group has been posting pictures of the swag that he's been getting made for camp which is like really cool like the posters yep yeah the, uh, the beer glasses um something else that he posted i can't remember it was the posters and the beer glasses and the patches again the patch yeah the patches okay. and i think then he said he was hand sewing the patches oh the, yeah I think, the sashes. Doing, I think what he was doing is he got the patches he ordered them and then what um him and his wife were doing by the picture it looks like they were sewing on the uh Velcro, the, the the Velcro back yeah. to, so that you could put it on like so it's Velcro. Yeah, and like I don't, I think he said they were doing sashes this year instead of fanny packs because yep. I know the fanny packs they got last year. Like even though they said they were like, you know, they were from China, they said they were like adult double X large. They were like right. basically like kid small, or something like that. Yep, um, I think I actually. To put a set around me, I think I had to hook three of them together, like all the way extended out, which was ridiculous. But it came in good to keep all the bug the bug spray that you had. To <laughs> I never once used bug spray last year, and I never got like I never got hound, hound like hounded. By I 
I had one of I had one of those bug. Uh, what do they call those things? Those uh, I can't remember what they're called. There's like citrine meter. They're not. It's not a citronella. It's like this heated uh, bug deterrent thing that uses a butane heater on the inside. Oh, of Oh yeah, I remember you having that thing? Yeah. And like I recommended it to uh, to Michael, like when they had the hurricane that came through there beforehand, and he's like, he didn't believe me. And he went out and got one. He's like, dude, these really work. And then like because of all that standing water after the hurricane, like those things, you can go in like any gas station and get them down there. But, like, yeah, I had, what is that called? Uh, I can't remember. You get them at Lowe's and Home Depot. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It basically but, looks like one of those uh, fucking, like, battery-powered, like, uh, fans. Well, it's kind of like there's, like, a, it has a butane heater, and then it has, like, a thing that you put in, like, a cartridge that is, like, yeah. some sort of bug attractant or, detract, you know, like, repellent, and it heats that up from the butane heater. And, uh, like I would turn, I had like a little tabletop one. Some other people had like personal ones you could hook on your belt, but like, I'd put that thing on when we'd go to sleep in the, in the cabin or whatever you call it, the bunks. And, uh, like it, I didn't get eaten alive then. And it helped like when you were going from like where they had the, uh, uh, the gaming hall to where like the hobby area was like where you did the painting classes and stuff. But like, this year, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Henry will be very happy. There aren't, like, tiger mosquitoes or whatever they call them from last year uh, up in Indianapolis. I know they've had some rain, but it's not like uh, the bugs are going to be that bad. Yeah, it's not going to be bad at all. I mean, it's Indiana, for Christ's sakes. Well, I've, Ryan says it never happens. I have grew up in the Ohio Valley, like down in Louisville, where Scott lives right now. And uh, I've been up to Ryan's when they've had bad bugs. But they're, they're, I've already talked to them when I was up there in, you know, July, the July 4th. And the bug, there aren't that, that bugs aren't that. I, I just, I still don't get it. Because, like, I, I'm pretty sure I was the only fucking cigarette smoker there. And... Oh, there's a couple, there were a couple others. But, like. Uh, Bowman smoked cigars while he was there, and he had to go outside. Yeah, and he, and that's he the only. Lot. That's the only. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm pretty sure I was the only cigarette smoker because everybody else was like smoking cigars and shit like that. Yeah, and, and obviously the jazz cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, the Canadian cigarettes. But uh, but I was the only. I think I'm pretty sure I was the only cigarette smoker there, and I would go out frequently and just like fucking. Well, but maybe because you, know you were I mean? smoking it, that smoke that you were putting out, maybe that was what actually was getting rid of the mosquitoes around you, though. Or maybe I'm not a giant pussy. Maybe that. Maybe <laughs> you're not. Maybe your blood. Maybe they don't want your blood. Like mine is like some super rare type of blood that they need. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just messing around. No, I know. It's just fun to say stuff like that. It's fun but, to say um, dirty words when you're an adult because your mom doesn't tell you not to say it. Yeah, or in my case, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> You can't say that in front of the kids. Okay. It's like you try to get the kids to say something. You keep repeating a word like over and over again, like ball, ball, ball. And then like <laughs> you drop a can of beer or you hit something. You hit your elbow on the funny bone and you say shit. And the first thing they say is shit right when your wife walks right in the house from work. Yeah, that, that that goes over really well. Yeah, I know, right? Well, <clears throat> shit. All right. So, so far in this episode. We've knocked out our intro. We've knocked out our hobby progress. Specifically. For, and, and we, well, we knocked out our hobby progress for camp, as well as 
just did that smooth transition into the fucking latest and greatest for camp updates. Yep. And now we're on to some some funny ass board gaming news that probably angered a bunch of people, right? <laughs> so, so what happened, Jamie? What happened today? Because you're like a you've been to Adepticon before, right? So like everybody, you know, like one of the biggest gaming conventions of the year is Adepticon, and if you've ever been before, they it books up. Um, hotel wise, they book up very. It books up very quickly. And I've been. I didn't go last year. I think I went in twenty. It's either twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen when they. It's I think the second year they moved to the newer venue that they're in right now. And the actual venue itself, it's it's attached to a hotel. The venue itself is actually really nice. It's very spacious. It's modern. Uh, a lot of room, uh, which that's always been in the past uh, past venues they've had. Um, they ran out of room very. They outgrew them very very quickly. But it didn't seem like there was as much a demand hotel room wise as there is with this new venue that they've been in for I guess about maybe four or five years now. Um, this new hotel that they're in I, I stayed in we i know the first year we were there we had a lot i i roomed with ryan and uh was it perpetual painting dave samson or not dave samson um uh it was perpetual painting dave and another one of our friends from texas that came up uh he flew up and like there we were supposed to get like a uh we had a guaranteed rate for a like a queen size a two a double queen and they ended up giving us a, a single full size for four people. And they wouldn't offer us a refund and blah, 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 blah. But um, there's like a lot of other people that got there that day when we went that had booked rooms and they didn't have rooms available. Like they just like, we don't have the room. And I know it, getting a hotel room, it literally books up. You know, they, they the con guys that run the con, they're really good guys. And the con's very well put on, but, like, hotel rooms are always a problem because it's just how big the con is. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, they give you, like, months notice. They kind of do, like, a countdown on, like, when the hotel blocks go on sale. And, like, this year the hotel blocks went on sale. Today, I think it was, like, it might have been noon my time or 1 o'clock my time. And um, they literally sold the block of rooms out, which they say that they have on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, 97% of the hotel room is rooms at this hotel, which is over 500 rooms, are booked up just for Adepticon. Um, I know that they have a couple contracts with, like, airlines for deadheading pilots and uh, flight crew that'll stay there, but that's not many. But, like, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's literally just about all con-goers, okay? And they sold out of the entire block of rooms in under seven minutes this year. And there are some people that tried to book rooms that, like, in that seven minutes, they had basically gotten to the point to confirm the room in under two or three minutes, and it wouldn't go through. And so they had to call the call center for to book the room, and the hotel could see the rooms like the booking agents could see the rooms but they couldn't actually book the rooms and then they told them to go back on the website and try to book them and by the time they got back to the website the hotel rooms were gone and there i mean there was like a bunch of you know people that have gone multiple years in a row um that have been there for a long period of time that have gone every year and i've always gotten a hotel room there and this year they got shut out and um so i don't know how you would solve the problem because 
the con's very well attended. There's enough convention space, but like the actual hotel room, hotel that's hooked up to the convention hall is just it's not big enough for the crowd they're drawing. And I mean, you know, what is it? Last year I think they had somewhere between like nine and ten thousand attendees or something like that, which that sounds big, but like if you compare it to like Gen Con and like we were talking before we started the show about Dragon Con, how big those two conventions are, like it's not anywhere near as big as either one. I mean like Gen Con's like at some points I think it's gotten up to seventy five to eighty thousand people in Indy. And I know I've been up there for that. And, like, hotel rooms are hard to get, but you can still get them. Um, and, like, with the Depticon, like, they have to farm out. So there's a bunch, there's hotels in the area that you still have to either have somebody drive you over, which then parking is a problem because there's not enough parking for the convention hall for how big it is. And then, or you can take a shuttle bus. But I, don't, I can't remember if the shuttle buses were running full time. I know that they had, like, set hours the second and third year, and I think then last year they may have gone 24 hours, or at least while the gaming hall was open, they were still running. But um, it's just, it's a good convention, and I know everybody, I, 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 every time I go, I always have fun. I, I, I know I say, and I know a lot of other people complain about stuff that happens at the convention, but like, if you actually get down to brass tacks, everybody has a lot of fun, and it's really worthwhile going to, because there's a lot of people that you meet that you would have never put a face to, you know, face to face. You've never, you know, seen them. You've talked to them over the internet or whatever. I mean, like Vince and me, we met, we met last year at the, at War Games Camp or Heresy Camp. And so it's good to put like an actual person with a voice. Um, and that's what Adepticon's for. Like, I know a lot of the guys that do a lot of the podcasts, like the TFL guys, Golden Throne guys, you know, so-and-so, uh, they all usually put their faces together at those conventions. I know how, that's how Michael and uh, Ryan originally met. Was at one of the, it was at Adepticon. I want to say it's 2015, maybe 2016. Uh, the TFL guys were playing at all the Horus Heresy events with Ryan and his yep. friends that were playing from up in Indiana and some parts of Texas. And we kept getting the same draws where we were playing with the TFL guys. And we're like, hey, and you know, we started hanging out a lot more. And that's how everybody kind of got to know each other. So, but. It just seems there's like all it's like guaranteed with Adepticon. There's always hotel rooms issues, and um, it's just it, there's a lot of people that get really deterred by the hotel room situation that basically just don't come back. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to come back this coming year just because of like my family situation. It's like work. I can get the time off. I have plenty of time to get off. It's just um, it's really tough. Like one parent raising three younger children by themselves. Yeah. So I mean, like I know it can be done because it's going to happen at War Games Camp this year. But I'm, it's not. I wouldn't take. I would. I'm not taking as much time off as I would for normally, like Adepticon. And um, so, like, I usually get to go to like one big convention a year, and I'd, I, I'd rather for me personally, I was going to. I wanted to go to War Games Camp because it's a little bit more intimate experience than like the huge con. That's, which, that's exactly. That's exactly why. I don't really have a drive to go to Adepticon. Like, I would yeah. love just to go to see everybody. It's uh, good to go. It's good to go just to say you've been and experience it. Exactly. Um, and That's I've been, funny. I mean, I've been, I've been probably, I mean, it's, I want to say it's upwards around 20 times they've had it. And I've probably been, I want to say like six times now. And I've had a good time, but there's stuff that always happens that pisses me off enough that like I kind of might wait a year out or something like that. Um, 
same thing, like, when I lived in Atlanta, I'd go to Dragon Con every year because it was the con that was there in Atlanta, and it was easy. Well, it was relatively easy for me to get to, but Dragon Con's more of a, even though there were, I was there for gaming primarily or working at, at a store, um, Dragon Con's more of a, like, a party. It's kind of like we were talking earlier. It was kind of like Mardi Gras. It's where all the conv- uh, gaming and uh, cosplayers kind of like, it's the wind-down convention for the year from the, inv- from the convention circuit, like, that everybody does. It's like the last big one of the year, and everybody kind of goes there just to, like, throw down, like, to have, yeah. a, have a good time. I went there back in 2015, and I fucking cosplayed as uh, Carl Urban's Judge Dredd, and <laughs> I still have that fucking outfit, and then I fucking did, um, I did Naked Snake from Metal Gear <laughs> Solid, yeah. Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I, I, I've, done the, I've done the snake in the box. Oh, yeah. The cardboard box, so. <laughs> no, so I did, uh, I did, uh, Naked Snake, fuck, I can't remember, I, that, I'm pretty sure Naked Snake, I gotta look this up, because it's gonna bother me. <laughs> but anyway, so like, Adepticon this year, I just know there's a lot of people that I've seen that have got, that have been there consistently every year, and they got screwed out of hotel rooms this year, and it seems like this year they're, I don't know. If it, it was because there was more people trying to go, or there was just issues with like how they were booking the rooms, but I, I know there's some really bent out of shape people that are kind of like I'm not gonna say big wigs in the industry, but they're people know of them, and like when they get down to it, it's you know it doesn't look good when like those type people can't get rooms to an event, you know. Um, That's, there you go. So I hate to cut you off. So no, it's fine. I was I, I I went as Naked Snake from fucking um, Metal Gear Solid. Solid Three. That was na- Metal, so the big boss was Naked Snake in Metal Gear Solid Three, and then I um, did a little couple adjustments. I made my own little robotic hand, and then I became Venom Snake, Punish <laughs> Venom Snake from Metal Gear Solid Five, the Phantom Pain. Right, and right. it was dope because the Phantom Pain had just came out. And I spent all this time because I'm a pretty crafty guy, and I made the robotic arm, and I was the only all of Dragon Con four day event. I was the only fucking um, Venom Snake with the robotic arm, and people fucking ate it up. It was dope. <laughs> I've, have you? Were you there? You know how like a lot of the hotels they have that like weird carpet. There's guys that dressed up as like yeah. army, like plastic army soldiers, but they were in the camouflage of the carpet. Yeah, yeah. So that carpet is famous. Like the, yeah. It, you it like for people that have been to Dragon Con, like if you see a pic like a, a running gag is like you see a picture of that carpet, you know exactly where it's at. And it's for the right. Hyatt that's in that that's the main hotel every single year for Dragon Con. But see like but it, but it like even it's like just like Dragon Con, just like Adepticon, like hotels have always been a constant fucking issue. So right. it's funny because I was just on this website um, it's called, I'm pretty sure Michael and Tim used this website to get to Adepticon. It's called Geek Nation Tours. No, right? I've, I've done Geek Nation Tours before, too. Um, it's run by Terrace Cassidy out of Canada. And he used to run the, he used to be a, either associated or run the Facebook, uh, the Freebooter forums for, it used to be 40K for a long time. Um, right, so this, so I can see... I mean, I'm not putting the blame on this one guy, but if there's other 
of these tour services out there for like conventions. Yeah. The this is the reason why all your hotel space is all and is he they're the con the, his tours are good, um, but he does. I'm not gonna lie, he does charge a very large premium for his services. Well, and, I mean, I did look at the price, and but then I saw everything that's included for their 2020 Adepticon tour, and I'm like, fucking hot damn! Like this this guy's good good fucking. Some of it, I mean, he he has a lot of industry friends. Um, I, when I've done them, he's had like I know. Nowadays, it would be, like, incredible, but, like, we had uh, a dinner with Dan Ad Anbet, Adbet, the writer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At the time, he was only doing Black Library stuff. Now he's a bigwig in the comics industry. He writes for, uh, he's written for Marvel, he's written for DC, and I think right now he's doing Vertigo stuff. But he's also uh, got credit for uh, producing with uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like the, the, the first movie. He was directly involved in that, like the actual making of the movie. So he's like a huge, big, big name that um, Terrace is able to get. And he's also gotten some of the other uh, big black library writers and some of the big painters, like, you know, like Golden Demon winning painters. He, they'll have dinners and meet and greets with those where like you actually get to spend time and like talk or like he'll have like a Golden Demon winning painter, like actually teach like classes for just his um his tour and he does like more than just tours at adepticon he's got like tours that he does with uh like yeah, I was looking at the other all ones. kinds of crazy stuff like historical Je feudal japan tour uh he'll have like medieval europe tour uh like he'll do a gen con tour which i know a bunch of people go to well you but... know well you know pissing off about his website like i'm looking at this thing right and i'm pretty sure my memory's pretty damn good I could have sworn that Tim and Michael from iForce used Geek Nation to go to Adepticon. I believe they have. And but and it says right here in their little like snippet, right? It's like Geek Nation Tours has invited loads of podcast crews to this event and several have accepted already. In years past, we have had the D six generation, which I don't know who the fuck they are. They, Jada do, Gamers. they do a lot of they do a lot of board games. Yeah, Jada Gamers don't know them. Independent characters, I used to listen to them a little bit. They're pretty good to go. Um, in fact, that's what uh, a, a lot of the CK Studios people are on independent characters, or a couple of them are, yeah. I think. Yep. Um, Masters of the Forge, the Nerd Herders, never fucking heard of them. Out of the Basement, never heard of them. The Overlords, never heard of them. The Screaming Heretics, never heard of them. I, they're, the, from, that's, they're from like the Chicago area, if I'm not mistaken. 40k radio, I've heard of them. Uh, a non 40k radio he owns, so like the people that are on it, they go to it, like they they're like his they're his employees. Oh. Uh, anonymous tabletop, never heard of them. I think they're. I, uh, I was gonna say I think they're maybe. They're from fucking Chicago nobody, area. man. Just admit it, man. I didn't fucking heard of them. Fucking nobody. But he's he's <laughs> had um he's had a lot he's had a lot of, I know he's had a lot of people from. Uh, England and Australia that he's brought over that have been on podcasts as well. I'm just, the, everybody that's listening, I'm, I'm fucking around with. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, but like Tim and Tim and Michael, no Eye of Horus on here. <laughs> like, that's crazy. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think they, they may not have come as, like, a podcast, but they, like, booked with him because it was, like, the only way for them to get a hotel room. And for, like, them, because the Australian dollar is so shitty, just like uh, the Canadian dollar is usually pretty shitty, too, it wasn't a big deal for them to book with him. But, like, the U.S. dollar is very strong compared to both of those currencies, and his prices are all in Canadian. So, like his prices are like really high and then you have to pay like taxes and everything on on top of that like when you book with it and then the other thing he does is when you book with him those prices are for uh, a dual room yeah so like you always end up sharing with somebody else and if you want a room to yourself um you have to pay double rate basically so it can get very 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 expensive and his prices don't include airfare it's literally just there at the Con. Now, what he does do is, it's not a, like because they've started offering the VIG, the very important gamer or whatever. They started offering that as a standalone. Yeah. Before they started offering that to everybody, like as a option, he was the only person that had that. So like oh, he would get, huh? I said, oh shit. Yeah. So like he would also made another thing when it wasn't uh, when Forge World was like really really big, that he would get everybody on his tour to get in the Forge World line an hour before the um, the the sales hall actually opened up. So, like, you got to get in to the Forge World stuff before, like, the line that literally would be, like, you know, 10,000 people long or whatever would actually start. You got in the front of that line. And then you got some extra, sw- you got an extra swag, and basically you got the v- VIG pack before they started offering the VIG pack as a regular add-on to, like, normal people that were go to the convention so i mean he, it has benefits and but for for me at least it the the negatives outweigh the benefits for me but like if you weren't able to get a hotel room that would be a way to get a hotel hotel room there at the actual convention site um yep. but like you there are other hotels that are going to open up i know ryan if I'm not mistaken, it's like staying at the Embassy Suites, which is not the actual convention hotel. It's very close. It's like a mile away because it's a little bit cheaper. The rooms are a lot nicer. They're bigger. They're suites. <laughs> um, and then they also offer, like, free breakfast. And I think they also, have, like, have a free cocktail hour, too, if you're into that. So, but, like, so there's there's other ways to go to the convention, obviously, it's just, I think, if they're going to keep it at that location, they really might want to look into doing a, like, a room lottery. Because uh, it's gotten pretty crazy trying to get actually get a room there at the, at the actual hotel. I and, think I mean, I've seen a lot of people there say that, that they probably should really should start looking into doing a, a room lottery just to make it a little bit more fair for people. Because, like, some people are trying to come from out of the country and, like, I don't know... You know, the, like the Australians or the people from Europe, when they're trying to come, it might be at like two o'clock in the morning when that hotel block actually comes up available. You know, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying depending on where you are, it could be like really late and they won't have a, even a chance to get at it. Can you can you open up the little side chat and take a look at this photo for me? Is that fucking Chris? Freddy? Yeah, I don't. Mm, I don't know. It, it, it uh, doesn't really. It kind of, there. It look. He looks right? a little bit like him, but right? not. It's a kind of like almost a doppelganger situation. It's not like an a, exact identical twin of him, but 
it's close it's enough of, that it's one of the photos that uh, <laughs> Nation Tour uses on their Adepticon tour page. And I was like, that is that Chris? That's gotta be fucking Chris. Well, that doesn't look like 30k stuff. It looks like uh, Warhammer Fantasy or Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, he does. That guy does look a lot like, like Chris. That's fucking Chris Priest smile. That's yeah. what that is. That yeah, that's what it is. The hair is throwing me off because yeah. it's got gray in it, and I don't think gray uh, Chris has that much gray in his hair right now. That might be what do, is doing it. But um. Well, yeah, so uh, if uh, if your buddy and the guy that's running uh, the the Geek Nation tours, so Mr. Terrace Cassidy, if you're listening right now, um, shoot RFI, let us be <laughs> part of your podcast, meet your podcasters. I'm sure there's millions of people that want to meet me and Jamie and Ryan and Michael and, <laughs> and Scott. Like millions. Everybody, everybody wants to meet rock star Scott and... Uh... Uh, yes, <laughs> but and no. I mean, like, us, and then they could put us in this little paragraph and link the page for RFI to the little name that they put in here, and so, so that way we can go right after Terry, that gamer girl. <laughs> so, um, no, as I'm saying, like, I know there's a couple guys in the uh, RFI chat that use. Terrace have used Terrace extensively like every year for Depticon, and they swear by it. Um, I mean, there's nothing, as, as I'm saying, it, if you're looking for a hotel room at that hotel right now, that would I would be getting in touch with them because that's how you can do it. Um, and there's, as, there's a lot of other stuff that he offers along with his tour packages that, you know, some people are really into. For me, I just really want to chill out with friends and drink. That's what I, you know, what I want to do when I'm there. Um, so, but like, yeah, I mean, he, it's, it's something to look into if you really are looking to get a hotel room there. Um, but there are other options if you're okay not staying on site that are nearby too. So. Yeah. But like, yeah, like with Dragon Con and Gen Con, the hotel rooms book up pretty quickly too. But like, there's enough hotels that um, you can find other hotels in the area to get, you know, that aren't too far away. It's just with Adepticon, usually everybody that's playing there, a lot of people drive in. Decent amount flying, too. But you've got all your gaming gear with you. And that sometimes is a lot of crap that you have to transport from, like, your car, back inside, blah, blah, blah. So, like, the reason a lot, of, a lot of people want to stay at that hotel is because it's easier to transport all your shit back and forth from the gaming and in all honesty, like every time I went to a convention, if I could not get a hotel room at it literally like multiple either a floor or multiple floors above the actual convention hall where it took place, right? I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not going." We'll see. It like is such a pain in the ass to like even this... even to be even to be like a mile away. It sucks. It absolutely yeah. sucks. For something as big as Dragon Con or something as big oh, yeah. as Decepticon, like I can't, I can't imagine it. Fuck. See, like this hotel, if I remember correctly, it's kind of weird set up. There's like stairwells at each one of the four corners of the the hotel itself, but none of them actually dump out down to the ground floor. They all dump out outside. They're like fire escapes. There's one stairwell I think that's behind the front desk where you check in that actually can go to where the rooms are on the different floors 
and there's only like one bank of like six elevators for the entire like 500 plus room hotel and it's like right in the middle of the hotel and the ho- the elevator situation there like if you're trying to get to something in the morning like you have like a very early like an eight o'clock in the morning uh game kickoff time or something or 8 30 or yeah. something like that and you're not down there before like on your way down there by seven o'clock in the morning you're fucked you ain't gonna make it because the yeah. ho- the elevator situation is horrible well and like if an elevator does stop it's literally there's shit with people packed literally to the rafters of the elevator in, in addition to, like, just, like, a, like Dragon Con shit like that, where fucking the hotels are just fucking ridiculous, um, don't the gaming events go pretty quickly, too? Like, the tickets for them? It depends. It's- Some of them do. Like, um, there's the Team 40K event, which is kind of, like, the signature event, where, like, you have, like, uh, I think it's four people with a certain point limit, uh, and you kind of... It's mix match the partners throughout the day who you're playing with, and then you play the other teams. Obviously, um, that event usually books up pretty quickly. The hardcore 40k tournament usually books up pretty quickly. The uh, X-wing tournaments usually pick, book up pretty quickly too. The 30k events, which like for how small 30k has been, they book up like way quick. Like if you're not in there in the first five minutes when they put them up, you're not getting in them. Um, and it's not, I mean, there's, and most of the events, there's, uh, uh, and I give the, the 30k guys for Adepticon a, a good bit of credit. They, I mean, they, what the problem is that they usually have is their limited space because the 40k and X-Wing events are so damn big. There's not enough room to do like, you know, a hundred tables for 30k. They get like, use their, the corner of the 40k room. Which they may get, you know, like ten. No, it'd be more than ten. It's probably around twenty tables or something like that. To twenty to thirty tables. And I think last year they moved them into their own room. Like they had their own hall for thirty k alone. And like, so Ryan had all his really super 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 duper terrain that was there, um, and he was running events like big bigger events like twenty five hundred point uh, plus thirty k stuff and. Um, so, like, the 30K events usually book up very, very quickly just because of the, the limited number of tables available and the amount of people that want to play in them because it's, like, the same same group of guys that are always wanting to play in 30K. We're a pretty close-knit, tight group. Yeah. And the only time you ever see kind of, like, I'm not saying we don't like new people coming in and playing, but, like, the, at, at Adepticon, the only time you ever see newer players that haven't kind of been involved in the 30K tournament chain or not tournament but narrative play stuff around the country are like people that are floating over from like the 40k event that are trying to score like an they think they're going to score like an easy win against the 30 player 30k players with like a min max list and then they end up running up against you know like you know there's uh duncan kennedy and and ryan are both extremely good players just period okay but they're also like really nice guys okay and when they play with other people, they play for fun in 30K. They're not playing to be competitive. But if they run up against, like, some asshole 40K min-maxer that's trying to use the same army from 40K and 30K and nothing's, like, even, like, you know, he's using, like, Primaris Marines as, like, you know, non-mark armor, basically. Yeah. And, uh, or, like, an IG army or something like that that's obviously not for 30K. 
they yeah. there's players in 30k that will hand their ass to them in a sling and send them home like crying. <laughs> so, but they don't. 30k players are not normally like that. We're usually the older, the guys that have been in the hobby for a long time, that are more down, not necessarily down to earth, but we're there to have fun and throw dice with the other people and and not have a stressful you know, super highly competitive event. It's for and then, fun. And then at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is, like, the cur- the 30K community players like me and you, like, we like going to these events because we like being sociable with the other players and talking. Right. Everybody's, t- like, it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out, and then we're also playing a game. Whereas the 40K community, which I also get balls deep in, is, like, strictly tournament scene. Uh, I don't mean, they're, shit about they're painting. St- it's right. mid-max lists, uh, whatever the new flavor of the week is. Like, that one dude, Nick Navarati, who basically wins everything at every single big event. Like, that dude don't give a shit about any of this. Like, he just cares about going to this fucking LVO and winning. Like, that's all that dude cares about. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, they're not all 40K players like that, but it seems like Adepticon for 40K, it, re- it really draws out the... the uh, the real douchebag forty, a lot of the real douchebag forty bit forty k players that are like you know that's the super hard with, actors. That's how we ended up with fucking no arm sky shield landing pad, right? Yeah, those guys were they, and they intentionally did you know they wanted to do that because they, I'm not going to say they considered thirty k an affront to the hobby, but like they wanted to show try and show the thirty k players like, you know, this is how we play. this game or whatever and we're gonna abuse your system because we can't you know and scott i will give him credit scott and zach damn near beat them with like an i think it was like an ig list too like they had like two storm blades or something like that and a ton of just like you know ig conscripts and they basically just kept throwing walls of troops at at those guys and they they almost did it they just ran out of time basically holy shit yeah. It was like an Iron Warriors and, like, you know, Solar Auxiliary list is basically what it was with, like, Stormblades. Like, <laughs> that's fucking insane. And but, I think there was some controversy in that game, though, that, like, it shouldn't have happened, but I'm, I'm not going to get into that. So long, that's a long time ago. Well, I mean, we already fucked up the final line on this one, but we, that's past stuff. We need to keep moving on. So... <laughs> So, other than the crazy Adepticon Hotel stuff, I already talked about how big, badass, brand new Contemptor and Dark Angels Praetor model yep. came out last week. Dark Angels stuff. I am very oh. happy as well. I think you already said you have it on the way. So. Oh, yeah. It, I got the notice yesterday that it uh, it's already been shipped. Awesome. So, I got, I got those coming in, and I can't wait because those fuck up. I, I like the Cataphracty guy. But I wish they were releasing the other guy in Artifice. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm, that's I, the reason I haven't ordered them yet as I'm waiting for everything. All you know, I think it was four four kits that they had shown for the Dark Angels. I was waiting for them all. Yeah, day. I just wanted to be that guy that's just to like roll up and be like, oh, no, I'm I know, I understand. Uh, I was did you get a pre-order. I got a pre-order. Uh. I will say on the Praetor that they put out, doesn't the thing that was, I was a little not. I, I think it's a cool sculpt. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't like the candles on it because they really hadn't had like a lot of candles on the Dark Angel stuff in the 30k up to this point. But um, I understand. Yeah, that it. is I mean, that it, is a little odd because that's more like 
40 K. I mean, that's, <laughs> well, that's not even, that's not even like dark angels. It's more like word bearers. Yeah. Like I'll agree. That that's, that's more their style. Um, but whatever, it's fucking cool. I the, love the, it. Con, the contemptor and the Leviathan for the dark angels are, they're fucking badass though. Like, yeah, d- dude, the fucking, the contemptor, you get like, you get two different chess pieces yep. and three different, uh, helmets, helms. Yep. It's dope. Like I'm, yep. I'm excited. I, you know, it, I really, I really, yeah, I really like the, I really like the them because most of the, a lot of the, at least the earlier um, Legion stuff, like Legion specific stuff, wasn't very specific to the Legion. It might have been like it might have had like studs or something like that on it, or chevrons or something like that. But like the stuff they've put out recently have really um, differentiated them from like the normal like veteran style contemptors and leviathans and that kind of stuff like the the night the night lords and the white scar stuff they've put out recently have been very pretty pretty friggin badass yeah see that's uh they they, they came out with a community post warhammer community post like last week i thought they were going to come out with that uh land speeder that they they made in that post this friday today the, the white scars didn't. one yeah, the white scars. Well, see, one. It's, it's been available at a bunch of convent. I mean, it's been available at conventions for like, I don't know, like two or three months already, at least I think. And I, I thought it was already out, but apparently they hadn't released it yet, like to the general public. I didn't even know it was like one of those exclusive event ones. I don't. I didn't think it was an, a, an event one. I just thought they had like pre-released. You know how they like. Oh, yeah, the stuff yeah, yeah. that's getting ready to come out, they'll pre-release them at a convention, and I know they've had it at like a Warhammer Fest or the Horus Heresy Weekend or something like that. They had them available. That's how that's how I got my Magnus and my Aemon. I went to back in 2016. Uh, me and my buddy, we went to fucking Warhammer Fest because it was the first time with the new ownership of GW, and they okay. brought back they brought back all the the GT tournaments. Yep. So, me and my buddy were like, "Well, this is fucking cool." Well, originally it was me uh, pressuring my buddy to join me because I wanted to get Magnus and Eamon and whatever other new release Thousand Suns models that they were doing that weekend. And then in addition, they were running like a 30k tournament. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a tournament. I get it. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I've played in a couple narrative or so-called narrative heresy right. events. And at the end of the day, they're all just fucking tournaments. Yeah. So. I'm still waiting on to, for somebody to like show me like a really good proper narrative event. Have you run it? Have you played any of like Ryan's actual narrative events? No, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what else too. I that that was another regret for last year at War Games Camp was fucking Will's event because yeah, he, he Will's did. running an event this year though. So. Yeah, he's running the he's running the same thing, the, the Battle of Rokankaris. He did it, he yeah. did it last year. So, I think uh, I think Will actually because they were down on numbers because that that was like the first one of the first things that they we had going on at camp last year. He actually ended up playing in that event, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. as well to make the numbers. Like so, there was an even number of players. Well, see, that's why that that's why I was working with Ryan this year and I helped him with all the like coordinating with all the counselors and shit to schedule all the events so that Ryan primarily worked with Henry and locking down all the the hobby classes and then i worked with everybody on the event side and so that way we came up with a schedule so that like 
the really cool events that people would sign up for didn't really conflict with the hobby side. Yeah, see, that was the kind of the thing with, um, yeah. no offense, like, with Henry's class last year, which was awesome, by the way. Um, I loved it. It, like, took up, you know, the better part of a day and a half or two days or whatever. Where you're literally in there from breakfast to dinner time. And you would you kind of would miss out on like anything going on if you wanted to try and do it. So. See, and that's that's one of the reasons why is because um, of last year. And then I was just like, hey, Ryan, I'll I'll take this off your I'll take this off your your chest, bud. I'll take this off yeah. your back. I'll take care of this. And no, and I, I think I think Henry I think like Henry's not offering a class like a like a two well, or three yes. day class like he normally does at, but at the, great, the, the great thing is is that like Ryan Michael and everybody they were they they listened to all the suggestions that everybody talked about last year going into this year right and so we've incorporated them within the schedule which yeah. is pretty dope because I believe we have a nice solid schedule. And yeah. it's even funny because me and AJ were talking uh, this morning, or was it last night? I can't remember. We were talking over Skype, and because um, last year it, it was just great because it was everybody together, and then like it, it sounds bad, but it was good at the same time. Like you just had somebody that would just like really be fucked up and stand up on a chair and be like, <laughs> I'm running this event. I right. need all loyalists on this side and this side. And these are the tables we're going to fucking run. So all you fucking posers beat it. And then like everybody would just like drunkenly mosey over that was playing yeah. it. And if they weren't playing it, they would just mosey on over to the other side of the fucking hall. Um, but this time, me and AJ were talking about it. We were looking at the we were looking at the schedule, and it was just like, no, everything's everything's lined up. Like this is when we're doing. This is like when the open gaming's going on. This is when Will's event's going on. This is when the this thing's going on. So it's it's good. It's like, and it's it's so it, like obviously we couldn't prevent all the conflicts, you know, right, between, right, between between the War Games operations, which is your gaming events, and the War Games Academy, which is your uh, your hobby, hobby classes, but we made it pretty fucking good so that you can, if you're attending one of the badass classes, no offense to you, Jamie and myself, <laughs> because me and you are like the lowly peons when it comes to running our classes at the, event. <laughs> but like the big one. So like Ryan's 3d printing and the airbrush day one airbrush day two weathering with oils like and that's the cool that's the cool thing like with henry's class last year you know that that covered like everything but like if you've already kind of got your airbrushing and stuff down he's broken it up into like different oh, sections yeah. oh yeah so because, like uh, if you don't want to waste your time not saying that you're wasting your time but if you don't want to you know if you want to plan another event instead of spending three days waiting for just the weathering or just the oil parts like you can like now do that with this you can only go to those parts that you need to that you need to brush up on or you need help with versus like the entire class. Yeah. And, and so, and, but the good thing is, is though, like you can hit those, the main advertised hobby classes, but at the same time, if you are the attendees, if you're listening, 
please sign up for my class. It's going to be a great time. Please sign up for Jamie's class because you can actually put lighting in your models and not have to worry about painting lighting. <laughs> so, so I, I'm going to say because I've had like I've had Will and I've had uh, AJ actually contact me today, and they're looking for specific help with stuff. Um, I know, like, my class is really only scheduled for, like, two hours, and I think there's some open time after my class right now, but it, I don't know if there is, like, but when the camp actually starts, um, like, schedule-wise, but, like, right now, if you are wanting help with something you're working on, like, lighting-wise, or you just, or you want to see how to do something, because of the nature of the class only being, like, two hours long, um, I'm, I'm just going to do, like, you know, like a rhino or an armature, maybe a knight or something like that during in the class for for everybody to see. But like, if you want help on a model, if you grab me and like, I'm not like in, you know, doing an event or something like that, or you want like late night hobby time or something like that, I'll be more than ha happy to help you do whatever you, you have a look at whatever you're needing help with. And if you need me to actually do something, I can do that too. Exactly. That's what's great about this camp, everybody, is that especially for the attendees listening right now. Um, at any point in time, you, you need some like help or anything like that for any of the instructors, everybody is down to help you out at any open space time that they have. No, well, I mean like last year, like an example, like Chris Duncan, he was working on those, uh, on his dust, uh, IS tanks yep. and he was doing a lot of those overnight. Like when a lot of people were hobbying and it was after like Henry's class, he would go down there in the hobby room. And, like, he would work on his, his IS tanks during yep. that time. And Henry would come down there if he had questions and, you know, he'd give him recommendations or show him, like, techniques or something like that or help him with it a little bit. Um, and, like, there was other people that would go do that, too. I mean, I know I would just go down there and hang out with Ryan and Henry just because, like, we were shooting the shit. Yeah, I did, I did the same thing, too. I would go down there and I'd hang out with y'all in the, in the hobby room because that for some reason that ended up being the hangout. It was a little bit more uh, low-key than yeah. uh, up in the gaming hall. Uh, I'm not saying that the gaming hall was, like, you know, hardcore, but it, like, it can get a little loud up there. Because oh, that fuck. room is very big. That, like, what you just said, the complete opposite of that was the right answer. Like, the gaming hall at nighttime yeah. was fucking wild. Yeah. Like, it, it made sense that there was, like, a good collective of people that didn't want to be around that scene yeah. and just hung up in the, in the hobby area. At the classroom. Or, because... like, there were some people that didn't, you know, because they were actually, they wanted to game during the day. They kind of missed out not being able to do Henry's class. And so, like, Henry was very open to, like, oh, yeah. explaining stuff or theories or whatever, showing them a technique that, like, they had questions about that they didn't get, wouldn't actually get to see during the I class. I told, uh, when I first got there on day one and, uh, when I met Ryan and, and Michael and everybody, and I was riding around. So, first thing that happened was I walked in, and Ryan was like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Vince. And yeah. he's like, he's like, who said that? And then across the room heard yeah. that, and he screamed it. And then Ryan was just like, nah, man, we do hugs around here in the game. Yeah. Ryan's always and like that. he was like, you want to come out with me, Michael and Henry, and we're gonna go, we're gonna go fucking tour around and see everything. Yeah. So I got in the golf cart with them and uh, touring around, and I didn't know who Henry was, to be completely <laughs> honest. I, right. 
it was just a dude with a funny accent, and I was like, all right, what the fuck is this tea drinker doing around here? You know what I mean? <laughs> Not in these parts, friend. You know, but uh, then I come to find out he, he he's like just an he's an extremely great, talented, phenomenal human being. One, two, painter, and three runs cold to paint. Yeah. So he's got that going on for him. And then, um, so he asks, he looks at me and he's like, oh, oh, Vince, did you sign up? Uh, are you taking my class as well? And then, like, I was fucking with him. Uh, but I think he got pissed at me. Because uh, I was like, nah, man, I only pay one British dude to teach me how to paint. <laughs> and that's, that's fucking Miles David of Little Legend Studios. Because I took his class that past January. And I think he got pissed at me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, Henry's pretty, like, he's, like, as easy going. He's, like, the Ryan of English oh, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, like, super easy to get along with, you know. So, I don't, he may have been, I don't, I don't think he was mad at you. I think he may have been, he might have been a little perturbed or miffed, but he, like, he never, he doesn't seem like he holds a grudge, like, with people. No, no, no. Me and, me and Henry, we talk frequently, especially with camp going on. Um, I, I just think he was, he's just jelly. He yeah. He's a, a, he wasn't at it. When I, when I told him that last year, he wasn't at heresy camp. He was at jelly camp because <laughs> I picked another British dude to teach me to, to give me tips on painting and not him. And well, I mean, I, I like, I just, you know, I've, I've taken a ton of, um, painting classes and like, especially, you know, I've taken them at like Adepticon and Dragon Con and Gen Con and stuff like that. And, um, I've gone to a couple of, like, non-con painting classes, like at a gaming store or whatever. And um, the one that I've actually gotten the most out of was probably Henry's. And it, I'm not saying that it was, like, techniques were, like, really different than anything I'd been to before. It's just the way he taught it and um, how personable he was. So Yeah, he's, like I said, Henry Steele is probably... <laughs> The most fantastic, jovial, like, it, it's tough because to me, actually, it makes sense. So there's no, so you got, you got Ryan, right? Mm -hmm. The Canadian version of Ryan is AJ. Okay. The British version of Ryan is Henry. Because <laughs> they all have that same jovial, like, super sociable, like, yeah. we'll do anything for you if they don't know you, like, sort of attitude and mindset. And they're just fantastic people. Yeah. I don't know if there are any Australians because they're all, like, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, you know, I listened to Eye of Horus and Lecter Counts. And something in me, something in my plums tells me that that dude, <laughs> Renee, that they keep yeah. talking about and bringing on, there's something special about that guy. <laughs> I'm gonna find out because any dude that's named Renee, that dude's gotta fuck. You know what I mean? Like, there's gotta be something going on with that dude. Oh, <laughs> um, Renee for Christ's sakes! Like, yeah. Oh, anyways, now that we're like Holy totally, shit, we're like two, like this is we're we're pulling like a fucking eye of Horus. This is like two hours and thirty minutes, and we this is like no, this is like old school RFI man, where you'd get like four hour shows. It's just you're not going to get the sweet cherry on top of new list because we don't do that. Oh fuck, we want to do list? We'll fucking bring okay. out 
We'll fucking bring out the battle scribe right now. Yeah. A quartermaster. According to Tim and, and fucking Michael at fucking I have Horus, they like live by it. But that's only because they're like fucking best friends and they're in cahoots with the guy. But the guy won't release a fucking Android app. I, I, I don't use it. I, I use this quartermaster, man, because like I'm one of those Apple snobs. So fucking schmucks. I've had I've, I've had the other one, too, and I don't I I had a lot of problems with it, to be honest with you. But I've, whatever. I've also had uh, was the army builder. Was that the original one? I fucking loved Army Builder, and then they yeah. stopped support for it. Yeah, I, I thought I had Army Ar- Builder was fucking cool. Yeah, I had Army Builder back like third and fourth edition, like all the way through, like the start of Heresy. So, like, yeah, it's not. And I, hey, man, pen and paper, whatever, Excel spreadsheet. You got, you know, I've I've done all, all I've done them all. So. Oh yeah, like the other day, I was working on my uh, my fourth hobby project, if I can get to it, which is. <laughs> start even building my Bretonians, which was put together my fucking Warhammer Fantasy. Did Scott, you, Scott hooked you? <laughs> well, yeah, Scott got me into it. Well, not only because Scott got me into it, but because on the episode we did a couple episodes where we had Tim on, and Tim and fucking Scott used me as a guinea pig for a guy that never played Warhammer Fantasy... Like, how do I get into it? How do I play it? Right. And in that episode, I explained, like, when I was a kid and I got into 4th edition, 3rd edition 40k with my cousin, he also wanted to play fantasy, and he had an Imperial army. And so I thought it was cool, but then I saw the Bretonians, and I was like, oh, dude, what are these? And he was like, oh, the Bretonians, man. They're like, I was like, oh, are they Imperials? And they're like, no, 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 they're Bretonians, man. They're their own thing. They're just knights. On horses, so and I'm like, well, that's are, dope. Haven't they gotten really, really hard to get? Because I know a lot of 30k players and 40k players like them for like um, planetary guard and stuff like that. They convert them. We'll see. What's cool about them is um, if you go to the people that have the special resin. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I know who. I know who you're talking about. Yes, they they have Grail Knights. Okay, Questing Knights, <laughs> Knights of the Realm. Dude, I even got trebuchets. I went on eBay to try and find a Oh, yeah, they're insane. <laughs> Some dude wanted like $233 for one fucking trebuchet. I was like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, like at this point, like Tim and Michael have gone out of control. Yeah. Like their advertising of any gaming system that they that they support, it's gotten wicked crazy. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but they're fucking cool. And so... You want to segue like smite or something? You want to segue into the uh, the last thing we were going to talk about? Well, there we got two quick things. Well, we have one quick thing to talk about. Then we have dope ass thing we want to talk about, and then we go into the event and wrapping up the show. Okay. But really quick, and Jamie, I swear to God, we can't go on a tangent on this and explain it. So just let me speak for this, like, okay, two okay. or three sentences. You got, you got, it. got it. So the boys over that they forgotten Legion last weekend did the uh, DMD telephone, telethon, and they raised roughly about, in that whole night, around $2,700 against DMD. In addition, during the live broadcast where myself, Jamie, uh, were on there representing the RFI 
crew. Um, the boys of the Golden Throne got fucking down. <laughs> and if you go right now, Jamie, Jamie, come on, we can't do this because okay. we'll get into it. We'll get yeah, into it the whole night. <laughs> um, the boy, if you go to the Forgotten Legion's Facebook page, they posted a photo at the end of the night of a screenshot <laughs> of the boys of the Golden Throne. John is passed out on the floor, and AJ's in his like comfy chair that's down in his basement. Those boys got so fucked up during the DMV telephone, it was fucking hilarious. And that's all we're going to say about the DMV telephone, other than it was a fucking great event. It it raised money for a great fucking charity, and it had a great fucking purpose. So well done, boys. Uh, for the Forgotten Legion for hosting the telethon in order to promote the fight against DMD and raise money for it. So that's all we have to say about that. Um, and now, Jamie, here we go, bud. <laughs> the big, the big shebang. Uh, so in fact, in fact, we've actually gotten some. Uh, what is it? Some listener mail about talking about this. Yeah. So this is a big deal because it's a big deal to me too, and it's a big deal to you and a it's, big deal to Ryan. Yeah, it's a huge deal to Ryan. Uh, Scott kind of too. Uh, Michael. Oh yeah, fucking Scott. That's right. I bought him yeah. like his basically his whole house Steiner army was bought by me for his. Yeah. It, so if you all hadn't heard, uh, BattleTech, you know they've put out a new edition of BattleTech and a new was it Alpha Strike? They put a new version out too. Uh, new box sets that came oh, with yeah. what. Some pretty cool plastic minis. I had the edition before. I didn't get the. F I only got the new book, but I had the edition before, and it had like two really nice plastic. Uh, it was a Thor, and I want to say it was a Loki. Was the in the the third edition set? The fourth edition set. I can't remember what all is in it, but there's a lot of new mechs in it that they had just done in plastic. Because Ryan's gone over in depth about how like convoluted the ownership rights are for BattleTech and like oh, yeah. how they're licensed out from tops to Catalyst. Exactly. And Catalyst really only... Even even from the, the like the Autobots fucking or GoBots, whatever which one it is, the, it's the Japanese Magnus. version. Yeah, like the was it the Marauder two? Yeah, that... yeah, yeah. There's like the there's the supposed unseen model. Yeah, they've got all like... those they've got all these mechs that like they basically lost the visual rights to actually make. Exactly. And, so their name exists in the lore, but their actual, their their actual like model doesn't exist, and neither does a like an artist rendition of their model exist. Right. And so Catalyst is who makes BattleTech. Okay, they make the, the they all make all the uh, data sheets and the rule set, and up to this point, they've had a few uh, limited mechs that they make in plastic or resin. Not many. And they're pretty nice sculpts. It's just they don't really do the minis for their own game system. Uh, was it Ralph Partha or is it Ironwind Miniatures? Ironwind Miniatures does it's, the miniatures. Yeah. It's kind of like the official maker of the the actual models, but there's tons of other uh, sculptors from you know all over the world that make you know models for the, uh, Battletech. So... This, I guess it's it, it ends in like two days or a day and a half or something no, like no, that. No, 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 no. So um, I'm, I'm in my email right now, right? Um, I've and got it at, pulled uh, up. It's, 20, it's 22 hours left in the Kickstarter. And it's, uh, 
as of one fifty one in the morning today, or no, as yesterday, because it's twelve thirty my time. So they they re- they they got up to two million dollars pledged. It's over and, that because I've actually been, I've had it while we've been recording, and it's up to twenty. 2.2 million it's gone from like oh 2. my 1. god it's gone from just a little over 2 million to 2.2 million dollars and there's 22 hours left and like it's going up again right now it just it just scrolled up like another couple hundred dollars this but, is absolutely insane so 2.2 million dollars 9721 backers 22 hours to get and what's great is uh I don't know about you, but I pledged blood name. <laughs> what did you pledge? I I, I originally, uh, right now, I am pledged to... So, okay. What's going on is Battletech has released a Kickstarter for the clans. And if you know anything about the Battletech lore, the clans are the militaristic group that basically left with the founder of the outer space colonies and went like into deep space to yeah, yeah, got tired of the politics. I got you on this one. All right. So you got like basically the Horus heresy version of Battletech, right? So right. you have, you have the star defense league, which was right. run by a guy named Kerensky. And the dude was like the tactical genius. Like he was, he controlled their armies. I mean, like he yeah, was their, he, the, the big dude. Mamma Jamma is like the grand commander of all the armies. Yeah, so he was basically like Horus, except not an asshole. Yeah, how and, much with that? <laughs> and, and so basically, uh, the the rest of all the 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 royal houses within the uh, the Star League, I guess, right? Was the yeah. yeah Star League? So they just kept bickering and fighting over like who's going to control what and blah blah blah. Who was going to be, like, basically the ruler of the Star League exactly. or whatever. And fucking Kerensky was like, you know what, fuck, fuck this, off. man. I'm going to grab all the best fucking warriors, all the mechs, all the tech, and I'm going to get the fuck out of Dodge, and he, I'm going to start my own fucking martial, fucking Spartan-like... He, he said, fuck and, y'all, I'm taking the ball and leaving, too. <laughs> exactly. And so that's how the clan started, from when Kerensky left... The, the actual, uh, fucking forget the name. Ryan's going to fucking yell at me. I don't want to be yelled at by Ryan. Um, <laughs> but basically, the... the basically, the inner sphere, okay? Yeah, the, the, yeah it, the inner sphere. But there was a name for... I forget the fucking... God damn it. But the inner sphere, like, component that... He basically uh, left them with the deep space, and mm-hmm. then they formed the clans. Uh yeah. The militaristic, very organized society that, like, their whole goal, like, instead of being like trying to promote your house, you're trying to improve the the entire system of clans. And even though there are divisions of clans, they they all have uniting bonds together, uh, and they have a very honor driven system of combat and trials and stuff on how they settle differences, opposed to like the. The inner, the stabbing, and uh, which is incorporated in the rule book, uh, right? So, um, but anyways, uh, so like, yeah, BattleTech has a kick. They started a Kickstarter. It's the Clan Invasion, okay? Which it's a new rule set for the clans because the base rule book. I mean, it had the base rules in it, but it didn't have, really have specific stuff to clans. And the clans have much more advanced tech than 
most of the Inner Sphere uh, cast and groups other than Comstar. Um, but basically, it's a new rule book. But in addition to a new rule book, they've made a miniature line. And the miniatures are 3D uh, CAD designed and then they're yeah. produced off the masters and they're in plastic opposed to being in like white metal or something like that and the sculpts generally are the ones they've taken they're similar or taken from uh, Mech Warrior. I think it's Mech Warrior 5 like the, the actual PC game which the modeling in that is incredible for the mechs so they've done a kickstarter and it originally was just for the clans and there's a new clan starter set it comes with the book it comes with like five mechs of different classes and uh, a couple, you know, like rules tokens and some pilot cards and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. in addition, they've set all these, uh, what do you call them, pledge goals. And like when they hit all these pledge goals, they started adding more and more stuff. And the stuff yeah. they've been adding is mechs. They've added like, I don't know what the total of mechs is they've yeah, added. So, so but just, like, just to give everybody like, uh, uh, so... Uh, the pledge level I decided to go with is blood named, and that's in reference to a uh, in the lore. Like a blood named is like basically, long story short, is a clan warrior that's proven himself in battle. Right. And so, like, he gets blood named, and once you get your blood name, like that is a huge thing because clan warriors typically don't get a surname; they get they receive the surname of whoever is ahead of the clan, I believe. Right, I, I might have fucked that up. Like so the once you become, of the blood, yeah, once you become blood named, you earn the right to have a surname and start basically your own sub faction of like clan martial warriors. But with this level, uh, it's telling me right. So, and in, in the very beginning, when the Kickstarter opened up on July seventeenth, when I initially bought into it, the initial mech count for blood named was 25 yeah i did what i ended up doing was star captain which is like the tier below what you did yep. so it was only like 15 megs but my intentional goal was when i started seeing that they were gonna the goals that they had they were gonna start putting more mech packs in was to do star captain and then add like a couple other mech packs which they said they were gonna do but i'm probably gonna end up changing it to your blood named level which they said you could do yeah so uh i get a free clan challenge coin I get the Clan Invasion box set. I get my choice of two Star Packs or Lance Packs, but I'm going to go with Star Packs because, you know, I'm a fucking Clan Warrior, dude. So, That's like, cool. what they've done is that they've come out with, like, every pledge goal that they had. It was about every 50,000. They added another set of plastic mechs. And with you get a, if you get a star, which is the the group like a, a a group for the clans, it's five mechs, and like the the starter set comes with an executioner, which is a an assault mech, a timber wolf, which is also known as the mad cat. It's like the star, yep. you know, it's the mech when everybody thinks of BattleTech. Yep. Uh, the Nova, the Grendel, and the Adder. So you have like a little mix of kind of like everything. You have like you know lights, medium. And then, like, a really heavy one, and then you have an assault mech, which is, like, the big mamma jamma. So, what they've also added is, like, with these other packs, they started adding other uh, other mechs to these. And and you can get them in, star, in stars, which are the clan mechs, or you can get them in, like, a lance, which is four mechs for the inner sphere. 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll Comstar. Just, just real quick to explain that. So for the clans, um, they go by uh, the largest unit that they have is called a trinary, and then it goes to a binary, and then it goes to a star, and then it goes to a points because everything's related to a star. So a uh, a star of mechs is five mechs. So if you get a star pack, you're going to get five mechs. And the chassis and mechs are all related to clan tech because yeah. the technology is vastly different between inner sphere yeah. and clan. Clan has the best tech. Well, it's- there's some Star League stuff that's pretty good too, but it's like it's kind of like it's lost tech, whereas the clan has taken some of the Star League stuff and either improved or made it so they can replicate it. Whereas, like, the Inner Sphere typically does not have access to a whole lot of Star League tech, which is, like, the golden age of mechs before. And then, like, you know, then, like, the Inner Sphere is kind of like, I'm not going to say it's in the Dark Ages of mech combat, but, like, because there actually is a worse period called the Dark Age, where literally people are strapping, you know, missiles and lasers onto, like, uh, an excavator and driving around like a mech. That's because the fucking Inner Sphere can never get shit right. They're always bickering over themselves that they can't fucking figure out the the fucking mechs. So, but anyways... You got the clans that are living in freedom in the fucking outer realm of space, and they're just like... Well, it's different different degrees for different clans. Like, Jade Falcon, not really a whole lot of freedom, versus Clan Diamond Shark is, you know, they're merchants, basically, so... Um, but anyways, with the Kickstarter, they started adding on all these goals, stretch goals, and the stretch goals were where they were adding either like new train, uh, new play mats, new extra rule sets, new stories, like you know, because there's tons of BattleTech lore and books. They're adding new short stories from like really famous authors. Um, they started adding other clans because initially, like there was only what was it, four or five clans that are originally struck oh, yeah. the Inner Sphere. And then there was other clans that didn't strike. They basically stayed home to guard the um, the the clan worlds, okay? And then they basically got they were second line. They got called in eventually uh, when it the wars started escalating. But so they started what they did with the stretch goals is started doing different clan packs. So they won't all be mechs from one clan, but like an example, they have different types of uh, styles of mechs. They might be more specialized in assault, or more specialized in close combat, or more specialized. In uh, yeah, so, where they give you bonuses for like you know extra command actions, so and these stretch goals they were doing you know they added all these new mechs. They're all brand new sculpts. They're incredible sculpts. They're plastic, which is very cool because you can customize them and they're you don't have to work with friggin' white metal. Thank God. But oh, they yeah. also come with um, the pilot cards, like name pilot cards, and they also come with the rules for the mechs for Alpha Strike because the Alpha Strike is a little bit it's a different game. Um, versus it's a lot easier to play. It's not as technically, um, basically all your rules are on the cards for the mechs versus you kind of having to have the paper sheets to check off everything. Yeah. So, so real quick. So originally like the whole purpose of this Kickstarter was the clan invasion box set, right? It was just to get that going. Originally the contents of the box set was five miniatures. So it was the executioner, the Timberwolf, the Nova, the Grendel, the Adder. All redesigned and new highly plastic, a pair of six-sided dice, the clan rulebook, the record sheets for your mech so that you can use, you need the record sheets for the game. Right. A, a short novella, the Alpha Strike card so that you can play, you can play them in Alpha Strike as well, not only just 
classic Battletech. The reference cards, game maps, standees, and terrain tile punch board. And that was it. But through the the campaign fucking, what's it called, Jamie? Kickstarter. No, the no, no. The, where the stretch goals. The stretch yep, goals. the stretch goals. So through the st stretch goals, that grew into adding two points of the brand new sexy looking elemental battle armor. Yeah, which are you literally like the, you also got the expanded clan primer booklet that adds more clans to it. Right. You got 10 pilot cards that give you some like unique named uh, cards for those for like your clan mechs outside of the ones that are in the box. And then there's also a unique cover for the backers that supported uh, the clan invasion box set. But like you get all that and then there's they kept adding more and more stretch goals because like this Kickstarter campaign is actually I think they're saying it's in like the top fifty gaming kick Kickstarters they've ever that have ever launched. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. funded it, it met the funding goal they needed to go ahead with it in like under seven minutes. And it's kept going like a steamroller as now, you know, they're, they really were shooting around for about $500,000 and they well exceeded it. I mean, they wanted like $30,000, but the kind of, they already knew that was, there was a, a, a lot of pent-up demand. And I think, and all said and done with the stretch goals, they ended up, they have designs and the funds now to make, I think it's upwards of 90 plastic mechs. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. So like... I know a certain mech warrior person that we we both know and love, uh, Ryan. I think he ble pledged at the uh, the the Star Colonel, which has fifty five mechs in it. So um, that's so the I, base fifty five mechs, and then like there there's uh, there's a bunch of bonus mechs they've thrown in as well with it too, and a ton of so other crap. I, uh, so. What's great is because I asked I asked you the other day about this. I was like, dude, the, the Kickstarter, I like, I literally messaged you. I messaged Jamie, and I was like, dude, this Kickstarter has gotten so out of control with how much money they're raising and the stretch goals keep going and going and going. I, I, I honestly don't know at, like, what mech count I'm at. But I'm at the website, the Kickstarter right now, and they have, like, they, they have, like, a special, like, little card for your pledge level, and it tells right. you all the updates to include the most current thing. So I pledge blood name comes with a base mech of 25. So I get, I get the clan invasion box set. Like I already talked about earlier. Right. Um, in addition, I get two. It's my choice of two star or Lance packs. So that's that. Let's see. Uh, and then that's I also get a, 15. salvage box which includes one mech yeah the salvage box they have it depends on which tier you're at but uh, pretty much most people are getting at least one a salvage box is just one random mech from all these new sculpts that's in plastic and it's just like it's like a blind pull you don't know what you're going to get whereas in these other boxes these lances and stars it's five set mechs you know what you're going to get if exactly so, so that's what i was getting to next so with the blood name uh, in addition to the the box, the, the the BattleTech Clan Invasion box set, I also get my choice of either two star or two lance packs, or one star, or one one lance pack. 
But because the the stretch goals reached over 150 million, originally 150,000. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh shit! Yeah, it was 150 yeah. million. Dude, that would be like yeah, 1.5 million. Yeah, 150 million. That'd be crazy. 1.5 million. Uh, originally, the blood name uh, pledge. You just got a duplicate two of the stars or lances you picked. The original two star or lance that you got, but now they're allowing you to choose any. So now yeah. I get my choice of force, and they could be completely different. Uh, packs, individual packs of of star mechs, and I can't fucking wait. In addition, you got that you get you got that. You also got the two salvage mechs, and then you also get three um, random omni mechs, baby. Omni mechs. You get the two points of elementals. You also get uh, just announced tonight. You also get a free urban mech, <laughs> and then you also get another salvage box that includes a legendary pilot and mech, like a very very big named like Natasha Kerensky or somebody like that yeah. with their specialized uh, clan mech too. But there's also, I mean, it's like also a ton of other stuff that he gets as, as well with that. But like this Kickstarter has exceeded like everybody's expectations. I thought it was going to cap out at about a million dollars and it's blown way, way past that. And I just looked. So you, all the mechs they made, and uh, there's 19 different stars or lance packs, and originally there was one. I know. So, it's fucking that, Yeah, I mean, they, like, literally made... The, and it's not as, again, it's this isn't all just clan mechs. They have, um, they have lance packs, and they also did, I think it's like two or three Comstar uh, lance packs as well. That was, they were like late ads, too, with, like, some big-name type old school like Highlanders and Atlas type, you know, heavy duty and Black Knight was another one. Uh, new sculpts, all new sculpts for all this stuff. And it's, you know, it, I, I don't know if you've ever worked with white metal, like with mechs or like old 40 K stuff, it's, it's fucking awful. awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, but, but even I, and I still have, a, I still have a lot of classic battle tech stuff that is in white metal. So, <laughs> Even with super glue and accelerator, the yeah. shit won't work. It won't. It won't fucking mend. It won't bond. Yeah, and you almost need to use like epoxy with it. It's just oh yes, pain in the ass. But like, and a lot of the sculpts from the older like white metal stuff, some of them are actually pretty. Like the more recent stuff, you can tell is a lot better sculpted. But like the a lot of the older uh, stuff that you could get from like Ralph Palmer, the sculpts were just like horrible. Like they just weren't good. Or they were so worn out that you lost a lot of detail because of how many times they'd been made or cast. And this stuff's all plastic, and it's, like, super highly detailed. I mean, the CADs are up. The 3D CADs are up for some of the bigger-named mechs. And they're just, like, incredible. And so, like, again, this ends... Well, it's going to be over probably before the show's up. But, like, it ends in, like, 22 hours. And the stuff is actually, I think, supposed to ship by... March? Yeah, March of the Oh, really? Yeah. Fucking quick. Well, I think they're doing it in two waves. They're doing like one wave and I could I I don't I didn't see what was in I obviously the starter box was in the first wave, but then they're doing a second wave of I think some of the later like the Comstar mechs and some of the the yeah. uh, Intersphere mechs that were added late. 
I tell but you what, they, back, they, back they to that put, topic that you, t- you that you said about the Ironwood medals and their their sculpts. Yeah, one of my old like my all time favorite sculpts that they've done, and it's Inner Sphere. But it's cool because I'm starting. I'm actually starting up an Inner Sphere like army for uh, myself. Just to because like I actually BattleTech is like the only game I can play down here because I have a really good friend of mine that loves BattleTech and. And I would dare to say this even on this podcast. But my buddy Matt, I'm pretty sure, can give Ryan a run for his money when it comes to the lore. It's, I, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I kind of got in the battle tech back when doing the Clicks game, which, like, everybody, like, I, I don't know. If you talk to a lot of classic battle tech players, they hate the Clicks game. But I got into it in the Clicks game, and that's it was a gateway for me to get in the 40K. So... <laughs> But getting back to getting back to my original thing, like one of the best, I believe, Ironwind uh, metal sculpts is the Rifleman RFL 8D. Yeah, well, because I think, well, one, when it comes to me and like me kitting out my mechs, I'm like a ballistics guy. So yeah. I love, I love the auto cannons, and I like anytime I can find a clan mech. That can take like fucking rack fives or rack twos. I'm just gonna take it because it's just fucking it's dope. You have this giant ass like giant ass like mech, and it's got giant ass Gatling cannons. It's just like pumping bullets through you. It's sick. Yeah. Play battle tech, motherfuckers. Get get into it, man. <laughs> no, like it just depends with me. Like a lot of the Intersphere stuff, I'd run um a lot of missile racks like big like lrm 15 oh, yeah. that kind of stuff like multiples on that and i'd just like i'd run something up fast to find out where everything was and then like salvo missiles in from long range but then like clan stuff it just depends on which clan i mean like diamond was a diamond shark and uh, nova cat i'd run a lot of uh you know laser based weapons or particle weapons just because that's kind of themey for them and then like you know, some of the other ones, like Jade Falcon was a little bit more varied, but, you know, I I, I played a lot of clan stuff see, I, I back see, in the uh, day. Before, before I even, so what got me into Battletech was at Wargames Camp last year, and I played, Ryan was like, here, play with Scott. And I was like, all right, cool, I'll play. And then after that, I came home, and I talked to Ryan, and I was like, well, how do I get started? Like, where do I go to, like, get it? Right. Showed me all the stuff. He got me into the Battle, Battletech support group. And then he showed me all the links that uh, Chris Duncan posted when it comes to, like, the various different websites yep. for the, the mech conversion. Like, whatever mech they have, it equals the actual this mech in Battletech Universe. And I was looking through all the mechs, and I told myself, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to play fucking, I'm going to do clans. Cause clans are cool. They're martial. They're all about fucking conducting honorable combat, which is cool. The inner sphere is a bunch of bitches. Like they all are just <laughs> a bunch of chatty Cathys. They're all fighting over the fucking throne. And I mean, it literally, it, and like as we've said, it literally is like Game of Thrones in fucking yeah. space. Like that's why I like just like in the beginning of this episode, one hundred and ten percent agree with Ryan's statement that they could literally like HBO should just read a couple of the, the fucking BattleTech books and they'll realize that it's just fucking. Game of Thrones in space with big giant fucking mech warriors. That's all. The, it only, is. the only problem with uh, BattleTech is there's so much. It's so densely packed that like you can't like do a big section. You'd have to Fair pick like, 
one period of of the of the combats, and yeah. it it would it I don't know which one would be like the best one to go at. You know, a lot of people would go like the jihad era because it's that's when you start getting like all the clans and the and the cool tech shit. But like that's kind of midway through the run of everything. You know, like you don't the, the jihad era is like word of Blake, right? Uh, I thought it was that was it, it, I, I might be wrong about this, but I thought it was like right before word of Blake. Ryan's gonna be so pissed when he yeah, he this. will be. But again, mine is more dark age past. Uh, um, I, mine, mine is like the more recent stuff that, like, all the new books that you're getting is like dark age and later. So, but like, yeah, I mean, it's it, it would be a kind of a tough time to, it, you know, like I know with like the BattleTech PC game that is awesome, by the way, if you have not played it. Oh yeah, yeah, talking, I, I played, I, I have it, and I play it. I'm talking the um the real time strategy the yeah yeah I don't yeah. I don't play I don't play MWA I don't play Macro. okay but like uh they picked the period before the clans got there it's kind of early on yep. and that might be a good period to pick but I know like people got pissed off because like oh shit where none of the clans are in this and I'm not gonna get it unless you have the clans blah 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 but you got to pick some place to start with and I guess they kind of went not like at the very beginning but they went kind of early on. So you still had Star League stuff, and you still had, and you still got the political intrigue because a lot of it has to do with the, the the inner sphere houses or whatever. That's where a lot of that base political intrigue comes from, and, and you find you kind of learn the reason why Kerensky left. Oh, thank God, we were we were right. By the way, uh, the word of Blake perpetrated the jihad in thirty sixty seven. Okay. Whew. That's one <laughs> less thing Ryan has to yell at us about about BattleTech. Oh, thank God. Yeah, and so a word of Blake, that stuff gets into some crazy ass shit too, like mech wise. Like, you kind of throw the rules out the door. Well, yeah, it's because the, get into the, word of, the word of Blake or the fucking Al Qaeda of mech of fucking BattleTech. Well, I mean, it's like it's like Al Qaeda, uh, AT and T guys, basically. Because yeah. like that's how they got into it. They were like the the communications people of like the com like they were Comstar. Like, yeah, basically, like you have a communications network in space that's it's called Comstar, and when that they have like the people that maintain it, they're like literally re religious fanatics that maintain that that tech from the Dark Ages or whatever, or the the pre Golden Era in uh, Mech Warrior, and it's just they end up getting so militarized that like, and they have like crazy tech that they develop that's like. On the level, if not more advanced than Word of Blake, because you get some like crazy super suit, even like above assault mech level mechs that are like 150 plus tons, whereas the usual cap is about 100 tons for like the big mamma jamma assault mechs. So oh, the Ares and the the Ares and the Mars or something. I can't remember what all the names are, but they're like they also had like tripod, like three legged mechs instead of the uh, normal two and quads. There's all kinds of crazy shit. It's, to get it's, into. it's just fantastic. And this Kickstarter was exactly what this game needed. Yeah. It, and anybody Catalyst it was kind of been like treading water. I mean, they, they've been putting out new, they've been doing pretty well, putting new rules and stuff, but the game really wasn't, it wasn't growing because they really didn't, you know, they didn't make their own miniatures basically for their game. And the miniatures that were out there, you know, not that the third party people, weren't doing a really good job they were it's just you can't sell third-party miniatures in uh in stores to promote the game and 
this this Kickstarter, you know, I've already seen from people that I know in the industry that own game stores, they're actually starting to, they've already, even though this Kickstarter hasn't finished, they've already started, you know, advertising pre-sales for Mech Warrior and Battletech to get back in game stores. Like, that yeah. you will actually, it's not, won't be like a closet, like old school game, like they're actually starting to try and promote this game again. Exactly. And that's, it, it's just, it's just exactly what the game needed. And it's fucking awesome. And I'm so, like, I for one, I'm happy that like, with how wonderful a gaming company is for Catalyst compared to Games Workshop and Forge World, <laughs> I'm I'm like proud and happy that I I donated to this Kickstarter because of all the things that they're releasing. Yeah. Likewise, though, me, you, Ryan, and everybody else that donated to this Kickstarter. Including a fantastic podcast everybody needs to listen to if they're into Battletech. It's called Wolfnet Radio Podcast. It's run by two brothers. Yeah, they're two brothers. And they got like their cousins on there and a couple of brother-in-laws and shit like that. Fantastic podcast because they fucking, they're all about Battletech. And, um, but for all of us that involved that donated to this Kickstarter... Uh, we're all just make like we're all just hoping that Catalyst didn't just fucking bite more than they can chew, if you know what I mean. Like, well, I mean, I, they've put a lot out there. Um, you know, like again, they've put a lot of the CAD renderings out there. Um, they seem to have their ducks in order, unlike some of the other stuff I've seen, like from some of the other game companies that continuously put out Kickstarters for you know, for other games. Um, and they actually do have backing. I mean, like, they have to, li- they license the game from uh, from Tops, And Tops is, like, I don't know if you all know, is, like, a big, it's a pretty decent-sized company, uh, both gaming and, like, they're originally known for baseball cards. That's what they're... Yeah, it's bread and butter a bunch is. of sports, you fucking nerds. Get outside. <laughs> hit, hit baseball. Yeah, so, like, Tops isn't going to license this to a fly-by-night. Like, the, I don't know if people know about the whole Robotech Macross uh, yeah. game that came out a couple years ago that people got, like, re- stuff did get put out, but, like, the Wave 2 shit they never put out because they didn't make enough. They underestimated how much it was going to cost to develop and make all the stuff, and they basically ran out of money before they could finish all the Wave 2 <laughs> stuff. And they're like, well, look, we're never going to make the rest of this shit but you can have more of the Wave 1 stuff. Yep. That's basically what they did to everybody. So, like, a lot of people that... The stuff they wanted was the Wave 2 stuff. Never, It never's come out. And I don't know if it... I think I saw something. They may have gotten the license renewed, which I don't understand how. But, um... I don't... This Catalyst is, like, a a legit company that's not a fly-by-night. They've been around for a while. Uh, you know, they're having to pay an even bigger company to license, and as I said, Tops probably wouldn't have licensed it if they didn't have, you know, they weren't up to snuff and weren't cap- they didn't think they were capable of actually doing this, you know? Yep. Because it would look bad on Tops for licensing it to, like, a fly-by-night versus, like, you know, them doing it themselves or something like that. Yeah, it makes sense. So. But that is... That for the Kickstarter. Me, Jamie, Ryan, and everybody else that fucking... <laughs> and Scott that fucking loves... I think Michael may have been the only person that didn't get it on the Kickstarter. I don't, I don't think Derek did it either. Yeah, Derek's been dealing with, like, bomb threats at work, so... Yeah, exactly. Like, 
two bomb threats in one day at a Sam's Club. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. What? Yeah. But yeah, have, so, I just, yeah, I just have people shooting each other at, literally right out in front of the emergency room where I work. So. <laughs> so. It's fucking fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so, but I'm super pumped about this. I can't wait. In fact, like, I look at my mechs on the shelf, and that's the great thing about Battletech. Like, for a guy like me that likes to take their time and be detailed when it comes to painting, and yeah. I'm saying I'm a good painter, but I have OCD, so I, <laughs> I, I need to, like, do certain things when I paint, and if I got, like, this image in my head, I'm not going to say a miniature's complete until, like, I, I, I get to at least to whatever is in my head. But, so, Battletech is so awesome because, like, the miniatures, you just, like, you'll... It, at most, a- at most, classic Battletech, if you're, let's say, I'll, I'll even just say, like, if you're playing heavy and assault mechs, you'll be lucky if you can play a game of a star of mechs. And I'm talking heavy and assaults here, a combination of both, uh, within four to five hours. That's how detailed yeah, this game is, and that's how powerful assault and heavy mechs are. Whereas, like, Overstruck, I don't think it's supposed to be anywhere. I think it's supposed to be, like, 30 to 40 minute games. So. Yeah. But like, I like, love with, the classic battle deck. So, and that's the, that's the other thing. So, like, Ryan and Scott, they're, they're non-hex guys. I'm a hex guy. I fucking love the hex maps. Well, that's the same thing with, like, Dust. Like, Ryan is like, fuck y'all, I have awesome terrain. I'm playing non-grid. And, like, the people that, you know, the guys that create the game, they're like, no, we try to make it simple. You play on the grid, blah, blah, blah. And Ryan's like, fuck that. There's, you all make good terrain. You know, you shouldn't have to play on a grid because of the terrain that you make. You know, like, they, the stuff that they have, and you can also just use other, you know, uh, 40K scale terrain, too, for, for dust if you really want to. Like it's it's the same deal. Like they, I understand why Ryan doesn't play uh, uh, hex. I mean, I can tell you why. Me and my buddy Matt down here in South Florida fucking play hex is because what? you can go on Amazon right now and buy the official map pack. Well, the re-released map pack of the best maps considered. They're just paper maps. They have all the hexes on them. They have all the terrain on them, and then you just reference to the main rule book of like what that terrain does for you. And you don't need a you don't need a ruler like no uh, yeah I, I no look I'm not arguing with it. I totally understand and it's also like for me space is a bit of a consideration so like the hex way would probably be better because I don't have to have all this 3D terrain to store and find some place to keep the kids from getting out of and also like if I'm going to a game store to play a, a game with somebody else I just have to take like a roll up mat you know and yeah like, dude, like the, the 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 like my uh, one of my good friends. Uh, came down because he was he was working here in the in the port and uh me and him were just shooting the shit in my apartment and we were eating pizza and i was like hey man you want to try this you want to try this game out i play he's like oh what what is this warhammer because you got you, you made me try that and i wasn't really into that and i was like nah man you'll like this one because you're an engineer and so i i brought out the fucking i brought out the map pack that i bought and in there, they had the simple, like, beginner one versus one, uh, one player versus one player size map that you're, you can probably use a max, maybe two medium to assault-sized mechs on each side. 
if you go lower than that, you could probably squeeze in three. But that's how big the mat was. Right. And uh, so, oh, it's so funny. We start the game, and I gave him, I gave him a, I gave him a warhammer with two. Uh, I forget the variant. The PPCs or the auto cannons. Auto cannons. So it's like a Warhammer 2C10 or something like that. Well, no, it wasn't a 2C. It was a, it was a regular Warhammer. Oh, okay. So he, it, I forget what, it, and it had it had the auto cannons on it, and I was rocking my favorite mech, which is the Warhammer 2C9, which okay. is just a Warhammer that gets jump jets, can move really fast, has slightly less armor, but it has two fucking rack fives. It's dope. <laughs> fucking do and so uh turn one uh i won the initiative um so he moved first because that's how battletech works is you roll for initiative every single turn right the winner uh decides if they move or they let the other person move and since battletech is all about strategy and, and uh wanting to do the actions last you always make your opponent go first. Unless you need to be in a situation where you know for a guarantee like it's going to be advantageous to you. So he, he, he moved first, and he's a little bit slower than mine. So I, I jumped across the board. I got into some cover. And then the next turn, he won the initiative. He moved. Uh, he made me move first, so I... Um, I did the, the really shitty thing that jump mechs do, which is just like you just you just jump like one hex square over into the same like cover so that like you you get all the modifiers to to hitting you as well as like to hit and you get the cover bonus so it worked out on my end uh so i thought mm -hmm. but then he moved up to me within his medium range of uh well no he actually that's right he had a ppvc on there And uh, lo and behold, two turns into his intro game, he fucking headshotted me. <laughs> Box cars right out the gate, man. Yeah, I know. Um, you were you, Odin. We were talking about earlier. Him and his wife actually used to play BattleTech, and um, like you know, just kind of weird, but random. But like she would like always seems like she would always get uh uh headshots on everything, just like you know, because it's totally random. Oh, but yeah. she would like totally like she would take out like top top line assault mechs with like a single shot because she was like damn lucky scoring headshots on them. Well, yeah, no, but like the the my buddy like it, like the shooting the the shooting phase it turned to completely ass blasted me. <laughs> so it was like it was like one of those situations where I felt like I was back in like seventh edition forty k when they came out with the crazy fucking. Gene Stealer Cole like special abilities with coming from the depths of the fucking sewers or wherever the fuck they come out of. Right. Like, they and pop out. Like, you would have like a, a blob of like thirty or twenty fucking gene stealers with the fucking Primus and they would be three inches away from you at a deployment and then they could charge. And I just remember like it was just a moment I remember that happened to me and it was turn one. <laughs> and he got the first turn. Gene Steelers don't shoot. So I was just like, I looked at, he deployed three inches in front of me. 
I saw all of my army was in one nice, like, consistent blob for him to get into close combat with, with Gene Stealers. And I was just like, I put my hand over the table, and I was like, all right, man, good game. Do you want to restart this, or what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was like that, it was like that fucking crazy. And I was like, this is my life now. <laughs> it's going to get fucking ass blasted by my buddy who's never played this game before. Hey, it happens. Sometimes you want to do that so that it gets them kind of hooked into it so you have somebody to play with. I know, right? Yeah. Well, holy shit. We did it, man. Well, all we got to do now is, like, knock out any events on your end if you're if from your local area. And I'm going to do a couple shout-outs on my end. I don't have any local events. Um, I did get new. Like, what happened here is, like, we used to have, like, eight game stores locally. And then uh, GW put a store in. And within two years, two or three years of the GW store getting put in, um, all the other game stores closed. Really? Even though they weren't, even though they weren't running a lot of GW stuff, they just closed. Um, I don't know if it, what was going, why it happened. Now, there's stuff out of town, like in Tuscaloosa and a couple of the other places that are a little bit more, you know, like I don't know, 30 to 50 miles outside of town. Uh, they just, I just saw that in the past day that they're getting ready to open a big new game store here. Not that our GW is bad. Our GW here is actually the guy that runs it. It's really cool. Um, he's not like your typical GW manager. Um, he's very, let's say, loose with the rules and interpretations. And he's a, he's actually a really friendly guy. He's not he's not very pressure driven to the force the sale like a lot of other GWs are. And he's actually just a cool guy to hang out with. But um. Not that I'm, I'm not trying to disperse him or GW at all, but you know, everybody's got their problems with them. I'm, I'm not denying that, but he's, a, he's a really nice guy to deal with. Um, but they're opening a new game store, like an, a friendly local game shop that's actually in a very good location, high traffic and everything. And uh, it's not going to be open till October, so I'm looking forward to that to kind of get into some of the non uh, mainline GW gaming. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's the tits right there. Um, on my end, uh, so still South Florida is still a little rough trying to get a gaming community together. So if anybody that's listening to this lives in South Florida and would like to get some sort of just like heresy game night going on, whether at uh, the only good store right now is Tate's because I'm banned at Hey Wanna Play. So Tate's, Tate's Gaming Satellite, that's where we'll go. So if you contact me at the fucking RFI page in South Florida and we want to get something going on, whether if you live in Miami or up to Fort Pierce or you're in Fort Lauderdale like myself, let me know. We'll get something started. Um, I'm looking for, I'm at, like, there are no heresy players down here. So I'm looking for people. So if you're listening to this and you're in the same area as I am, hit me up and we'll get something started. I don't give a fuck if it's one person. I'm always down. So, yes, uh, same here. I mean, like, if I know there are there are 30k players because a lot of, they actually had a decent amount of 30k players at the uh, GW store for a while when they had Calf and Prospero boxes. But yeah. if anybody's looking for a game around here, just hit me up, man. Um, oh yeah. So. Um. Other than that, uh, so a couple of shout-outs here. So the first one we got for events. Here we go. We have uh. The Death of Illustrious, a part, it's the 30K uh, event, a part of the SoCal 2019. 
It'll be taking place at the Del Mar Fairgrounds in California on October 26th and 27th. So SoCal 2019 Open is like a giant gaming uh, convention that takes place every year. This is the 30K event within the SoCal 2019. So tickets are $65 and it's run it's being run, it's being hosted by Frontline Gaming. Uh, the tournament organizer is both wonderful people named Zach and Teresa. You can contact uh, the tournament organizer at uh, ztac22 at gmail.com and that's spelled z t a c h Two two at gmail.com. That's the TL. Uh, additionally, uh, let's see here. What I got about that. Um, so I covered that. Yeah, and if you go to the Frontline Gaming website and you go to their 2019 section, just go ahead and go on over to the SoCal Open registration link, and that's how you register for it. But reading some of the, uh, the old rules here, it's a two-day event. Uh, looks like we got... Uh, let's see here. Some pretty neat stuff. They're not allowing the Psy Arcana items, which is dope, because that one fucking blade is ridiculous right now. <laughs> uh, registration starts at 8 a.m. on Saturday, the 26th of October. Um, it goes all the way up until 6 p.m. Then the next day, round four begins at 9 a.m., and I got a little error here. It says like it ends at 12 a.m. Or maybe it's not an error and they like to really fucking party hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, it is advertised as a narrative event. So, you know, don't go in there trying to crush dicks. Just go with there like if, you, if you're like me and you got like your armies like either Thousand Sons or Dark Angels. Just make Beer up and pretzels, a- man. Beer and pretzels. What's up? Beer and pretzels, man. Beer and pretzels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just make you know, just make your army like fit for that army. You know what I mean? Right. Fluffy versus uh, like smash dicking. <laughs> I know, right? All models must be fully painted and based to at least a tabletop quantity standard outlined by Warhammer World. Um, if you, oh, that's that's not this campaign, but they have campaign points. Uh, they got a Facebook event page, which they have the event packet up. Um, so if you go, just contact that TO, and they'll point you in the right spot. And uh, we'll go ahead, and I'll, I'll post the link to the event page because they sent it to me. Um, but, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, there's also a tier level with the point system, so that's why I couldn't figure out, like, how many points it actually was because they have uh, – Depending on the points level of the game, it's associated with a tier. And um, that tier has certain restrictions. So, for instance, 1,500-point list is Tier 1. And at Tier 1, you're not allowed to have a Knight Faction. You're not allowed any characters with the Master of the Legion rule, includes Primarchs, except for the Legion Delegatus. You can't have Arch, Magos, Dracovic. You can't have Constantine Valdor, you can't have any Lords of War, and you can't have any tanks exceeding a total value of 32. So, for instance, a Predator's 13, 11, 10, that's 34. You can't bring them in a Tier 1 list. Restricted units, which are restricted to 0, 1 choices, are bikes, attack bikes, jet bikes, artillery, monsters, creatures, Leviathan, Siege, Dreadnoughts. 
So your basic Centurion loadout, uh, loadout there. And obviously, because of the fucking, you can't have uh, Lords of War, you can't run the uh, Leviathan Force Orb chart. And then as the list increase, you move up in tiers and it becomes lesser restricted. And then I believe on the last day, they're doing like a giant war zone day. And it seems like it's just giant apocalypse missions, which seems pretty deep. All in all, this, as, a, as the gentleman that will be instructing people at camp on event packs and event organization and planning... This is a uh, this is a solid event pack. Not gonna lie, they they, they, they these uh, this, this lady and this gentleman did a fine good job. Um, so they did a good job on it. So go check them out if you're gonna be in the area. Go to SoCal 2019 and sign up for their uh, event, the Death of Illustrious. So that knocks that one out. Uh, down here in sort of the Orlando, Florida area in October. Uh, there, is a, there is a big gaming convention every single year that takes place. It's called the Crucible. Uh, there, this is the first time, pay attention everybody, this is the first time they're doing a heresy event at the Crucible. And the gentleman that's running it, Aaron, uh, his whole sole purpose of this, of running the heresy event at the crucible it's only a one-day event nothing big nothing crazy uh the whole purpose he's running it is because he wants to try and build a heresy gaming community down here so by all means if you can make it help out out help out help a brother out let's build this community up let's get these fucking players around and let's let's stop fucking around guys let's let's (laughs) keep going at it you know what i mean we just gotta keep, you know, little, little, little chips, little chips, and eventually that cookie will crumble. You know what I mean? But it does take place during the Crucible, which is the name of the event. So you can just type in the Crucible at Google, um, and you'll the main website will pop up. Uh, nothing uh, too crazy is is on the website now as far as his event uh, uh, event. Um, in fact, they didn't even put a section in for him for uh, what games they're playing. They got, like, it's pretty, like, listen, guys, it's pretty sad. Like, we can't fucking have this this cock-sucking convention not put in 30K, but they put in fucking Age of Sigmar and Blood Bowl. Like, come on. Like, this guy told them he's running a 30K event, and he got sanctioned with the Hominus Dominus. And they don't even hook them up with a little fucking like paragraph like they did for the rest of these chodes. So get out there, support him in his event. He's like right now he has a max of twenty players, and I challenge all y'all to like max that out and make a wait list. Oh, was it this weekend? Or did Samson? Are you going to do over the? Was it Nashcon? What? Nashcon, like Na- the Nashville convention that uh, Samson does. He runs the 30K event there. I think it's coming up. I wasn't even tracking that. Week. Oh, yeah. They, they t- I think they talked about it a little bit last weekend. Like, UC was taking terrain back to Samson that he borrowed for a convention in uh, Chattanooga. But, like, I think it's... I, I, besides the fact, I think it's actually sold out for 30K. Are you talking about Nova? A, no, no. This isn't Nashville. Nova's up there in the D.C. Oh, Baltimore area. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, 
Samson's got an event that he hosts at NASCON. It's like, um, it's like usually there's like twenty to thirty player slots, and I think they're actually all already sold out for the thirty k side of the the con. So I, I don't. If you want to get, if you want to maybe if you're in the Nashville area and maybe want to go see it, uh, try and get in touch with David Sampson. <laughs> well, uh, so just to hit that up again, um, so old boy Aaron stepping up. He's got big brass balls. He's going to try running the first ever horse heresy cru- uh, event at the Crucible one day. Three missions, twenty max people. I challenge all to max it out and get a waiting list going. Uh, 2,500 points, no Primarchs or Relics. You do get a 25% Lord of War. And uh, since it's open and wanting to build the player base, I know this is going to hurt some of you, but they're allowing unpainted models to, to play in. Like, they just want, they, he just wants to build players. And then from there, we can, you can start small and work your way up to get into these events where you stop, you start, like, telling people, like, nah, man, you need, like, painted models. The cool thing is, though, uh, if you go and you play against a uh, unpainted army, you get preferred enemy unpainted models. So, preferred enemy graying legion. Exactly, that's what I'm talking about. Those fucking three colors, man. It goes for space wolves too. All right. Holy shit, we did it, man. We got through it. I know it. It's dragged on a bit, but uh, it, it there was a lot that needed to be said. So there was a lot that needed to be said because there wasn't a lot that was coming out from us, and we do apologize. And that is because everybody around here is getting amped up and pumped up for fucking War Games Camp. Ryan's busy. Michael's busy. I've been a little bit busy. Scott's busy. Like it's a Jamie's busy with getting crazy LEDs to prove to all these fucking painters that you don't need to paint in order to make light. So it's nuts. Um. But it is what it is, and that's why we're out here right now, and that's why you're going to absolutely, hopefully, enjoy this going on three hours and 32-minute episode. And as a special treat, uh, you'll get to talk to, you'll get to listen to me and past Ryan talk to fucking... uh, CK Studios, right? CK Studios, yeah. Fucking Cat and Caleb. So y'all, y'all have a record, probably a record length show today or tonight, and uh, hope y'all enjoy it. And hopefully exactly. we won't be as uh, infrequent. It's just there's been a lot going on with everybody on the show. So yeah, it's just War Games cramp has has gotten crazy. Yeah. And if, if y'all, if, if, for those of you out there who've run like twenty man or fucking like just. 12 to 10 man events and shit like that. And imagine, imagine trying to do it on a scale which you got like moving parts of people sleeping and eating and fucking shitting all in the same place for four days. Transportation and all the other kind of crap and getting everything to and from. But that's why we're doing this episode and that's why you get this nice long episode that'll probably last you. I guarantee you that for most of you, this episode will probably last you a good solid five Monday through Friday business days of to and from work traffic. So you're welcome. I mean, that's all I got. Jamie, you got anything else? Nope. It's pretty late on my part. So I know it's real late for you. So, but yeah, it's 1 in the morning around here, bitch. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, I, I know I haven't been on the show a whole lot, but, you know, I'm around for help when it's needed. And, uh, and maybe I'll, you'll hear me a little bit more coming up with some of the other shows. Yep. Same but thing. Really... It's like if, you, if y'all haven't figured it out, like I'm now part of the show. And whoever that fuck is that called me Yoko Ono, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been I've, I've kind of been <laughs> on the show in the background. Uh, so, yeah. it, I mean, I've been around for a while, but. We hope to see everybody at War Games Camp coming up in yep. September. It seems like it's far away, but it's really not when you look at it. I think it's actually under a month at this point. So. Yep. But, Dude, uh, I think I'm going to like, eat some fucking McDonald's right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to crash. So. Well, I'm tired, but I'm also hungry. So I'm about to fucking get some Mickey D's. <laughs> All but, right. Well, hey, Jamie, unless you got something for him, I got nothing for him. I'm done. All right, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because I know there's got to be some ladies out there, um, we're signing off. I hope you. We're gonna leave you with the awesome interview that me, that myself and Ryan did with CK Studios and their and promotion of their World War Titan uh, raffle they got going on, all in support of the Fisher House, which is a fantastic organization. That falls under the Nova Charity Charities Foundation. So have a great night, and we hope to see all y'all at War Games Camp. Peace, Peace out. All right, what's up, everybody? It's uh, Vince here for once doing an opener, which is really fucking weird. And then we got Ryan here with no beard, which is even fucking cooler. Yeah, that's paperwork. <laughs> And then we have our very special guest on uh, the Secret Studios crew. What's going on, guys? How you doing? So, uh, what are we what are we going to be here talking about? What do you guys got? What do you guys got for us? What do you want the the world to hear? <laughs> oh my goodness, so much going on. <laughs> so you guys, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Caleb's been pretty wrapped up for the last few months with the rest of the, the team um, working on the charity raffle that we're doing for uh, Nova Open Charitable Foundation. Um, and he's been, he's been pretty tied up with that while trying to manage all the classes, too. So it's been quite an epic project. I'd love to hear him tell you guys about it. Where are you guys at right now on the on the Titan? Is it is it finished or is it like what what are we talking about here? Final assembly. So um, I just I got the the gun arms back from Justin right before right before we took off for Kingston. Uh, we had a, a class up in Kingston, so I got the arms like right before we took off. Um, had to do just a little bit deal t- detail work on them, so I'm finishing those up. But the the torso. All the armor plates, everything came back from Sam and Vincent. Um, we got a couple of teaser teaser pictures up uh, over at CK Studios. We did a little uh, did a little teaser video I shot. Not super high quality. It was just that night. I don't I don't know. I was up till like eleven o'clock the other night trying to assemble this thing to get some pictures ready. And uh, yeah, so it's yeah, it's the the home stretch right now. Final assembly. Um, a couple little adjustments here and there. Yeah, crazy. It's been a man. What a project! What a project! It's been a. Yeah. Cool. So so so, and this is also like you like you already alluded to. It's been a collaborative work between yourself, uh, a gentleman named Vince Venturella, 
Sam Lentz, Justin Kiefer, and Devin Bush, right? Yeah, yeah. Carl Tuttle. Ooh. Yeah, and then, yeah, it says right here, naming and backstory by Carl Tuttle of the independent characters. Yep. So he, he wrote this little, this cool little, uh, like, in-depth story right here. So begin encrypted transmission, security, vermilion level, warnings, for fabricator low cams, eyes are higher only, message begins. To our most holy mages, Domina, Savannah, Rakavos. On this day, I've discovered a gift long thought lost to us upon the planet designated Calypso 2. This world, once a target of the War Master Horus and a victim of the traitor forces during civil war between the Astartes legions, has revealed to us a prize beyond value. I'm proud to reveal that we have discovered the lost god machine in Warlord Class Titan, Siege of Heaven. So. <laughs> That's so rad. He wrote an entire story that goes with it. That's just the intro paragraph. Oh, uh, really? So, like, how much more of this, like, back, background story is for this Titan? It's another 10 or 11 pages. I just got to read it today. It's an incredible little story that he wrote. What? And it, it literally, the entire Titan has been built around this kind of vision of what Carl had. Um, when we picked out the parts for it, the, the different pieces for the build, it was built around the idea that Carl had in his head for what the Titan had gone through and, and how we could build it to play toward the story. And then the artists all took this and interpreted it, discovered what they wanted to use for the colors. And I mean, this went on for a couple of weeks, just the planning and the good juju about the project itself. And then Vince and Sam just absolutely slayed telling the story with a bunch of freehand all over it. And Caleb and Justin working the, the entire carapace of this thing inside and out, actually uh, laying down the color and developing, developing the actual foundation for the project. So it's literally all based on the vision that Carl had, the story that he's written. And he wrote it specifically for this project. That is insane. Yeah, it, it's been absolutely amazing to watch all these incredibly talented people just nail a project this big, this well. It's so cool. That Titan is amazing. <laughs> and and it, 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 to me, it's a little, it's like, wow, because the raffle tickets are literally, literally only $8 each for this thing. This thing is probably worth over $5,000 at this point, easily. And like, <laughs> for $8 each. Someone's going to win this thing. That is Captain Insano right there from fucking Waterboy. That's what that is. Uh, <laughs> so, is this the first time y'all have ha ha done something for Nova and, the, and, and working with Nova, or is this like your first venture into do, uh, collaborating with the, the Nova Charitable Foundation? No, we we've done a few with them. Um, in past years, we've we've did a a, a few smaller projects, um, space marines and and little armies, and uh, helping out with one of like the themed armies stuff like that. They've all been small projects. It's never been anything on that scale. Um, maybe a unit here, a unit there, something like that. Um, so this year, um, we we did a I did a night lords unit for them. Uh, oh. myself and then um we got asked to do this titan after after i had agreed to the other one so we kind of doubled up this year <laughs> but, uh by far this titan is the largest project we've done with them yet i i kind of i have a great kind of funny story, story about us taking on the project 
because someone approached us and asked us, you know, if we'd be willing to work on the project and paint this Titan for the, the donation and whatnot. And Caleb wasn't with me at the moment. And when they asked, I was like, absolutely, Caleb would love to do that. It would, <laughs> would be so awesome because Caleb has been bugging Carl and, and whatnot that Carl needs to have Warhounds for this Titan that he did for Carl. And so when they said Warlord Titan, it didn't even occur to me that they would have said Warlord Titan. I was thinking Warhound Titan. And I was like, no problem. Caleb would, would probably really enjoy doing that. You know, I'll talk to him about it. And so I, I went and I got Caleb and I was talking to him about it. And I said, by the way, you know, I kind of, um, I kind of said you would do something for Nova for the charity route. Um, charity raffle this year and I told him I said you know um you're gonna do a warlord titan <laughs> he's like he was like the fuck I am what are you talking about <laughs> oh my God, it was so I've never seen Caleb's face go white it went completely white and he just looks at me and he's like dude do you realize this thing's the size of a toddler <laughs> and I'm like he means the size it's a warrior it's like oh no <laughs> This is not a warhound, is it? Caleb, be honest. When you when you first heard that, you're probably like, "Oh, this is sweet. I'm this professional painter that puts on these professional play classes. Now I can get into Adeptus Titanicus and start going down that realm." And then you found out it was the actual big model, and you were like, "Fuck." Well, I knew that was the big model, and she came up so excited. She said, Guess what? We're gonna do this. And I was like. Oh my God, where, where am I going to find the time to do this thing? So, um, you know, originally that was the plan. I was going to do it and I'm sitting there and we talked about it, Kat and I, and Kat says, well, you know, why don't we just do this as a collaborate? We brought on these new artists and what better way to showcase the skill of all the new instructors than to just do it as a group project. And I was like, oh yeah, fantastic group project. That's even better, right? You're like, oh, yeah, it won't be that bad. Fast forward five months, and when you have five artists that are all full-time, um, you know, they, they all have schedules. None of our schedules matched. Uh, we start. We actually started painting the armor right before Adepticon. Oh, we didn't get the armor back after the freehand was done and all that stuff until, what was it, the first week of July? <laughs> Yeah, so, um, you know, just trying to get everybody's schedules to mesh up and when people could could do it. Um, Vincent went on, uh, you know, he went to Europe and then he was traveling for Europe. And then when he got back, Sam went on like his series of classes. And then Justin was trying to do his stuff in between classes. And of course, you know, we're jumping on it. We uh, we get the Titan together. And I couldn't even assemble it because I got it like two days before I had to take off to go to Canada. So. I'm opening these boxes and pulling out, you know, the armor plates. And I'm just like, oh, this seems to be so awesome. And then I have to pack it all back up, you know, because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So um, it's been quite the project, not necessarily for the workload, but just trying to organize everything and get everything to flow right and make sure that parts got to the people um, in time for it to hurry up and wait on each person. But it was still that. You know, it was kind of intense, and the, the last few weeks, I, I was a little stressed out. We're about we're about a week behind on our schedule, which is not terrible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's so worth it. 
when you guys when you guys get to see this thing, I mean, it's way worth the eight bucks for a ticket. Whoever wins this thing is, this, yeah. So 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 my so my question for both of you. So when you guys do these collaborative projects with with other other artists, mm -hmm. it and everybody obviously like because. You go to your class, you, you go to like a Matt Cain class, or you, or you go to like a, a Miles class or a Henry Steele class. You, 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 everybody sort of has their own little niche, their own little technique. Does that show in a model like this? Like, or do you guys actually collaborate and figure out like, all right, this is what it needs to look like. So like, hey, Johnny, don't put your fucking signature line on there because like it's going to, you're going to have one armor panel that everybody knows that you did. And we get it, man. You got a big ego, but this is for charity. You know what I mean? Is that... Or did you have people? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, did you have people like the way I would do it? I don't know what they did. Is there's certain artists that are really good at one thing? You could have them do like, well, you do the freehand, or you do the fur, or you do the, you know, the metal skeleton because you're good at metallics or whatever. That's how I would have split it up. Like went played to everybody's strengths. You know what? That's a lot like what we did. We really looked at what the team was um, capable of doing, and then we talked out the project. And as the project was developing, like what colors we were going to do, this and that, I think it just started melding. Everybody kind of knows what each other can do on the team. And Sam and Vince actually came together and worked at Sam's house. Vince went and stayed at Sam's house, and they did the freehand at the same time. Dramatically, uh, so they could do everything together. And then Justin and Caleb were working on, you know, the armor and all that stuff, and they were going back and forth and sharing the recipes and making sure they were doing the same thing, built on the theme. And so it was kind of a, everybody decided what we were going to do for the project. And then, yes, the artists were definitely doing what they could do the best for their, for their skill sets. Um, I think any one of them could do the whole entire thing. But we took, we took their strengths and also what they were interested in doing. Because it's, it's a lot to ask for people to give up their time for free. They might, we might want, you know, for them to have the opportunity to enjoy actually getting to do the work they were doing. So, and it's it's kind of falling on Caleb to wrap the project together. So bring bring the colors together, bring some of uh, you know the finishing effects that Sam did on some areas. Caleb has to copy that now and go and apply it in other areas to tie things together and wrap the project up. So it's it's been an it's been amazing because there's such a highly talented group of people that they were able to really understand what each other was going to do and then play off each other. And this thing just turned out stunning, absolutely stunning. And it's coming with its own carry case and everything. Caleb's working on customizing a KR case for it. So all, all the work is going to be protected and everything. Oh, I can't, uh, you guys were just, you guys were just hanging up with the, hanging out with the boys of the golden throne over in Canada. Uh, oh. over Victoria and I was just over there before right before y'all got there because I was there at their event and there was a guy there that had a uh, a warlord titan and he had like a custom like he, he basically made his own case for it. like he got a pelican case and it was just he just like popped it in there like full on just like and he cut out the foam to its own it was it was crazy. Yeah. That's basically where Caleb's at right now. The rest part of this week is gonna be finishing up the foam so that it, it all gets into the carrier correctly so 
But I don't know. I think that's kind of how things laid out, don't you, Caleb, with all the artists actually contributing their part? Yeah, we definitely worked with the artists to... I wouldn't say we worked to the artist's strength. The artists that, that did this are so good that, I mean... It, yeah. There wasn't like a necessarily like a strength that one artist had. It was just kind of what people wanted to do. Mm -hmm. The cool thing is that this model was never pre-assembled or matched to make sure that stuff matched and hey maybe adjust this maybe adjust that like everything was done over literally over text messages in a facebook group um and you know photographs don't give you the right light don't give you the right color yeah. that stuff bringing this model together and putting it together i was just like dude you cannot look at one part of this model and say, oh, I can see where one artist painted that panel and another artist painted that panel. Um, you you won't be able to tell which artist did anything. You're not going to be, oh, that's Sam's work right there. Or, oh, that's Vincent's work. I mean, it all meshes together so well. It looks like one artist painted the entire thing. And um, I thought that was pretty cool about it. And I, I was thinking, I was just thinking about that the other night as I was putting together. I was kind of laughing to myself and... Um, it just the thing tied together is really unique. Uh, I think this is going to be a very unique project. Mm -hmm. do you, do you, when you guys do do a project that big, it's, especially something for this, like for a uh, for a charity organization, where where like the prize is going to get raffled off, and somebody's going to take this home, and they're going to like worship it and treasure it forever, or it's going to go to some dickhead, and then he's going to be like, I can make a quick buck off of this. And I hope that doesn't happen. But irregardless, the charity gets money. But do you guys, on like on something like this, do you guys ever just like go in there, like on like the back side of like an armor panel, and just like put like your own custom like decal or something, or like water slide transfer, just so that like yeah, this is this is me, and then just like nobody would ever think to like take this whole thing apart, but like what if the one clumsy guy that gets it and he just drops it and it shatters, and then like you see like this CK Studios transfer on the inside? You guys ever do something like that? <laughs> I think I think every artist does that. I, I think every I knew it. I knew it. You guys, just like that doctor who like put his initials in that poor woman's stomach and then sued, sued the hell out of him. <laughs> this is <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. We should have had a special like um, prize for if you could find it. Um, without tearing it apart. This, this, <laughs> don't, don't tear this model apart to try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> See you what you started, that? Vince? Yeah. No, I just I just knew these guys, whenever they do something like this, they gotta put something special on the inside. <laughs> I just wanted them to say it. Just it's full it. of candy, like a pinata. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a giant Cadbury egg. You guys can expect like <laughs> Like chocolate nougaty cream inside this World War Titan. It's a yep. kind, it's a Kinder Titan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of candies in it. Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's something that we we need to really kind of um, talk about too is that it is it is for charity, and it's going through Nova Open Charitable Foundation. Of course, Nova Open Charitable Foundation yes. is selling the tickets on their site. And the tickets are $8 each, but it's going to benefit Fisher House um, Foundation. And which is kind of really neat for us in particular. Uh, Caleb works you know, for the Army. And this is the Fisher House um, uh, Foundation is actually one of the 
best charitable charity organizations in the country, rated one of the best year after year, and they serve our military. So it's um, kind of a really cool project when you tie it all together. We're really hoping that we can raise at least $50,000 for the project. Um, we'd like to be able to do more than that. Last year, they did a site and it raised, I believe, wasn't it 40000 Caleb? Yeah, I want to say something like that. Yeah, so we're hoping we can, we can of course, with, um, with the people that follow us and support us, that we're able to kind of push it even further than that. And we've got so many people that are in our alumni circle and in our greater kind of gaming meta that are military and vets and currently still active duty. And we've had, when we go to Texas, if we go down and teach a, a class in San Antonio, we have, it's a classroom full of military guys. Oh yeah, because you got that big Air Force base that's right out there. Exactly. So to be able to get to do this is kind of really seriously full circle for us. And really hoping that beyond the kind of the fun part of it and the art part of it and the project itself, that we're able to actually do something really good with this effort and raise some money for a very fantastic organization. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm, I'm right now serving and uh, the Fisher House is phenomenal. Um, I, I, I've, I've had Marines that have personally uh, used this program because uh, so when you're out in 29 Palms, the nearest local, the nearest naval hospital is is uh, forget the weird name for it. It's it's but it's in San Diego. And so what the Fisher House allows, like provides for a Marine is like if if they if they need to go to that hospital and stay there for an extended like extended care because like either they're a wounded warrior or they're sick or something like that. Basically, the Fisher House, and this is not just like in San Diego; they're all across the United States. It allows your family to just. Lit, like be at the Fisher House for free to be with your your significant other as they're going through that medical care, and yeah. it's and it's it, it's funny because like the Fisher House is a very it, it's 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 not that known and they don't even talk about it in the in the military that much, um and pe not that many people know about it but then again that goes about like there's like not just the Fisher House but like all the other charitable organizations out there like they're they're very they're very unknown and mm -hmm. but. With Fisher House, though, I can personally say that they're they're awesome and they're they they are doing the Lord's work when it comes to helping helping our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines out and their families when uh, when they need some medical care, medical attention, and that mm -hmm. family needs to come by and, and hang out with them just so that they can be there for their whatever they need to go through. Yeah, exactly. I I'm so uh, it's, it's almost an honor to be a part of this. I didn't take part in any of the painting just being part of the team that being able to to give over this is i really want this to do well i really want to see this do well because it can impact some people and that that's really cool really yeah. cool and then uh are they still so i see that uh what they have from last year so in, in addition to the uh fisher house there uh they did breast cancer research and then they also did doctors without borders are they, are they still are they still continuing with those two organizations as well or is it just the fisher house this year no in fact um i'll be teaching a couple of um of my acrylic pouring classes on canvases there and all of what i'm teaching all the proceeds are going to go directly into um helping doctors without borders so um it's 
they're still supporting all these other things within their raffle system. And then we'll try and raffle off the paintings that the students do and and give them more for that charity. So there's they they've got different events going on to support different aspects of the charities that they give to. Yeah, it, it's just a like Nova it's just a, the Nova Charitable Foundation is just fantastic in what they do. It's basically like we're a bunch of nerds, so we're gonna play. We're gonna pay to play our games that we want to play, and then at the end of the day, all this money goes to charity, charitable organizations. Yeah, fantastic. It's good intention. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we we so the big war, warlord titan. That's what it is, huh? For y'all guys, it's just that yeah. big bad boy, right? Yeah, are you guys doing? Are you guys doing any like models or armies as well, like as side projects, like helping people out for any of the, the other raffles? Um, I did a I did the night or part of the Night Lords project with Dave Taylor. Okay. We did a Zone Mortalis uh, Night Lords oh, list. Okay. It's uh, a couple attack squads, a um, couple Terminator squads, Se Sev Severin, right? Yeah, Severin. Savitar and uh, <laughs> and and then of course the dreadnought. I mean, if you're gonna get the dread the contemptor dreadnought, I think that Night Lord is probably the best looking one. Oh yeah, both the the, the contemptor and the the Leviathan, where it just has like that dude that's chilling out and like skin all stretched across it. Sick. And how cool to get to uh, to get to win a, a dreadnought painted by Caleb. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like 300 of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's done a few. Yeah, a, cu right? a couple. A couple. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. When we go this year, too, um, we get to see a lot of the people that we teach on the East Coast go to Nova. So it's kind of that little reunion we do. Um, we haven't been there. We haven't been there the last one or two years. But this, this for us is a kind of a reboot going back. And our, our entire team is going to be there. So Dev is flying in from the UK. He's one of our instructors over there. Um, and Dev Sotagar. And he runs our community, all of our alumni community and all of our groups and stuff. Dev is taking care of all of that. So he's our community organizer. So he's coming in. Justin's flying out. He'll be teaching the workshop in New Jersey the weekend before. So he's got a one-on-one in New Jersey, which we'd love to get more more. Butts and seats there. That one's gonna oh, be. Oh, 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 what are you guys? What are you guys doing in New Jersey? Where at? Um, Sakasana, New Jersey. Sakasana, I think is what it's called. Um, and the name of the actual event, um, or not actual event, the name of the store. <laughs> I gotta remember which what the name is on that one. But um, Mythico Studios is in Sakasana, New Jersey. And so that one's going to be August 24th and 25th, the weekend before Nova. So Justin will fly out and do that while Caleb and I are in Maryland teaching a private event um, for a group that was the very first place we ever did a workshop and we're going back to do a private event for them. So that one's going to be fun. And then um, everybody else is flying in to teach. Sam's doing a, a two-day workshop for Nova that week. And Vince is going to be there teaching, and um, Devin's going to fly out. I believe Devin will be there. And then they're going to host a kind of a meet, greet, reveal kind of thing of the Titan party. That they, <laughs> I just found out they're selling, actually selling tickets to that. So I think they're still trying to, to get um, more, more money generated for the charity. And um, 
everybody that goes, we're hoping to put a book together so that what Carl's written is is put into writing, actually printed, and hand hand those out to people that buy the tickets. So it's basically yeah. you're getting a free book for your ticket. Yeah, and the plan for that book is not just the art. Uh, I mean, not just the uh, the backstory and stuff, which is amazing. You know, Carl really, really dove in deep um, on the storyline stuff. But it will also have some tutorials from each of the artists on parts of the model of the Warlord Titan. Oh, that's cool. I'm personally doing it on some of the metal techniques, how I went through and did a lot of the trim work. Um, I, I can't remember what Justin is doing on there. Some glowing effects that are going to be tutorialed on it. Uh, some of the different little freehand techniques, um, kind of some of the little secret sauce that we use for for painting our models. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a worthwhile book, and I believe that everybody that attends that meet and greet will get that book. Um, yeah, that's right? cool. Yeah, and um, that's just going to be something special. I think if we get an opportunity to, we'll have the artist sign it. If not, they'll sign the copy that goes with the the winner. And it's one of the huge revelations about this with the artist is Carl is an amazing writer. That dude can write a story. It was so much fun to read that. I thought I got it was so much fun. I had to message him and tell him I really want more of this. <laughs> it, it turned out it was great. Here, guy, I'm just gonna keep painting some models, and you just keep writing out them stories, bud. <laughs> It'll be right. guys got yourself a business going on now. Now you can guys be like instead of CK Studios, you can be like CK Studios Library, and then <laughs> pumping out like digital audio books by Carl Tuttle. I'm like, hey, if you uh, if you if you come to paint class, you paint your model up, pay me a little extra money, we'll do a little storybook for you, and then you can uh, take this home with you and then play it for your kids or something. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> It was, it, that was really cool. That was so neat to read. So, and I'm looking forward to that for everybody that gets to come and get one of those. That's a neat takeaway. Yeah, it's it's sounds like it's going to be an amazing time. Um, I know I know that uh, I also I listen to the uh, the guys over at the Remembrancers Retreat, and that's like their big event every year is like to go to Nova, and so mm -hmm. I know they're, they're talking about it, getting pumped up about it. So. Yeah. So I wish I was back home, and then I would have I'd be heading out that way too. <laughs> Aww, bummer. Uh, yeah. So now we're moving on to your to the most recent classes you guys did. So uh, you guys did two classes in Canada, right? One in BC and one in Ontario. Three, actually. Oh, where else did you do one? Um. Caleb and I were up and and if you actually if you look at it, it's four because Sam also did a, a class in Toronto. So Caleb and I were in Kingston, Ontario, and Sam was in Toronto, Ontario, and um, Justin was in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we were just in Victoria, British Columbia. And this is all in the last four or five weeks. By the way, is it, not only are the are the, the fine gentlemen, the boys of the Golden Throne, like just wonderful people, but isn't Victoria, BC, like one of the most coolest towns you've ever been to? Like, oh my god, yeah. It was so cool. Like, I when I when I got there, I was like, wow, this is actually really like the weather was beautiful. Like, <laughs> you were just like smiling, walking around, walking down the street. And the other thing that surprised me that there was a lot of classic American muscle cars. 
And I was like, what is this? A lot 60... of them. Yeah, I was like, what is this 69 El Camino doing in Canada? I was like, this is fucking cool. Because they all want to be American. <laughs> They're America's hat. It was really cool. I got to, um, after we did our workshop, Caleb um, actually taught a three days there. He taught um, a refresher on Friday, like a 101 refresher, and then the 102 class. Yeah, because it had been a year since we had been there. So he did a little 101, then the two-day, and then um, he had to fly home, almost turn right back around to fly to Chicago. And I stayed, I stayed there for the two days in between. I stayed with AJ. Oh, and, uh, it, he is just, I love AJ and I love his wife. They are just, Ariel, they're both just the coolest people to hang out with. And I just chilled out. It was so nice. I didn't have hardly any internet connection while I was there. So it was just, couldn't do anything but relax. What? In the area. Did he hook you up with a Wi Fi password? He hooked me up with a Wi Fi password. Well, yeah, kind of. Not, <laughs> not that I really, really wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> okay to be unplugged for a little bit so yeah it was nice and um, i had a great time absolutely had a wonderful time there caleb would you say it's one of your favorite places that we teach at both for the people and the location if if i could move there <laughs> i mean i said the same thing I, I was like i could move here this would be like yeah. a fantastic place to live <laughs> So true. That's definitely of all the places we teach at. That's the one where I'm determined. Anytime we go back, I'm taking a couple of extra days. It's so lovely, <laughs> so wonderful. It's like it's like you meet AJ anywhere outside of Victoria, Canada, and you're like, this is the most amazing, lovely person I've ever met in my life. And then you go to Victoria, Canada, and then everybody is just like AJ. And then you're just sitting there like, oh, wow, AJ's not that special. My <laughs> I'm just kidding, AJ. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> They're so wonderful. They, <laughs> yeah, I could hang out with them all the time. I could definitely live there in a heartbeat. <laughs> poor, poor AJ. We love you, AJ. Oh, that cracks me up. <laughs> Uh, but we're, we're sidetracking, and I, I, I'm sorry if that was my fault. Uh, but please go on, like about. So you did all the the classes in Canada, and then Caleb, you went to Chicago, and that was like your guys' most recent one, right? Was the Chicago one? Yeah, we we went there. Um, we got invited to teach at the um, Decathlon Staff Park. Okay. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, I don't know how much we're allowed to share from there. I mean, it's. It's like a secret society over there. Really? What is it again? Not like, really. It's the the Adepticon staff. So, you know, when when you go to a big event, um, any of these events that get put on, there's a tremendous amount of people behind the scenes that put the event on. They have to help. Uh, you know, Ryan, you could attest to this with the Heresy Camp. Um, it, it's a lot of work, and those people, when while you guys are enjoying your games. They're hustling, they're working. They don't get to go sit with the artists, um, get classes or get gaming and stuff like that. So Hank, um, I shouldn't say just Hank, but Hank and Matthias and Jeff, they put together um, a, a party for the for the staff members, for the people involved with the running of Adepticon. Um, and this year they invited us to come over and teach. That way um, the, 
the the staff get a chance to attend some of the classes. So we put together um, kind of like a full convention spread of classes. They were all relatively short. We did one kind of long class on the Armager, but they were mainly like two-hour classes. Um, got to run everybody through a bunch of, of the classes that we do, and then we got to go play games. We got to play... Um, can, we, can we talk about that? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's been released. Yeah, well, I guess that's true, huh? It's out on pre-release now, but we got to play the new War Cry. Uh, phenomenal game. If, if you guys haven't heard about it yet, War Cry is awesome. We got to see all the new bands. We got to see the future bands for War Cry. Um, mm -hmm. The sculpts for those are... Oh, that game is legit. I'm not a big AOS fan, but War Cry... Uh, man, I'm sold on Warcry. I can't wait. Well, Warcry is being labeled as basically the, the the AOS version of Kill Team, right? These are small small unit games. Yes. Yeah, we've heard the same thing. Yes. Um. Yeah. I just, I, man, the, the the gameplay with it, the way it plays, um, the use of, of the models is a little different. Um, Forty five minute games, which is totally in my wheelhouse. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, the the game is fantastic. You, you I guess you could call it you could call it the the kill team of AOS possible. Um, man, I don't know if it's gonna you're gonna be well. No, you do get to use the other the existing armies because they had all the packs with the mm -hmm. cards and stuff for existing factions mm -hmm. of AOS. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's it. I think the replayability of this is probably one of the most epic parts about it too. Along with all the different factions that, are going, that will be playable, <laughs> the way they have it set up, and you can choose the path that you go and play play your game out with. Um, so it's three different cards that determine everything that sets up your game. So it changes, and then there's a book of campaign stuff that you can follow it that way too. Okay. Oh, just so cool. Caleb actually sat and played through a whole game. And um, the terrain was nice. Did you like the way it played with the terrain and the, the mechanics too, Caleb? Did you yeah, have climbing and jumping and all kinds of stuff falling? Yeah, I loved it. Um, in fact, we like it so much that we agreed we're going to sponsor, um, I think, up to eight tables at, at uh Adepticon this year for Warcry, we're going to actually do all the terrain for them. Um, wow. Sponsored by CK Studios. So it was fun, and the, the terrain is gorgeous. It's, it's going to be worth every penny to get that game. Yep. That is. So we did that. Um, we got to hang out. Uh, the, the food was incredible, all the barbecues and everything. I, I gained like 85 pounds there. <laughs> well, not quite that much but it felt like it i mean it just yeah hank really hank really took care of his staff and took care of us as part of his staff um so that was super enjoyable uh, allowed us to get a little refreshed coming back um you know finishing up the titan project this week uh next week we fly off to gen con we got a full spread of classes at gen con this year ryan you're going to gen con right for one day <laughs> i got a first so I changed jobs. I already had my ticket and everything, and then changed jobs, so my schedule changed. We we actually we actually put Ryan to work. <laughs> yeah, is that why you're going for one day? Uh, 
No, I, I was going to go anyway, but um, I'm going to bring those uh, CO2 bottles for you guys, but it's not a big deal. Like I said, it's it's right there in Indianapolis. It's a company we deal with all the time with the company that I work for, so I'm familiar with them and where they're at. I've had to drive up there several times and pick things up for work. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'm glad you're coming down, too. Hopefully, I'll get to actually see you. Yeah. I'll be there all day Thursday, and then um, I work day shift the other three days of the convention. So mm -hmm. um, at nighttime, I could drive up and see you guys, and then when you guys are done with those bottles, I'll come pick them up one night. All right, on. And, and then if anybody wants to come up and say hi, um, we'll be, if we're not teaching, we'll probably be over at Armored Wolf. Uh, they have a booth in the vendor space. Um, those are some really good friends of ours, so we'll be helping out with that booth. And then Sunday afternoon, we'll be over at the Privateer Press booth doing some painting with uh, with Ron over there. Um, so stop by and say hi. Um, hassle us, make fun of us, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Both of you have been absolutely adorable. So like, I, I can't even find myself to make fun of you, and that's pretty hard for me to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at making fun of Caleb. <laughs> I give him such a hard time. I, he's got such thick skin now. <laughs> Poor guy. So then after that, um, you know, we just rolled through August and, and Nova. Um, again, Nova's going to be a pretty big event for us this year with the meet everybody. And then we have a full spread of classes there again. Sam Lentz will have classes. Justin has classes. Um, I think there might even be a few seats open on Justin's classes. I think the majority of classes have sold out at this point, but don't quote me on that. Um, definitely check with the Nova uh, website if you're looking at, at doing any classes there. Um, gosh, after Nova, we get a little bit of downtime. We're going we're gonna to be down in Chicago in September for another 101. I'll be teaching that um that's gonna be fun because it's not in a store it's actually in a museum which I i'm kind of excited for uh i've never taught in a museum so. the old the old indiana jones adage right <laughs> so we'll be there um gosh october is still kind of kind of we're still kind of scheduling that right because I'm I'm taking me personally I'm taking October off. Um, we're, yeah, well, we've got a lot of other classes going on with other instructors too. Yeah, yes. this, this Caleb, you're a madman, dude. Like you're going to Chicago from September 21st to 22nd, uh, doing a 101 class, and then you're heading out to the you're heading out to Nevada September 28th through 29th for another 101 class. Yeah, and that's local for me. So that one's easy. That one's an easy one. That's local for me. It's only about 45 minutes mm -hmm. from me. So I'll actually get to sleep in my own bed there. I forgot about the, the class in Carson City. Mm -hmm. Yep, so. that one's coming up um, September 28th, 29th. Yep. And then, and then, of course, the big one, the one that everybody's going to be excited about is at the Battle Barn. <laughs> we're going to have Sam Lent. And he's doing, this is going to be the last last one of these classes, right, Kat? Is this the last iteration of this one? 
No, he's going to do his beginner one there, I thought. Oh, oh, so this is going to be the first of his new track of classes, which I'm super excited for. So uh, mm-hmm. we've, been, we've been kind of a, an airbrush-oriented uh, studio. A lot of people know us from our airbrushing classes, our, our teaching airbrushing techniques. Sam is actually going to go and kind of go in a different direction, and it's more of a paintbrush-based um, class. And it's going to... It's going to really go into teaching the essentials and developing artists um, from those that are interested in single figures to army painting, to uh, display painting, to commission painting. Um, I mean, it's going to run the gambit of all of those. And they're going to be pretty intensive two-day classes um, working you through. I, I, I think it will scratch just about every itch you might have for miniature painting and that'll be a is it a three-part series that he'll eventually do yeah he's got he's um kind of putting together his next we we did this series of classes for the monstrous creature one and that was kind of a choose your own adventure one where you picked your own model out of a series of four of them and then this beginner class that he's doing um he says that he's going to go into color theory composition contrast units um, in many forms accompanied by visual references. He'll be doing a detailed handout to go with all this so you'll be able to keep up with it. Um, he'll be going into techniques and uh, different things on painting an actual model that he's going to provide. And then the whole gamut of painting uh, a model. And I won't list all of them out, but then kind of some of the cool parts of this particular class is the introduction to basing also. So be looking at basing materials <clears throat> that will either fit sci-fi or fantasy theme, depending on the model that you do. And um, so he'll be going over brass rod, cork board, plastic cards, dirt mixes. Um, yeah, it's going to run. That's, that's one part of this. And he's going to be doing edge highlighting and layering, creating washes, metallic metals, composition, uh, brush techniques, build, building, staging. For the project <clears throat> we had so much fun kind of building out the idea of this beginner class that introduces you into all these ideas and then go from that and build out to the next intermediate courses that take take from this base course okay so is that now i'm looking at your guys's website where you can get all the, the tickets for all the classes is that up on here yet Nope, that's the next one to go up. I just put okay. up four of them today that go that were in September. So they were the month before yours. September and October, I was filling, finishing putting those in today. Okay. And those are four different classes that we have going on in the UK. <clears throat> and they're also, these are one-day workshops, but they're at that beginner level too. So it's like um, tabletop, um, speed painting tabletop, uh, space marines, that kind of thing, Arcadians, I think they are. Katie and Guardsman, and then weathering and battle um, damage on the second day. And there are two different workshops that run on a single weekend if you want to take both of them. So those are going to be going on in the UK with a similar idea of kind of building that base foundation layer. Okay. So your class is the next one to go up, and it should be tomorrow. Hey, you go, Ryan. So, cool. Real- Relative to when we're recording this, it should be online. Okay. 
Well, you have all the, I gave you all this access to the barn page or whatever, so you can put up whatever you want to put up. And if you need any help on my end, just let me know and I'll take care of it. Absolutely. And we have you down for November 16th and 17th. Yep. That's probably right. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I think we're going to be in Atlanta in November too. Taylor and I will be the ninth and 10th. Yeah, we're going to be down in Phoenix in November. No, we're in Atlanta in November. We're in Phoenix in December. You said 16th and 17th in November? Yes. Okay, yep, cool. I got my work schedule right. We're good. <laughs> good. When you when are you guys when are you guys going to come down to sunny South Florida? Dude, we have so much interest in Florida classes and I don't know what it is about Florida. We cannot find a venue to save our lives. Um, one of the hardest things that we have when we try to set up these classes is cold calling stores. And if a lot of the stores aren't aware of what we do and stuff like that, um, they tend to not be terribly interested in having classes. at oh, their. I, I can tell you for like a straight up fact, like there's only two stores around here. And they have no idea that these painting, like, not, and it's no offense to you guys, but like, like everybody else, like Matt Cain, Henry Steele, like Miles, like they have no idea that you all exist and that you offer these classes. And let alone like the, especially down here in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, they're really big into magic, not necessarily tabletop gaming. So it's like, they're like, oh, you teach us how to paint models. That's cool, man. Like, do you want to buy this magic card that costs a thousand dollars? Like, yeah. Yeah, so we're, having, we're just having a little bit of difficulty. I mean, we've got a lot of requests for that area, and we will eventually get a class in there, um, or two, or three, or four, or five. Um, it's just a matter of finding the venue, really. I know I sent you all those venues, but I didn't understand how busy you are, so I'm going to find you a venue down here. Don't worry. Build the Battle Barn South, Vince. I live in an apartment. I can't do it. I can't build Battle Barn South on the apartment. I don't know. Figure it out. I figured it out. I do have my airbrush booth. Like, we could probably do something really ho-dunk in my apartment. It's a loft apartment. we got some pretty, pretty big space around here. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a store. Um, we've taught in uh, community centers. We've taught in, um, like, con condominium. What do you call those things? Like their their public room, whatever that thing's called. Oh, like well, I like like, like the, the list of stuff I sent. Clubhouse, a clubhouse. The community, the community centers around here. I'm trying to think of, did we contact the community centers? I sent out a bunch of emails after we got your list, and I want to say it was a lot of crickets at first, but we'll we'll look back Is at there that. A, there's, they probably got VFWs down there, Vince. Once you set some up through a, v, a VFW. No, there's like, I sent I sent Caleb like the master like because there's a shit ton of parks in, yeah. in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, and they all have like community rec centers which you can rent rooms. And there's like, and I didn't even know that there was a different level of like rec centers because like there's one that's right down the street from me that's purely for the arts. And so, like, they have, like, crazy facilities there. But when I was looking at that to shoot over to Caleb, it was ridiculously expensive just to rent a room for one day. It that's, was like, that's what we're running into with a lot of those is they want a couple thousand bucks. Oh, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. 
the 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 room costs have to get passed on to the students because um, because our our fees pretty much just cover our expenses to be able to come teach yeah and um man you're already asking a decent amount of the students to to pay for the class and then to to put a a hundred dollars on top of it to be able to per student to be able to rent a place we tend to most of our students kind of like i <laughs> that's pretty expensive yeah so we'll, we'll work around it we'll, we'll figure out something it's all just a secret plan to get aj oh. to come hang out with me yeah that's <laughs> all right guys so uh before we get out of here each of you asking the same question if you had one last remaining painting, airbrushing, hobby modeling tip before the world ended, what would you say? Caleb, go. Before the world ended? Yeah, like the world's about to end. And then like some dude, for some reason, he's like, hey, man, I'm about to die before you. But I want to know that one last painting tip. What do you got for me? What do you say? <laughs> I, my, my painting tip would be... Uh, um, Man, air, airbrush hygiene. You know, that's probably the biggest thing that you can do with a brush. And Ryan knows what I'm talking about. It's yep. it's 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 making airbrushing work for you. And and airbrush hygiene is a big part of that. But honestly, if the world's about to end, I don't think it would matter if your airbrush was dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a crappy question, Vince. I'm not gonna lie. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm still rolling with it. Yep. I, I, you have one last painting tip to give to the world. What do you tell the world? This is going to sound cheesy, but I'd say slow down and just enjoy it this time. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. The Bob Ross answer. <laughs> exactly. Paint just a happy a little accident and a happy little tree. You just enjoy it. Paint a happy little space green. Exactly. And it, like... This is, and I know we're about to end this, but side note, uh, I absolutely love Bob Ross. Uh, I, I watched it growing up. In fact, like I'll put Bob Ross on while I'm paying my own miles. It just puts me in a good zen or whatever. And uh, girlfriend, uh, she's up in North Florida. She sent me a care package and I open it up and it's a Bob Ross box of cereal. And on it says the joy of cereal. And it has like the different marshmallow shapes of like what he used to paint. So one says like a happy little tree and a happy little cloud. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for coming on. You guys are absolutely wonderful. Um, once again, the phenomenal work that you guys are doing with this uh, World War Titan, especially going to the Fisher House, it's it's completely awesome. And I commend both of y'all for uh, taking part in that. Um, Ryan, what do you got for him? That's it, man. I mean, just just sign up, sign up for all the painting classes, man. They're they're always good. I've hosted quite a few. I've been to a ton of them. Um, you know, I, I've always learned something at at every one of them. Even if you think you're the best painter in the world, you know, somebody always has something to teach you. I mean, and I always try to tell people they you know they complain about the cost of classes or traveling or whatever, but it's like. If this is something you're going to take serious, like if, if it's a hobby you're going to be in for the long term, even if you just learn and take away one thing, like one thing that you then use on almost every model you paint, how is that not worth a couple hundred bucks? If that saves you time for something you're going to be doing, you know, over years and decades. Yeah. So 
best way the best way I look at it is for a guy like me who, who had like very busy at work, but I like in my free time the, the free time I do have, either I want to paint or I don't want to paint because I'm so tired or nothing. But like for me to go out to these paint courses, it's awesome because like it's a vacation and all I get to do is just like work on my models. Like mm -hmm. I, that's just like that's like the the fifteenth million plus on top of not only are you on like your own little vacation, not only are you learning like from fantastic painters and you're learning these techniques, but it's just like you're you, for me, it's just like I get to touch my models again. I get to I get to paint them. I get to I get to start working on them again. And that's one way I look at it when it's like comes to do these classes. And you meet fantastic people too that are just doing the same thing that you want to do, which is just paint your models and play games. So it's pretty dope. It's so fun. I think the community part of it's probably my favorite part. It, it's exciting to get to go to places and meet everybody. And now that we're kind of, we've been doing this for, uh, I think we're going on four years now. Um, it's, we're revisiting places we've been and it's like going and visiting family again. The community's there, the people we've met and already spent an intense amount of time with in the past are there. And it's, it's really cool. We're getting to see this come through another cycle and getting to visit with everybody again. It's been so much fun. The people are a blast. And we try to keep that going with our alumni group. You know, everybody that's taking the class has an opportunity to be in our alumni group and kind of keep that community going. I think yep. we have over 400 people in that right now. And that's so, great. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, Aunt. Uh, both me and Ryan got to get up early, but once again, it was really awesome having both of you on. Um, Have them shout out all their website and stuff one last time. Yep. So we got ckstudios.bigcartel.com. That's where you'll find all of their tickets for all of their classes that they have posted so far. So once again, we'll start from the top with their uh, 101 uh, dreadnought courses. So. We got the New Jersey Airbrush 101, August 24th through 25th, with Justin Kiefer in Susquehanna, New Jersey. Uh, then we got the Airbrush 101 with Caleb himself in on in September 21st through 22nd in Chicago. Then we got Airbrush 101 in Kansas City with uh, Justin Kiefer from October 26th through 27th. Then Big Man Caleb is back at it again in Carson City, uh, September 28th through the 29th. For the another 101 course, and then the two upcoming monsters creature classes, we got Sam Lentz in Portland, Oregon, from August 3rd through 4th, and then we got Sam Lentz again in Toronto, Ontario, October 26th through the 27th, and then you also have your beginner intermediate one day hobby workshops by Dev Sodegar in Birmingham from 28 29 September. Did I miss anything for you guys? The last one, the Battle Barn one, November 16th and 17th. Yep. Yes. And that'll be the a beginner course with Sam. Boom. We did it. Right. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> Get your raffle tickets. What's the Nova website one last time? The Nova website. Oh, man. I just had it up, too. I think it's nocf.org. Hold on. So what it is, yes, novaopenfoundation.org forward slash raffle. And then if you there type you forward slash siege of heaven, 
that's where you'll find that Titan. Awesome. Yep. All right, so we're going to go back to past events and Scott and Ryan, he knows. Uh, but thanks again for coming on, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. We love coming on and seeing you guys. Yeah.